warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 252. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. I'm so pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Woo-hoo! Bring it in. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, Jake, every once in a while, I look at the future. I look at, I look at the kids. I look at the millennials. You know, we're Gen Xers. And sometimes there's just like, I, I just, I, I see what's out there. I see some of the comments that are made on Facebook, on Twitter. You know, I read the tweets and I'm worried about the future, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, we could do a whole podcast about that. Yeah, but you know, you know, one guy I'm not worried about is our next guest, uh, Finn Deets Creek, now in college, 18 year old Finn Deets Creek. Welcome, man. Wow, thank you guys so much for having me. That was such a nice little prelude. I appreciate that. You know, you're showing me some, uh, some care. You know, I'm not making fun of me. I appreciate that. Yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta handle you with the kid gloves. You know what I No, I'm kidding. No. Definitely no. treat me gentle. I'm not gonna pull any punches this week, Finn. You're, you're an adult now. Oh well, yeah. Yes. It, no, but that's the thing. It's like, Finn, even though you are younger, you, you are well versed in, in, in some of the things from the past. Not everything. We were talking off air. You said you never played a Final Fantasy game. And, True. Uh, you know, hey, you know, something. Some sometimes I hear some of us Gen Xers. We find out that you guys don't, you haven't watched this or you haven't played that, and we flip out. It's because that was like it was ingrained in us these things. You know what I mean? Like these mm. things. Like we grow up and we played these games and we watch these shows. But like, it's not like when you were born, you were like, okay, uh, I'm going to stop watching what everybody was watching now. And uh, I'm going to take a deep dive into the past. I got to catch up <laughs> on the last 20 years of stuff. That way people don't get angered by me, you know? Yeah, so. seriously. Well, it's just like 
especially with things that I'm super passionate about, like music and comic books, like there's so there is like infinite yeah. amount of stuff to do that it's it's almost overwhelming at times to figure out how to watch or listen to everything. Yeah, exactly. There's so much out there, and you know, like there's even stuff from the '80s and '90s that like skip me by. You know, I, I yeah. I uh, I hadn't watched Galaxy Quest for crying out loud up until like maybe a year or two ago, which is like for some people that's crazy. But yeah, there's sometimes there's these little things that just get biased that we don't watch. But uh, you you are pretty well versed in a lot of things, and and that's impressive for uh, one of you millennials. So I'll, I'll, wow, uh, I'll give you that. Thank not, you. Not really a millennial, right? Like Gen Z is that what the technical term is? I don't care anymore. I, anyone like this twenty five or under is a millennial in everyone else's eyes. So whatever I am, it, 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 Jake. There's really no set. I, there's really no set rules for like Gen X, and it's basically different websites give you different dates and and names and everything. So it's really hard to kind of like nail down what's real and what's not. I I've never been able to kind of like figure out like when the date starts and when it stops. So okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. It's just a little bit, yeah, you just kind of see it thrown all over the place, right? Anyone that's not Gen X is a millennial, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you had your baby boomers, you had your Gen X, then then the millennials. I don't know. I mean, different websites have different stuff, so it's it's really hard to say. All right, Dan West one time called himself a millennial. Like, he was on the cutoff. He was on the cusp. I was like, "What are you? What are you talking? You are not a millennial. Get out of here." Yeah, he's an honorary. He's an honorary Gen Xer for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this uh, is so confusing with all the like, X's and Z's. Like, do you think they were really like when humankind was created or came from cells? Do you really think that they were like, okay, we are Gen A, and then they counted all the way up to Z, or did we just start doing that at X? And where did Y go? Like, we just started doing that in X because in the '90s everything was X this, X that, right? Oh, it totally was. Everything yeah. was X. Extreme. X was a sick letter, dude. Oh exactly. We, gosh, did, we just so started cool. with it. <laughs> it. Makes sense. It's so jagged. It has so many edges, so many different lines. Like, oh, how can you not love X? Are you talking about ecstasy? I thought you were straight edge. Whoa, Brian! Don't I, are you? Are you really trying to expose me on air right now? No. <laughs> of course I'm of course I'm no, not, you, Brian. You, I'm not you, talking about that at all. You threw out like a street term for uh, ecstasy. You said I love X. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, guy go guy goes to college for a few months and now he's fucking going to raves and all this other shit and dropping X. What's going it's on? Yeah. You're in Ohio, man. You never know what might happen. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sure it's raging in Ohio. It's Wild. All these cornfields, dude. <laughs> so how's college treating you? How's college treating you? You know, it's good. Um, it's very different. Like, so I, just, I go to co- uh, class two days a week. I commute from home because I'm going to a college that's really near me. Yeah. So I go to class two days a week from like eight to two. And then I work for pretty much the rest of the week. And it's not bad. Like, the classes are all, like, general ed classes this first year. So it's pretty boring. But it's not like it's super hard. Yeah. So I'm just trying to figure it out. Just knocking those out for so you can get started yeah. next year with the other stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Good mm-hmm. deal. And it leaves time for me to work more to pay for more comics and toys and stuff like that. So it's worth it. And I'm like, I'm just figuring it all out. There you go. I've been seeing your photos all over Facebook. Uh, tell, wow. uh, tell everybody uh, kind of like what you do. I mean, if they listen to the previous episode, they know. But for some of the new listeners. 
Yeah, for sure. So I have an Instagram. It's at Finn Aiden, which is F-I-N-N-A-I-D-A-N. Um, and I just do a lot of toy photography. I've been doing it for like six years. And basically it's where I collect a lot of figures, like six inch, 12 inch, that kind of stuff. And you pose them and display them in displays in certain ways with like different things like cutouts. So you like cut out comic book things from like you print them out off, off the internet and stuff like that. Or like effects, like pieces of like foam that you make, like dioramas and stuff. And I take pictures of them and I add like effects and like super, I edit it in like Photoshop and Lightroom and stuff like that. Post it on my Instagram and it's super fun. Like my Marvel Legends collection, which is the six inch Marvel figures has grown. I remember like when I started six years ago, I had like three mm. and now I have like over a hundred. It's crazy. And they're like $20 a piece, but like sometimes you can get them on discounts and stuff, but it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, man. That's cool. I, uh, you're, I, I can see like over the years how you've kind of got, uh, more experience and better with lighting and, and, uh, it, it, it's pretty incredible, man. I don't know. I, you've got, uh, you've got Thank some you. vision. So yeah, everybody should follow you on, uh, Instagram and on Facebook. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to college for photography and graphic design now. And that's all comes from my love of like toys. Cause my love for toys got me into the toy photography aspect. And then that got me into actual photography. So it's like, it's crazy how something like that has kind of shaped like my future. If that makes sense. That's, it's nuts. No, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, at least you're, uh, you know, following your passion. Me and Jake did not Thank do you. that. And that's why we're stuck at dead end jobs and hate our lives. <laughs> Wait, true, true story. <laughs> You're yes. telling me your passion wasn't podcasting? Is it? Is no, it this is not my. This is not how I make my living, man. So, uh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can dispel that myth. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, man. and the photos are great though. Like, and I agree with Brian. You can in the six years, you can really see the difference. Like, just in the action poses that you do now compared to then. Like, it's just so much less static than it even used to be right at the beginning. Thank you. That really means a lot, guys. I really appreciate it because I put a lot of I put a lot of time into it, and it's like. I mean, before we started tonight, I've just been shooting photos. Like, I try to put in, like, an hour a day at least. And it's just – I appreciate that somebody enjoys it and notices it. It means a lot. Are you ever going to have, like, an unrated unrated session with just, like, weird little super orgies going on? Oh, well, I've done some – I've done some similar <laughs> things to that. Uh I've done some stuff where it's like Spider-Man. This one superior Spider-Man figure I have has like a really nice butt. Like it's just huge. It's crazy. It's like very like detailed and very formed butt. And so I have this one photo where it's like Spider-Man's like grabbing his butt. Oh, nice. Stuff like that. So superior superior Spider-Man, would would you call that Spider-Man Dom (laughs) Spider-Man? He's like a Dom. And then you make, I don't know. He's like a what? And you got like a sub- Sub something uh, or other. Submissive Spider-Man. Yeah. Submissive Spider-Man. Gotcha. So yeah. It's all about the articulation, man. Whoever can bend the most hmm. tends to be the uh, sub. So that makes sense. So no, I, that just makes sense. It's fun. I uh, Yeah, you got to get like those Japanese ones. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, not like that. I mean, like, the Japanese imported <laughs> figures. Oh, okay. Like, they normally have really good articulation that are very that's very fluid. You just totally changed the tone of this entire podcast there, buddy. Um, yeah, it takes a, it takes a few extra points of articulation to be like a power bottom. Mm-hmm. You also have to have the bottom for it. Like you can't just be just joints. Like it has to be there. I, <laughs> so I, I went to I, I was uh I went to to Big Lots today. And uh Ooh. 
Big Lots. It's a store here. Like when all the, the big department stores can't sell their stuff, they give it to Big Lots, and then Big Lots sells it for cheaper. And then sometimes on top of that, they'll have special sales. And like they had a 20% sale today, and they only do these, I found out, like three times a year. And they had 20% off mm-hmm. everything. So I went there, and I was looking. They had a Blu-ray selection there. I'm looking at the Blu-rays. I picked up a crap ton of Blu-rays for insane amount. I got, uh, let's see here. I got Transformers Season 2, Volume 1 and 2. I got The Fault in Our Stars, uh, Ghostbusters, Joy, Blade, Bad Teacher, Foxcatcher, Interview with the Vampire, Rockstar, 22 Jump Street. And check out the title of this comedy. It's a mashup of all the different, you know how scary movie, uh, they, they take all the scary movies that came out around that time and then they throw them all into a movie and they make fun of it. Yeah. 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 This one's called, yeah. uh, the 40, the 41 year old virgin who knocked up Sarah, Sarah Marshall and felt super bad. That's good. So it's like, that's awesome. Yeah. So I picked it up. I got all these movies for like 36 bucks. Damn, that's a steal. Yeah, they're all Blu-ray, except for the Transformers, which are DVD, but that's fine. But I was like, I couldn't believe the prices. What a, what a great deal. And like, so, you know, like Ghostbusters, you can watch it streaming, so I just never figured I'd buy it on Blu-ray, but since I could get it for three bucks and then it came to $2.40 with the 20% off. Wow. I was like, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. Same thing, like, no, some of these aren't streaming. I know you can stream Foxcatcher. Bad Teacher isn't streaming anywhere. So no, like, no. Yeah. yeah, you don't think of going Never to big it. lots to get Blu-rays. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they had a crap ton of DVDs, and I, I kind of, like, skipped over those except for the Transformers one. And I know you mm. can watch the Transformers streaming online for free, but I figured if they ever take them off, I'll have them. So, yeah. So I was very happy Definitely. with myself. Kind of a boring story to tell everybody about my shopping spree there with the Blu-rays, but I don't give a shit. So it's call my, you bar, they must call you a bargain Brian. Bargain Brian yeah, is what she called me when I showed up there today. Bargain Ben Brian. Yeah. I love it. Um, last week, Jake talked about the mashups. I'm not going to do that again this week. I'm not going to do the whole mashup thing. I think if we do it every week, it'll kind of like get old, right? Yeah, yeah. Save it. It was good. We don't want to. We're not like SNL. We don't want to just burn shit to the ground. Exactly. We're not. Yeah, uh-huh. we're not doing the 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 copier guy. You know, Rob Schneider. Printing copies. We're not doing that every fucking week just because it was a hit. But uh, I do, in honor of our guest, Finn Dietz Creek, if Finn Dietz Creek was a bicycle, he would be called Schwinn Feet Streak. (laughs) (laughs) That was was on the exact opposite spectrum of where I thought you were going to go. Where do you think I was going to go with that one? I don't know. Like, oh, anywhere but like, know, like anywhere but mashing up your name with a bicycle, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, people used to call me like Finn Dietz Freak in middle school or like stuff like that when they made fun of me. So I was just expected to go in that direction. Oh, uh, what if you were okay? So if you're like a neat freak, would they call you Finn Neat Squeak? They used to like Finn, like me, like uh, Pip Squeak, something like that, like uh, Pip Dietz. Squeak? No, maybe, maybe not. I'm trying to sound it out in my head right now. Finn poop streak. I've gotten no. stuff very similar to that one, Jake. That hits a little close to home. <laughs> Sorry. Kids were mean, man. 
Kids were mean. Yeah, kids are terrible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I would read iTunes reviews, but nobody fucking cared enough to write one this week, Jake. Oh, fuck. Wow. Yeah. Man, they're just not grateful enough. You know what you should do? You know what you should do? You should say, you know what, from now on, no more iTunes reviews. And then everyone's going to be like, wait, what? I can't leave an iTunes review. And you'll be like, yep, we banned them all. And then they're, then they're going to be like, I'm clamoring to write an iTunes review just because I can't. And then you unban the iTunes review, and then they just come flooding in. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold the show over their head. I'm going to say you don't get an episode until you write a review. Yeah, Whoa, we need three, three reviews per show. <laughs> that's way better than my plan. Three per oh my show. Gosh. Three per show. You don't get an episode that week, right? I will make accounts yeah. to do it if nobody does it, just to get <laughs> just, the episode. I, I'm kidding. It's fine. No iTunes reviews, so we just get to jump into all the fun, which we've been doing because this has been a blast. Um, <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I, I guess we'll just jump straight into Good Pop, Bad Pop. What the fuck? Why is it playing through my – guys, we've got to pause. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. All right, hey, we are back, <laughs> and it is now time for good pop, bad pop. Time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. That was insanely loud. That was very loud. That was just that was ridiculous. You know, that was ridiculous. You should be ashamed of yourself, good pop, bad pop. Jeez, he, kill, he kills it every time, man. I can't believe he brings that energy, energy every single week. Every week with that guy, it's crazy. He's always on. He's always on time. But uh, let's see here. Yeah, good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Alrighty, Jake went, I know you did too, went and saw the uh, Transformers the movie, the uh, 1986 animated version in the theater, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, what a great time it was. I was um I kinda got there late. I was like three, four minutes late. Yeah. And was really surprised when I walked into the theater to see just how freaking packed it was, man. We had a huge turnout in our theater. Really? How, how'd your guys look? Uh I'd say half the theater and it was a lot of uh uh you know, single guys like me and then families. <laughs> so that's, yeah, there yeah. was a lot of kids in our theater. I thought that was really cool. Definitely a lot of dads taking their kids. Exactly. I actually heard a conversation at the end of the, uh, at the end of the movie, uh, guy was talking to another guy that he knew and he was like, yeah, my, my dad took me to see this movie when I was a kid and now I got to take my kid. The kids, I'll tell you this much, man, the kids were just locked into the movie. I, we didn't have a lot of asshole kids like, uh, you know, yammering on about other bullshit or be like picking up their iPads and, and stuff. It was, the kids were locked in. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it, it definitely worked. I noticed that with our kids too. Like, um, it, maybe it was a little bit slow and a little bit of shuffling in the first like five, 10 minutes. But then, you know, once the action started from then to the end, like you didn't hear a peep from anybody. Oh man. Once the music started at the beginning, dude, I, I literally think I had a grin on my face the entire movie <laughs> yeah awesome. i was 
I was really surprised how well the animation held up, honestly, blown up that big. It was kind of, you know, I saw it in the theater when I was young myself, but, I, you know, I just can't really remember what that experience was like having seen it at home, you know, 20 plus times since then. And like from the moment Unicron is, you know, pulling that planet apart, I was kind of blown away by the amount of detail and line work that we that yeah. was used in the animation of this compared to like the cartoon. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This the and and just the voice casting. I mean, you know, just to hear all these guys uh, in the theater. You know, Leonard Nimoy. Uh, Orson Welles, like literally on his last wet legs, like weeks before he died, they had to, they had to change his voice up, uh, quite a bit. I've watched the, um, uh, the movie at home on Blu-ray with like the, uh, you know, director's commentary. And then they have the woman that plays RC. She's on there and some other people like producers and stuff like that talking about it. And Orson Welles was in bad shape when he recorded his lines as Unicron. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, and then Judd Nelson at the top of his career, you know, like, I think this is like right off the breakfast club and, um, you know, he's part of that rat pack and then Eric Idle, uh, man, uh, Robert Stack is ultra Magnus and, uh, yeah, yeah Eric, Robert, Robert Stack had, had a moment that really cracked me up. I oh, hadn't seen this movie. I know what it is. Years, I, don't think. I know. Can I say what it is? Can I yeah. say what I think it is? I don't have time for that right now. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I can't deal with that right now. I can't deal with that right now, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, Jesus, Robert oh, Stack. I love that line. <laughs> that line cracks me up every time. I, wanted to, I want somebody to get, like, a compilation of just, like, Ultra Magnus, uh, just, like, um, angry Ultra Magnus or uh, irritated Ultra Magnus, like the one where he's like, damn it, open, where he's trying to open the... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from the moment Optimus dies till the moment Rodimus becomes prime, he like is completely overwhelmed and over his head. And oh, yeah. Tell. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's hilarious. One of my other big takeaways from the movie that I could not believe how worthless RC was. Um, if, <laughs> if you think women had it really bad in uh, 80s science fiction. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Except for uh, Ripley. Oh, yeah, except for Ripley. Mm. But geez, like the Autobots were created. They make one female and they, yeah. like she's like the most half-assed worthless of all the Transformers. Well, they didn't basically. even make her into a toy. Like out of all these characters, they made, I'd say, most of them into toys. RC didn't get a to- toy until years later. They finally ended up giving RC a toy. I believe it. There's a, there's a point in the movie like where they basically leave her for dead. There's like one scene where she's like, I can handle myself. And then, like, five minutes later, they've left her for dead, and she's running to catch up to get on the ship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I, I know exactly wow. what you're talking about. Yeah, she's pretty worthless. She's like, you know. <laughs> and, and the Robert Stack character, what is it, Ultra Magnus? Ultra Magnus, yeah. Like, it's so backwards. Like, they leave, they basically, they put all the women and the children on the ship that can't take off fast enough, and they get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah, they're already gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we do not have time for the women and the children. Like, it's like a human child and the women Transformers and all the most Transformers they consider worthless, and they just take off. One of my favorite parts in uh, – yeah, the RC is like the Smurfette of the Transformers. 
Right? Yeah, she's worse worse than Smurfette. At least Smurfette had like episodes named after her. Well, sure, and then, I mean, she mm-hmm. had, they had the whole series. This is a movie, and like she, you know, she does show up in like uh, you know, uh, I think the third season and stuff like that. But you know, to what, cheer to cheer the other male Transformers on. Yeah, um, she's a cheerleader for them, right? So basically, yeah, yeah, they, they didn't do her any justice. Um, Laserbeak at the beginning. This is one of the funniest things that I can think of. At the beginning of the movie is Laserbeak. At the beginning of the movie, you know how he's spying on Optimus Prime and Ironhide as they're, you know, trying to trying to launch a final attack against Megatron. Mm-hmm. And he's got a can he's got the camera out, and then he reports back to Megatron, and uh, then he plays the tape for Megatron of like what he what he recorded there, you know, with Optimus Prime and Ironhide, and. Uh, all the camera angles that he was able to knock out was just, it blew me away. It's like. Yeah, Laserbeak is like Brian De Palma. I, he should have won an Oscar for like cinematography, for like all the different angles and shots. I thought, you know, like, it, cause it's basically like they replay the exact scenes and the exact same angles that we saw it in when they played it the original time. So I guess you gotta believe that Laserbeak was just bouncing all around that room and getting some amazing shots. It was just hilarious. I, 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 you're completely wrong. What happened is he set up multiple cameras before the scene, before they showed up, that he was able to cut back and forth from. <laughs> like Spider-Man setting yeah. up his cameras at like the oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. He had his own miniature other cassette things that had cameras. Oh, okay. So they just yeah. didn't have time to show that. I, I missed all that. Yeah. Oh, I, I know. I missed it because it's bullshit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, what did you think about, did you watch the, did you get there in time to see the Bumblebee sneak peek? I did, I did. Um, it was just like wrapping up right before I got there. I didn't see like when it started. Oh, but no. it didn't seem like they showed, it kind of seemed weird to me that they didn't show any of the G1 Transformer stuff when that was what was really all the headlines were the last 48 hours before this movie event. Yeah, I, 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 they showed, I think that they wanted to kind of show with all the kids in the theater, kind of show some of the tender and, uh, you know, heartwarming moments between the girl and the, and Bumblebee and show how sweet Bumblebee is. I think that's what's going to endear little kids that beg their parents to go see it in the theater. I don't think the little kids give a shit about G1 Soundwave. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I just, eh, I don't know. I felt like they could have had a little bit of best of both worlds there because obviously people sure. that would love to see the G1 stuff are showing up for that event. No, I, I understand. I, I think that they had this, I think, you know, uh, you know, Shout Factory and, uh, you know, all the people that put this movie together and got it ready for the theatrical lease, Fathom events and everything. I think that they kind of had like this wrapped up and in the can and they just kind of wanted to show a little bit of the director. I thought it was really cool. The quote by Travis Knight that kind of blew me away was, I grew up playing with the Transformers figures. And that's evident by seeing the second trailer. You know? And yeah. We'll talk, yeah, I agree we'll, with that. We'll, we'll and talk. I agree with you that it was just a timing issue between Shout and the studio. But it just, it was just weird because that was such big headlines oh, right yeah. before seeing this. It felt like we were watching like an old trailer because of that. Yeah. I, I just, I really enjoyed, you know, John Cena was talking about how he grew up with them and everything. And I thought that, that was really cool. It seems like this is a labor of love from Travis Knight. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to give us with Bumblebee. So we'll talk about that here a little bit later. Um, yeah. Did you stick around for the Stan Bush music? 
I did. I did. Some of the biggest laughs during the entire event happened during this part. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was sweet. I mean, I, it was, I thought it was interesting. One of the things that kind of like came out to me was like they wanted to use the touch in Sylvester Stallone's Cobra movie. Yeah. I was like, how, like, you know, I think he lucked out. I mean, I love Cobra. I think Cobra is one of the, an underrated action 80s film and it's Sylvester Stallone is a badass in that movie and I love that movie but I don't see that that song fitting anywhere into that movie except maybe the end credits is the second song <laughs> yeah exactly and you're never getting a uh, 40th anniversary one night only showing of uh, Cobra, Cobra. Yeah. in the theater anytime exactly. soon either so the, pick Transformers is going to help it stand the test of time a little bit more. I think, honestly, I think like when it first happened, Stan Bush was probably pissed off, right? Oh, I bet. I and, bet. And now he's like, man, this movie and these kids, this movie has stood the test of time and these kids have like made this movie like an event, like something huge. Jake, seeing this movie in the theater again after 32 years was just like an incredible experience for me. I just couldn't stop smiling. I was just so happy to be there and... um it was, I just, I, I just had a blast. I, I, I can't put into the words how much it meant to me to be there because this is like, it's my favorite animated movie of all time. And I, I'm going to say that because 100% nostalgia, 100% nostalgia. I will watch this movie uh, two to three times a year ever since it's come out. I've watched this movie. I absolutely love this movie so much. Yeah, yeah it was great. I completely agree with you that the entire experience was a Tupperware Um yeah, and honestly, if they brought it back five years from now, I'd go again. Yeah, oh, I would be there too. I would be there too. God damn, and seeing Unicron that big on the big screen was just so cool. I loved it, like when he would pass you and you could just watch, see all the different like gears and stuff like that, him moving and, oh my, from the moment I heard, Obelus, look, it's Unicron. I was, <laughs> I was sucked in. I was like, yes. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> no, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, and I'm not gonna lie. Like the Optimus Prime stuff hit me, yeah. but I definitely chuckled at the moment where, after he turned gray, his head had to move again to uh, let you know he for sure was dead. Oh man, they really milked that scene. I love it. I love everything <laughs> about it. And and they and then they and then they then they give you a shot of uh, Daniel crying, and like as a kid, that was like. That was us. And it was just like, man, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. for me, like that, that scene affected me in, in, like in my twenties. Like now it doesn't, I've seen it so many times I'm desensitized to it. And we've seen, <laughs> we've seen Optimus Prime die in every Michael Bay movie. So it doesn't matter anymore. But Finn, have you ever seen this movie? I have. And I love that movie. Yeah. Oh man. I love that movie a lot. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's great. It is great. The voice cast is perfect, too, really, right? It's, it's surprising that they put so much tender care into this, like, you know, basically vehicle to sell toys. Mm -hmm. Oh, they did. Yeah, they did. Did you ever watch the 1987 uh, G.I. Joe movie? <laughs> I did. I saw it in the theater as well. Oh, my God. It's it's terrible. It is fucking terrible, it, yes. They turned Cobra Commander into an actual snake. <laughs> yes, it, that's right. It's where the tour all starts and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. God, yeah. yuck! <laughs> that sounds oh, gross. It's terrible. It's a, it's a horrible movie. It's so bad. They will not be having like a release in that of that in the theater. <laughs> Although I would go. I hope I, not. Would, I would go. 
I would probably go to. All right, Finn, what do you got for good pop, bad pop, man? Oh, me? Okay. So, um, I haven't been on in a while, but, uh, basically the new DC Universe streaming service. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't have a login or anything, but a kind soul let me use theirs, which is really nice of them. Um, so I've been using that. I've been rewatching Batman the Animated Series is my favorite show of all time. And so being able to watch that in HD for like the 30th time has been awesome because I've never seen it in this good of quality. So like being able to see it like at super crisp and stuff is just awesome. Um, so that's been really fun. I've been rewatching Batman the Animated Series along with Batman Beyond. Uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker is something that I just watched recently. So that is like my Transformers um, 80s movie. Like it's not my favorite animated movie, but that was the movie I watched as a kid that like affected me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's pretty hardcore with, with the like the reveal in that movie. Yeah, it's dark. I for, I remember I moved moved to Ohio when I was like seven, and I watched it like the year before I moved here. So I watched it when I was like six years old, and I'd watched like the couple, first couple episodes of um, Batman Beyond, some of the new Batman adventures, and then this, and it was just. Dude, it was crazy. I if, if, I forgot how many lines I had memorized. Like when I was watching it, I could just like recite lines. It's like I haven't seen this movie in years. It was crazy. And I forgot how dark it was. Like there's a scene where you literally see the Joker uh, mentally like handicap a young boy and then gets murdered on screen. It's nuts. So good. He mentally handicaps a kid? So like he um, – him and Harley Quinn, basically, I don't want to spoil anything, but they capture, they kidnap Robin, and they, like, mentally, like, brainwash him to become, like, a mini version of the Joker mm. and try to get him to, like, kill Batman, and it's really sad. Yeah, I have to watch it. I don't know if I've ever seen that one. Oh, man, oh, yeah, Brian, you so should good. see it. it. It plays more than a Batman Beyond movie, too, almost, because it's, it's almost like a, a sequel to Batman the Animated Series, the way it plays, because mm-hmm. there's lots of flashbacks. Seriously with original Batman the Animated Series voice actors, Batman and Robin. Very cool. And Mark Hamill's in it as well. Nice. And it's fucking amazing. Why don't the, why doesn't the DCEU just do that? Like where they just scrap like what they're doing now and just give us like a Batman Beyond movie. Give us you know, all these they're doing the Joaquin Phoenix Joker thing. I think they should just wipe the slate. I don't mean to go here in your whole good pop, bad pop thing, Finn, but I'm just like You're good, bro. It'd be cool to see some of these um Amazing uh, stories like Batman Beyond, and then like other Elseworld. Not not that Batman Beyond's an Elseworld story, but I'm saying Elseworld stories in general, like Red Sun and stuff like that. Just see those played mm-hmm. out on the big screen, and and um, I think DC would, if they just got the right directors for some of these projects, they'd be really happy with like the the uh, the turnout that they'd get for people to come to see these. I I just don't think that they have a guy like Kevin Feige that's competent enough to handle an uh, an expanded universe this whole open universe because who who has nobody nobody's been able to do it jake yeah or just i i I like a lot what you're saying brian it made me think like why don't they just do a different approach completely with the live action i mean they've always killed it with the animated stuff and i i I don't see that being a bad approach right just yeah bounce the fuck around and do do the big stuff man who cares i mean don't try to clone marvel just like boom we're doing a new frontier movie boom we're doing our you know seriously we're doing this movie we're doing that movie it 
it doesn't even that way. It doesn't always have, you don't have to sign people for multi-pitcher contracts. You can mm-hmm. just dip in and dip out to all these really like memorable milestone, you know, DC shot series. I mean, look at this. Uh, the, the, That's awesome. The Harley Quinn series, the animated series we're going to get on DC Universe. Like, what if they just said, "Hey, we're you know we're also going to be doing a uh, a Harley Quinn animated movie." And we're going to get Margot Robbie to voice the character because there you got your star recognition. And then, and then, you know, do it like, do it kind of like what Sony's doing with like this, uh, the, the Spider-Verse movie, you know, just kind of like into the, you know, just, just kind of blow it up into like this big thing. I I think, see, the thing is like they, they, some of their animated movies that they come out with, they'll throw them in theaters for one night. But I think like if they, if they really put a lot of hard work into it, they could get a huge turnout. I think that Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. that's going to come out, I think it's going to be huge. That Phil Lord and Chris Miller animated movie, I think it's going to be huge. I hope so. I, I agree with that. It's got a lot of buzz going around about it. I hear people bring it up all the time. Well, Christmas There's time, a lot of excitement. Kids during Christmas time, it's it's a perfect time for them to come out with this Spider-Man. Maybe maybe they'll have toys launching maybe you know a few weeks before this. I think this could be huge. And with all the different yeah. Spider-Men that we're going to see in it, we know we're getting mm-hmm. Spider-Gwen. We know we're getting uh, – oh, how many different Spider-Men are we getting in this thing? We're, of course, we're getting Miles and Peter. We're also – are we getting Spider-Ham? Yeah. I've yeah heard we, uh, he's been voice cast even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got like the Spider-Robot with the little like girl yeah. who pilots him or whatever. I think Jake Johnson is a great Peter Parker. I love his Peter Parker. Yeah, he's great in the trailer. And the timing of this is just so good with the mega blockbuster Sony game, too, you know, a few months before it oh, comes yeah. out. Like, I think people are just going to be – I agree, Brian. This is going to be a mega hit. Okay. Is it going to do bigger so. – is it going to do bigger numbers – nah, this is a silly question now that I'm even thinking about saying it. Is it going to do bigger numbers than the Venom movie? Uh, yes. Really? I See, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. I I, I mean, I, I, Venom is tracking well. Of course we know it's going to track well the first weekend. Well, they were wrong about Solo, too, so we'll find out. But, you know, we'll see, man. I, yeah, it it very well could blow up. I hope up. it does. I hope it blows up, man. I, I really do. Yeah, if they want, if they want, put a modest advertising budget behind it, I think it's got a very good shot shot to beat Venom. Yeah, I, I love. Mm-hmm. I think and I've seen trailers. Oh, they've been showing them in the uh, in the theater quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. What else you got, Finn? So, like, oh, I cut you oh, off. Me? Finish oh. no, finish what you're talking about, man. Oh no no okay so basically just to finish it up. Uh, Brian, please watch it. Like it is, it is a movie that like it means a lot to me just yeah. because it's I'm so nostalgic for it and stuff. But sure. I think it's a really good story, and it really wraps up a lot of the Batman and Newick, the Adventures of Batman and Robin stuff that they did in the fourth season of the animated series. And like Mark Hamill's performance is awesome as always. Like, sure, just the interactions are really good. And Batman Beyond, dude, I, I've been rewatching it. It's dark. Like the first episode, mm-hmm. um, I remember from a kid, like when. You, uh, Terry McGinnis gets into this argument with his dad and he's like, he's like grounded for like going out and partying or whatever. And he's just such a jerk of a kid. And he's like, Oh, his dad's like, get back here. He's like, Oh, what? So I can be successful like you. And he like breaks his dad's heart. And then his dad gets murdered and it's like the most heartbreaking. The music swells like it's the most, Oh, dude, it's so good. Such a good show. And that movie, I think, is probably is my favorite thing to come out of it, too. Wow. Really good. That's awesome. Yeah, the movie's amazing. Um, make sure you watch the unrated cut, though. I, I remember they did, and like, a... Uh, yep. 
there's like a PG version that they played on WB originally, but then when it finally came out for like home release, they actually have an unrated cut that's even darker than the original. Yep, and that's the one that's on DC Universe is the unrated one, so that's awesome. Finn, o- overall, how are you enjoying DC Universe? Um, I have my I love certain parts about it, and I have complaints. So with Batman the Animated Series being my favorite show and being able to watch that, it's all automatically a Tupperware. Yeah. But having all the DC animated stuff, having a lot, of, I've never seen all of the Christopher Reeve movies. I've only seen the first one. Really? So being able to see that, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. No, man, that's cool. Definitely. I'm not. No, I'm not going to flip out on you. I'm not going to turn into old man McGee yelling at you. What? <laughs> what? What? <sighs> That's hilarious. That's fine. It's like for how you how you guys cherish that movie is how I cherish like the first Spider-Man Raimi movie. Sure. Like that was the first yeah. comic book movie I ever saw. Like there was a live action one, and that was like when I was like five years old, and I, that's how I like. I cherish the first Raimi Spider-Man movie more than any of those Superman movies already. Dude, it's so good. Oh, my oh my gosh. But, yeah, DC Universe is really – I I love all the animated stuff. I'm hoping we get um, – I posted about this on the Army page earlier, but the show from, like, 2005 called The Batman, the really stylized one with, like, the Joker with dreads. Do you know oh, yeah, that about? was it. Yeah, the Scarecrow was kind of interesting in that too. Yeah. That's a really – that's actually a really good show. And I think they do the Batman uh, – I mean the uh, Robin and Batgirl stuff really well because they introduced Batgirl first, like – two seasons in and then robin gets introduced in like season four so it's like a really nice progression that doesn't seem forced wow and it's really good the animation's pretty it is so so good looking my opinion very cool yeah i've been i've been uh jumping on the dc universe myself i uh been doing some uh watching some young justice here and there and uh getting, mm-hmm. getting caught up on that because it's been since like the original run since i really kind of like watched it um i tried to start it up again in the past back when it was on netflix and then you know, with all the new stuff coming out, I dropped off. So I, I started that up again, and that's been a blast. Uh, and then uh, last night I watched for – it's been years since I've seen it, uh, but I watched Superman 3, and then this morning I watched Superman 4, A Quest for Peace. So it's been years since mm. I've seen those. And what's – Superman 3 is better than Superman 4, but they're still both bad movies – I would say Superman 3, there's more takeaways, though, that are good. There's a lot more good that you can kind of take away from that movie when it comes down to it. Like, there's there's parts of that movie I absolutely hate. And then there's parts of that movie where it's like I watch it now and it's like, I really like that part. I like that part. I like this part. And I can take different things. I like the stuff in Smallville with Lana. And I like the – I love it when, when Superman turns evil and we got evil Superman. I think – um, Christopher Reeve's performance was was pretty amazing there. The comedic stuff with Richard Pryor, I see what they I see what they were doing, Jake. It's yeah. Richard Pryor was the he was the hottest thing out. I mean, he was the 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 biggest comedian, and it was like you've got the biggest superhero and the biggest comedian, and then like let's put them in a movie and see what happens. This is like. Kind of like an Earth Two experiment that we got to watch. It's amazing that this movie exists. Yeah, I feel like it's like an early precursor to taking the big of the times comedian and making him the villain in the movie. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like they're not quite there yeah. to mm. like what they should be doing yet. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's okay. kind of, it feels a little bit forced and forced and tacked on because they don't really apply. There wouldn't be so much of a problem as Richard Pryor being in a Superman movie, no. but they kind of fumble the usage of him, in my opinion. Oh God, it's hilarious. It's like, uh, it's weird because I have to watch it again, but it just felt like he was a guy that like didn't like got that lost his job and then they hire him at this computer place and then he's like a brilliant computer guy and then he writes down the plans for a supercomputer that'll fight Superman and he writes down the plans for the supercomputer. It's just a picture of the computer and he writes it down on a napkin and then the guy makes it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot easier to build computers back then. I guess so, man. It was really kind of a really weird movie, but there's some stuff that I absolutely loved in it on the flip side. You know, I thought Christopher Reeve's performance is great in it. It's when you get to Superman 4, Quest for Peace, that there's really nothing except, like, a couple tender moments between Superman and Lois. Other than that, I just, I, I thought it was a pretty terrible and abysmal movie. The editing in that movie is absolutely horrid. And it's just, <laughs> I think it's the shortest Superman movie I've ever seen. Like, even Superman 3 was, like, maybe close to two hours. This one was an hour and a half. And it just, like, it moves, man. But, like, it's it's just absolutely terrible. You know what I even liked in Superman 3, and I loved it as a kid, when Superman, the evil Superman, straightened out the Leaning Tower of Pisa? I always loved that oh. part. Yeah, that's funny. That's thought, good. Yeah, that's that <laughs> a good gag. I thought that part yeah, was... Superman 4 is yeah. so terrible. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Finn, you watch it, but it's terrible, man. It's it's terrible. I'm not I even, Yeah, I'm not going to tell you, hey, don't watch it. No, watch it, man. Like, yeah, you got to watch I wanna it. I want to experience this. Exactly. So, um, yeah, for real. What else? Oh, yeah, you... Check out, Brian, yeah. please check out that movie. The, oh, yeah. Return of the Joker movie. Please do. Yeah, absolutely. I will. I mean... I've, I've, DC Universe is a hard thing for me not to keep going back to and like, you know, just flip through and see, see what they got and hope. I, I'm waiting for Titans. Did you guys see like they came out with a new Titans clip that shows like why Dick is upset with Batman? Like their whole riff? I didn't know. I did not see that. I saw the yeah. new promotional poster piece, but not yeah. the new clip. Yeah, there's a new clip. I didn't watch it. It like literally dropped right before we started to record, so I didn't even have a chance to watch oh, it. Okay. What else you got, Finn? Oh, me? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so back in, like, I've been, I used to be very heavily into buying comics. Like, I would kind of try to balance that with buying toys, but it just got to be too expensive. I had, like, 30 books on my pull list, and it was mm-hmm. just, it was nuts, especially for, like, a 16-year-old who couldn't drive and could only work a certain amount of hours. It was just too much. So I kind of took a step back for, like, a year or, like, a year and a half, and I'm kind of back in. So I have, like, three books on my pull list. I'm trying to limit myself to, like, three to five and I'm trying to read them week to week. But the uh, run that I've been really enjoying recently is the Nick Spencer run on Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Have you been reading that at all, Brian or Jim? No. Oh, is that the brand new run? Yeah. It's yeah. Like six, seven issues in. Dan Slott. Ryan Otley is on pencils on that. Ryan Otley, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, he um, rotates with like Humberto Ramos, who's like one of my favorite artists. Oh, I love Every him. five issues, I think. That's awesome. Yeah, I love Nick Spencer. I love Nick Spencer. I think he, I think he's great. Like my first introduction to Nick Spencer was um when he did Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Um mm-hmm. which was like the like the D-list villains of Spider-Man and it was just <laughs> it was their story. It, it was like, you know, like the Shocker and and um 
I'm trying to think some of the other is some just D list boomerang boomerang yeah yeah beetle beetle oh man did you did you get those legends yep. toys oh I do I have every single superior foe Spider Man figure except for Overdrive because they haven't made them yet oh, I have every okay. single one though. Yeah, I thought that that was so cool when they came out with those as Legends figures. I was like, that's dope. I love those. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Seriously. That's, yeah, Nick Spencer. Um, and then he did a, he, he did, he did an image book called The Fix, which is a fantastic book. So how, is that the one with the dog? Yeah, uh, well, is is there a dog in it? I think they had like a dog, or there's like a dog on the cover. I just remember like either hearing about it or seeing a dog. Yeah, it's I been a, be yeah, it's been a it's been a minute since I've read that book, but it's I, I love like I just love how it, he writes characters, how their voices. He, he's just so good and it's so fun. But uh how is he mm-hmm. doing on Spider-Man? Oh, I I love it, man. It's such it's such a nice breather and I love Dan Slott. Superior Spider-Man is one of my favorite runs like on Spider-Man period and I loved the stuff he did before and after that. I don't I haven't really loved the spider-man worldwide stuff like i'm i'm a peter parker classic like new york like college kid like just you know what i mean like that that kind of struggle i'm not really into the whole spider-man worldwide scene i think it ended really well like with the red goblin stuff i enjoyed that but it's just it's a break like it it's peter parker living in an apartment with his roommate is boomerang and he doesn't know that he's Spider-Man or whatever. And so it's him living in an apartment, just like he's dating Mary Jane again. It's very like back to basics Spider-Man. And I'm really enjoying it. It's so funny. It's awesome. Like the, the comedy is so on pace. Like the first couple issues, the first arc was he, um, there's this machine that, do- that Dr. Kurt Connors has at this lab and he's in college again. And Kurt Connors as the lizard is his teacher. Oh, well, that's so awesome. It's awesome. It's so funny too. They're like, yeah, we keep him like, yeah, they figure out how to keep him like docile or whatever. He's like in full control of the lizard. But, um, there's this machine that separates like genes. So it make, it like splits Spider-Man in half. So it's like a Peter Parker with no powers and a Spider-Man with like no Peter Parker. Oh wow. If that makes sense? Yeah. Mm. It's crazy. But they find out that like the longer that they go split apart, like the more they'll start forgetting things. So like Spider-Man forgets about Uncle Ben, but then Peter Parker like doesn't like forgets about certain things doesn't know how to do science anymore and so that's like a race to get him back but like it's just peter parker like trying to live a normal life oh wow and then spider-man's just like doesn't have any sense of responsibility so there's these things called like tri-sentinels and it's like three sentinels in one so just picture that how you will and it's just like he paints a spider-man face on it and just like rides it through the city it is so much fun holy it is shit so fun. i tupperware it it's how many, so awesome how many issues in are are they in on this um I think there's six. I think there's set, uh, six issues in. Okay. Yeah, I think there's six issues in because I picked up the latest book. I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but it's Ramos on the art, and it is gorgeous. Oh my gosh, Ramos and Stegman are like my oh, favorite yeah. Spider-Man artists. I got a I got a Ryan Stegman um, uh, commission of uh, Spider-Man a few years ago because I loved oh, him on gosh. I loved him on Superior, and uh, I love the way he draws Spider-Man. So. It, I was the last commission that he had for the weekend, and so he like other ones that he he had to rush. But for me, I was his last one, so he spent so much time on it, and it came out so amazing. So that is so awesome. That is such a good story. I'm so, I remember you when you guys talked about C two E T. You brought that up before, but I totally yeah. forgot. That's so awesome. Like yeah. just the way that the way that they draw he, they draw Spider Man is just so appealing to me. Like I love you could say whatever you want about like Ramos' style, but I just love 
like his exaggerated features and the colors stuff like that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hit and miss with Ramos. I'm a huge Stegman fan, but Ramos is a bit hit and miss with me. I do love his uh, portrayal of the Green Goblin, though. Oh, dude. So yeah. He really nails like, I, the mask and the horror style of the mask. Seriously. Yeah, I think I think where he really falters is like human faces, how they can all kind of look the same. Yes. If yes. that makes sense. But like even even those though, I, I still enjoy him. I just think I uh Superior Spider Man was one of my I mean that came out when I was like thirteen. So that's when I was like truly getting into like comics, like trying to read current stuff. And I remember when that happened, like I was reading like I started like issue like six eighty on. It was like they gave me like my grant my parents gave me a gift of like a bunch of those issues and so I read through that. And I was like, this is the greatest run ever. Spider-Man is so awesome. And then, like I said, I was like 13, and then they killed him off. And I was like, yeah. what is this? This is terrible. But it, through reading it, like, it made Doc Ock my favorite yes, comic villain. And yes. it just solidified the run for me as awesome. Oh, it was so good. And it's it was, for me, I, I think the only guy that could have made me happy replacing Dan Slott would be Nick Spencer at this point. Like, you know, it's and, and Slott's been doing Fantastic Four. So, you know, and Slot mm-hmm. did, did Spider-Man for years. So, yeah, it's oh yeah, it's nice to see Nick Spencer on a Spider-Man book. I got to read that. That sounds incredible with the Tri-Sentinel. And just the fact that you have a, spi- so fun. You have a Spider-Man that, that, that is, doesn't remember Uncle Ben. And, like, that's, that's what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. So it's like, I think, I think we've all, maybe if you've ever wondered, like, what would he be like if that, that, that was not part of him? You get to kind of see that story unfold here, and it's probably not going to be a good thing. So, one of the first yeah. Spider-Man comics I remember reading had a uh, Spider-Man and Nova fighting a tricentennial. So back in the day, that's honestly. awesome. Very. Cool. He's been a character that's been around for quite a while. The the old. I never knew that. That's sweet. That's sweet. I never knew that. That's awesome. It's a really good book, though. I'm really enjoying it a lot. I mean, I guess. It's like one of the only books I've been reading. I have that, Spider-Geddon, the new event that's coming up, and then Return of Wolverine on my list. Those are the three books I'm getting right now, and they're all really awesome. I'm really enjoying them a lot. Very cool. I uh, Real quick, I just real quick, I, I just want to mention that I watched uh, the new Murphy Brown comeback episode. Yeah, how was that? I, I liked it. I, I, I thought it was good. You know, I, it, I think it'll get better as it goes on. Um but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And they were kind of poking fun that, you know, Murphy Brown's been gone a long time. And so, like, she ha- she acts like she hasn't been on the air doing, like, her news show for a long time. And so, you know, younger people would see her out in public and their parents would recognize her, but the kids wouldn't. So it's kind of very meta in that way. But I, I enjoyed it. And it was nice seeing, like, all the characters come back. They didn't have the old anchor guy back on the first episode, though. I can't remember what his hmm. name he's, was. He's been in the commercials, though, I think, right? I hear, I heard he did come back, but um, he wasn't in the first episode. But I hear he did come back. I don't know if he's going to be on the whole season or not. But it was nice to see, like, Corky and Miles and stuff like that. This was a show that I used to watch when I was a kid. I loved it. Um, yeah, me too, me too. And the other aspect about it is really cool is that her son has also gotten into, you know, um, you know, he's an on-air talent as far as, like, uh, the news. And he's on a competing network now. And so it's Brown versus Brown. So I thought that that was kind of fun. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I will continue to watch this. It's, uh, I watched it on, any, uh, oh, go ahead. Anyone of note, player son? 
I don't know if it's the same guy that played her son, you know, originally when because he was a part of the series, but it's 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 not an actor I've ever seen before, man. Okay, okay. So, uh, and then I was flipping around through the CBS All Access app. And Jake, I'm telling you, for all the people that piss and moan about the CBS All Access app and having to pay like the five ninety nine or whatever it is a month, if you go and le- you look in the classic shows, I was, dude, I've been, I've been watching old episodes of Taxi, I've been watching old episodes of Family Ties, and just having a blast with that app, man. Yeah, um, CBS All Access does have a really, really good library. I, I completely agree with you. The odd, I, the odd couple, about- the odd couples on there. Yeah, and it's like the entire run, too. If you see the show, you can pretty much guarantee that they've got every single episode there, too. It's almost, like, like almost. A smattering. Almost. Uh, Taxi doesn't have the entire run, unfortunately. It goes from episode one to, like, episode three. There's, like, over hmm. 100 episodes of Taxi, but they only have, like, 70-something episodes. But um, uh, Family Ties, they have... Every episode of Family Ties on there, and I love Family Ties. So I started. I'm like through the first. I'm going to do a whole. I'm going to do a Family Ties rewatch. Um, so I'm going to. I'm on. Uh, I just finished episode three, and man, that show is pretty progressive at the time. When I go back and I, I think about it, how you know Steve and Elise Keaton were, you know, they were hippies and they were, you know, doing marches and stuff like that during the Vietnam War. And then they, their son is like a total Republican, 100% like loved Reagan. And it was, and then the, one of the, like the second episode, like Alex goes to some elite, uh, like country club where they don't allow, um, Anybody who's like uh, who's not an elite social status, they don't let anybody uh, of any different ethnicities in there. And S- Stephen Keaton, his father, shows up. Alex is there because he's dating a girl, and Stephen shows up there and says, "You basically like you get your ass home. Like this is not the place for you." And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, That's I awesome! I can't believe that they're tackling this in like 1983 or whatever year it was." I was just like, "This is so cool." So, yeah. I'm, I fucking uh, Michael J. Fox on Family Ties, fantastic, and it's like his movie career took off like during that run of that series, and like they like people were like, why aren't you leaving Family Ties? You know, like he was getting offered so many things, and he wouldn't leave. He finished the show. I thought that that was really cool of him. I'm talking about Family Ties. I'm sorry, guys. No, it's fine. No, I. Yeah, I've never seen Family Ties, so is that something that you would recommend me watching as a young boy? Dude, I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah, I give it a shot. I mean, have you ever watched like old episodes of like Brady Bunch and shit like that? I mean, I think the oldest thing that I've ever watched, like all of it, was yeah. like ninety stuff, so like Cosby show and like Fresh Prince. Like that that's like okay. the okay. oldest I've ever gone with that style of show. So if, if if you think that yeah. I should give it a watch, I will try it out. Try it. Try it out, man. Try it out. I give it a shot. Give it a shot. What the hell? We'll do. Yeah. So yeah, I, I dude, I loved Family Ties growing up. Fucking Yeah, I I've never revisited it, but I used to watch it every week. Me too. Growing up. Tina Yothers. Like good child actor. I was like, holy shit, I was kinda of blown away by how good she was in this. And um mm. Uh, you know, not, uh, what's her Meredith Baxter Bernie, the mom? Mm-hmm. Didn't she come out a few years ago saying she's a lesbian? I cannot confirm that. I, I did not know that. I think she did. So now when I do the rewatch, 
I'm doing like this fan fiction in my head that like when Steven goes to work, she goes over and starts fucking Skippy's mom, right? <laughs> Has that been um, enhancing your rewatch? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Anytime <laughs> I see Steven at like the public access place where he works, I'm like, oh man, Meredith Baxter, Bernie, and Skippy's mom are scissoring the fuck out of each other right now, Steven. <laughs> you don't even know, buddy. You don't even, <laughs> you don't even know. Man. Oh, man, that's funny. Mm. That is funny. Anyway. Um, Finn, what else? Oh, Jake, what do you got? You got anything? Yeah, Jake, I was about to say, I was like, Jake, come on, bro. Oh, I didn't do much in the way of pop culture this week. I, um, it was a great fucking week for me, though. It was the, uh, release of the 79th set of Magic the Gathering cards, and me and Michelle participated in all the pre-release events, uh, played in the tournament that started at midnight on Friday and went from, to 7 a.m. in the morning the next day. So, oh man, it was so much fun. But um, it's a great format. They give you six packs, and you have to build your deck just from those six packs they give you. So everyone's kind of right there in the same boat. So it doesn't really matter how long you've been playing. It's a great – these pre-release events are great events if you've never played before or learned how to play from a video game and wanted to try the real deal. I strongly recommend going to one of these pre-release events. Uh, the next one will be sometime in January. But, yeah, we had a great time. Um, I pulled the most valuable card from the entire set in the very first pack I opened, worth like 107 bucks. So nice. I kind of freaked out at that. Man, it was a great weekend. And then um, after going to the store tournament, we hosted our own tournament at you know my brother's house, and we had about eight people over and did that. And we're up, all, up till like midnight 30 playing again last night. So... Uh, it's been such a fucking fun weekend. I it's the most fun I've had playing this game probably since I was like nineteen. That's awesome. So yeah, I strongly recommend it. Um, if if you've ever thought about playing, if you're into other collectible card games like I know the Elder Scrolls and the Hearthstone are still really popular, and you wanna you wanna try the granddaddy that started it all, Magic the Gathering. I mean. The community is so nice. Just go to your local brick and mortar store and find out what they're doing. You know, they usually host it every Friday night. Friday night magic. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something here, Jake? Yeah, it's a true story. You've been talking about magic a lot, and uh, I've been watching a lot of like the the geek and sundry stuff. And uh, I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go check this out. We've got a place here uh, about uh, 20 minutes away from me called the hidden lair. And I was like, I'm going to go in there. It's a brick and mortar store. They got magic stuff. They got, you know, figurines and stuff like that. Little miniatures you can paint. They've got all this, you know, role playing stuff, board games, whatever. And I was sitting in the parking lot and, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable going into a comic book store. Cause I know about comic books. I don't know shit about magic, dude. I was scared to get out of the car. I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm going to look like an idiot. Like, I don't know anything about, I haven't, dude, I played magic. I played like a few hands of magic, like when I was a kid, when I was 17, and I got my ass handed to me by my buddy, my, um, my buddy Donnie just handed, handed me my ass in, in magic. And so it's like, I didn't, I didn't, I, so I, I, yeah. And here I am, here I am, a guy that does a fucking podcast, and I talk to so many different people, Jake, and here I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I'm sitting in the parking lot, and I'm like, I'm too much of a pussy to go in there and I'm worried about because there's a bunch there's a bunch of cars there. They have like magic tournaments and they do all this stuff. And I'm worried about going in there and like walking around, not knowing what I'm doing, and then just walking out. Yeah, I can understand that fear. The community is really nice though. Um we had I, I, seventy-seven yeah, yeah. people at our pre-release tournament. 
And the judge asked, you know, show of hands, how many times if this is your first time. And I would say about half the room raised their hand saying it was their first time playing in this kind of mm-hmm. event. So it was a it was a really great time. The people I can't speak for every brick and mortar store. So I'm not saying your fears aren't invalidated sure. and you can't you couldn't be embarrassed or humiliated by some Uber nerd by accident. But um, yeah, I thought we had a really great experience for 77 people. Guess how many of those people were females, Brian? 77, I would say. Well, shit, I'm guessing it's a higher number now that you're saying it like that. Maybe. Uh, mm. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, ten. Four. Fuck. Four. Five, if you count, I think there was also one valet. Hmm. <laughs> one one like girlfriend that wasn't actually playing. Well, can you leave some of the the fears uh, for some women yeah, I, that might be listening yeah, to this podcast? If, if you have like what Brian's describing, I, I definitely think those you, you shouldn't have those fears. I think nine out of ten magic players are really good people and really welcoming to the community and really willing to like teach people how to play. I, mm-hmm. I, that's one of the coolest things about it is you just see kind of all walks of life and such a wide like age range of people playing the game. So, and yeah, definitely Brian, as far as your case is concerned, you should just come to one of our uh, group games and play with us and you'll be ready to go in no time. Cause like I, did, I said, yeah. you just need six packs and you're, you're playing. Yeah. 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 It's something I'm, 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 I'm getting closer. I'm moving closer into, into, into possibly doing that. Cause you know, it sounds like a lot of fun. I just kind of, I want our listeners to know, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, like, I get it. It's uh, sometimes like walking into these shops and shit like that. It's intimidating. And, uh, like, I haven't felt like that in a long fucking time. And here I am sitting out there in the car holding my dick and not, not wanting to go in there. I'm like, uh, I was literally in the parking lot. And then I see all these cars. It's like, fuck, should I come back when there's like maybe one or two cars here? <laughs> I was, I was yeah. worried. About, I was worried about like opening the door and then like everybody just like looking at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, who's I, this I can, fucking I noob? I, I went with Michelle, my girlfriend, and Kurt, my half brother, and I could tell both of them were super nervous. Sure. Like before we went, just like the idea of like playing against people that they didn't know sure. and just that setting. And uh, yeah, it, everyone was fine. It went really well. Yeah. Very cool. I'm glad you had a good time. And yeah, uh, you showed me a picture of the card. Uh, fantastic, man. A hundred dollar card. Yeah, I couldn't fucking believe it. And like I said, I was telling you, they give you like 20 minutes to open all your shit and make your deck. And like, I see this hundred dollar card and like my brain just kind of melted for a moment. And I'm yeah. like, shit, I got to get it together and get my deck built. But yeah, you play four rounds and I went three and one. I only lost one round and ended up winning, uh, four more extra packs of the new set. Nice. Finn, what else do you got? That's man? awesome. Okay. Um, let's see. So I talked about like the Spidey run and how I really enjoyed the return of Wolverine as well. Um, last night I was super excited to watch Saturday Night Live for the first time in like, uh, years. Mm-hmm. I was never really into it that much, but I enjoyed it when I was like, I was in like a lot of drama stuff like in middle school, and so I liked it then, but I hadn't seen it in like years. So that was cool. And I, um, I was really excited because my favorite artist of all time, Kanye West, which I'm, I'm not going to get into anything like that, but it's just, I'm really a huge, huge Kanye stan. So that was really exciting to be able to see him perform again on SNL because he has some, regardless if you like his music or not, he's had some legendary performances on Saturday Night Live with like stuff he did in 2010 with Runaway or what he did with, um, 
black skinhead from Yeezus and all that stuff. Like he's had some great performances and I trying to suffer through the actual SNL. I know a lot of people love the show and stuff. It is just not for me. I just, I love Adam driver too. It was just so unfunny to me. Like the skits, I think the Fortnite one was the only one that made me laugh. Like I, it was, it was, I tossed the actual like skits and stuff. They were just, they were not very funny for me. It might, might not have been my sense of humor, my, my, uh, my style of comedy, but it was just, it was just not very good in my opinion. And the amount of commercials, oh my goodness. I don't, I haven't had cable in years. I don't know how people do it. Like watch live TV. They do, they do half a skit and then it's <laughs> 10 minutes of commercials. I couldn't believe it. It was so long. Oh, yeah, I can't watch it. SNL unless it's like on the DVR yeah. or on Hulu. I watch and it. I mean, yeah, the I commercials watch, are brutal. I watch it on Hulu. It, yeah, dude, it was it was hard for me to watch. It was, and I love Adam Driver. I think he's awesome, and he did a decent job in all the skits he was in. It was just like they had one. It was like a Fortnite parody. I'm like, okay, this is funny, and then they had one where it was like a. It was um, who's Ariana Grande's um, uh, P. Da- P. Davidson? Yeah. He was funny, and I'm not really like I'm not really into Pete Davidson. So they had like two skits, like a whole skit surrounding him and his real life. I had no interest in that because I don't really know Pete Davidson. So what didn't nothing was really like hitting me. And then they had another one where it was like, um, and a whole they did this whole news broadcast, and it at first is kind of funny. Like they're doing a lot of on the nose jokes about the current political climate, and let's just say the stuff that's going on right now. And there are some really funny jokes, but it it. It stretched on for maybe ten minutes, like the skit. It was so long. Oh my yeah. gosh! I thought it was so hard to get through. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I one of the issues I've had with SNL lately is I, they seem like unwilling to push their cast to like make their cast into big stars anymore. Like, I, when are we going to get like a, a like Kate McKinnon's like maybe the last big example? But it's like they do the Kavanaugh sketch and they get. Matt Damon to do Kavanaugh and it's like man Beck Bennett probably could have killed that and been way funnier and he's really great at stuff like that and now we're stuck mm-hmm. that anytime we want to do this character again we it's either we bring Matt Damon back or it looks silly and I just wish they'd be a little bit more willing to give some of the high profile sketches and political imitations to current cast members already there and I think they're doing themselves a disservice in in the near future when it comes to like you know doing these sketches over and over again so i find it very silly that and you know regardless of whether or not you thought the matt damon stuff was funny i I thought it was a big disservice to the entirety of the cast of snl to do stuff like Mm -hmm. that it's getting a little bit tired like you know it was funny when we brought larry david in as bernie sanders of course you got the alec baldwin trump stuff but it's getting a little bit tired at this point, always having to bring in a celebrity anytime we need to do any political coverage. Yeah. So, and the, it, the one that, I don't know. The one that made sense was uh, Tina Fey because she was a former cast member. You know, and she was. Yeah, the Tina Sarah. Fey, Sarah Palin stuff, yeah, that, that's way sense. more stomachable yeah. than just bringing in whatever oh, yeah. random person wants to, to fucking do this. I didn't watch the premiere. Did, um, did Keenan Thompson come back? Yes. Okay, is he going to finish the whole season? From what I know, yes. Because he's got a show now, I hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. His show got greenlit. From what I know, they haven't officially announced that this will be his last season, but that's like what everything is, is kind of saying. I hope not. I love him on the show. I can't imagine oh, it without him. He's kind of like the um, 
uh, who was on the show forever. Um, you know who I'm talking about. The only holdover that they had from years ago. And he's, uh, Daryl Hammond. No, not Daryl Hammond. I'm thinking about, uh, the ladies man. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Why am I? Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows. Yeah. He was there for like, he was there with like a lot of the older cast from the nineties. And then he kind of like, he stuck around for a long time. Yeah, he did have a really long tenure. Yeah. Um, can I tell you a really crazy aside story that I thought of? Yeah. Do it. Um, do it. Pete, Pete Davidson was on Howard Stern this week, okay? Okay. And, um, they were, he was talking about his relationship with Ariana Grande. Yeah. And, oh man, he said some really fucked up shit that was just really blowing my mind. He was talking about having sex. Yeah, he was talking about having sex with Ariana Grande and the method he uses to hold out and not just blast in five seconds <laughs> is thinking of his own father burning up in the uh, Twin Towers during 911. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Oh, his, my God. Well, his 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 father was a, a firefighter during um, the 9-11, and that's how his father died. Yeah, he says he puts himself in his father's Whoa. body as he was dying to keep himself going longer. You know what, dude? What the heck? No, that's <laughs> Pete Davidson. Like, if, if 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 that experience happened to you and you have such a dark sense of humor that you can say that joke and nobody, I think it's. No, I think I'm, that's, not, I'm not faulting him for me. I think it's pretty I, fucking I actually, awesome. I thought it was pretty crazy. It, it made me laugh. Yeah, I mean, you know. No, it's an uncomfortable laugh, but like, holy fuck, man. It's an uncomfortable laugh. It's, it's like if 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 Pete, I never knew that too. Yeah, Pete Davidson's father, like he's you know, and I, you know the thing is like Pete Davidson, can, Pete, Pete Davidson can separate the love that he has for his father in that joke at the end of the day. Like he, you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. the thing. That's oh, the yeah. thing with it, Jake. He's like Pete Davidson, and people can say, "Ah, oh, he's going for the cheap laugh," but on the flip side, it's like. You know, uh, it, I don't know. It kind of, imp- I guess, it, it kind of, it, it kind of empowers him in the same way. Like, I'm yeah, gonna, I agree. I agree. Yeah. He, Pete, Davidson's a great interview. He did an episode of Marin about a year and a half. I ago. listened That's to that fantastic. one. Fantastic. I listened to that one. It was fantastic. And uh, yeah, but the, him on Stern was really fucking great. He was saying yeah. that he's constantly apologizing to Ariana during sex too. <laughs> oh wow! Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> and Howard was asking him like, you know, about how big his fucking dick was and shit. And of course, he was saying that she thinks it's huge, but it's just because she's so tiny. <laughs> that's really funny. Did yeah, you hear her album, Jake? Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. It's so, dude. It's so good. It's my in my top five favorite albums of this year. For sure. I'm very, like, I always make lists, so I already have, like, my top five for the year and stuff, and it's on there. It's so good, dude. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it was kind of shockingly good. It's um half produced by Pharrell, and you can really hear, I, like, oh you, you can listen to it, and you can say, okay, these are the Pharrell songs. For sure. It's so bouncy. Like, R.E.M., oh, my gosh. One, um, dude, it is so good. And I love Neptunes. Like, Pharrell is one of my favorite producers, and everything that I've heard, like, on that album, like, and he had a big hand um, in one of the songs off my favorite album of the year, which is the Jay Z and Beyonce album. Yeah, he had the uh, nice song, and it was really good. Oh, it's so distinct. I love it. Yeah, she kind of does the bait and switch on her fans though a little bit, right? Like the the single is like classic her like dance club poppy stuff, but then the album is yeah. pretty experimental for her stuff and it's doesn't so, really have it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's like so. Uh, and thank you. It's like, sorry, man. I, Okay, it is so like R and B feeling, and I love like old school like or even now like R and B stuff. Like it's just like kind of like, soft, mellow, but like the it hits hard, and I think she did it so well. But you're right, like the Goddess of Woman stuff. 
I was like, oh, so this is like Ariana Grande for sure. And then when I heard it, I was like, this is nothing like that single, and it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic fucking album. But yeah, I'm I'm sure if you have Sirius Radio, you can um, use the app and actually listen to all the old episodes of Stern. So I the Pete Davidson stuff was really good. That's cool. I highly recommend awesome. it. Tupperware that interview. You know, yeah. I think it's like what were you saying, Brian? I was just gonna say Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. If uh, if there was a if there was like a uh, porn version of like her story. <laughs> It would be Areola Grande about a singer with huge nipples. <laughs> that, actually, that actually makes the most sense, I think, out of any of those you've ever said. Like Thank the Grande part and everything because they're big. Dude, kudos to you. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I spent mm-hmm. literally 10 seconds thinking about that. And the execution was oh. terrible, but thank wow. you, Awesome. <laughs> Ariel Grande. It sounds like a garbage pail kid kinda too. It does. That's funny. Oh my god. Yeah, a garbage pail kid with huge nipples. <laughs> yeah, right. With like like snot or slime dripping out of them or something. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. Oh Ew. man. Yeah. That's funny. But yeah, like SNL, like it was it was it was just not I feel like I missed – I feel like I was missing out on so many jokes because I wasn't a recurring viewer. Like they had that like whole judge bit where it was like the judge lady on the the news and she was like making these like roasts or whatever. And I was like this oh. is just – it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it wasn't – it didn't hit me if that makes sense. Yeah, the Ginsburg stuff. Like that used to be funny but that's one of those things they've ran into the ground now. Yeah, I, so. I felt – it just felt like – I, after watching it one time, I was like, okay, I'm already over this. And then the, the worst part was, the worst part was the whole reason I was excited to watch that show in the first place was because Kanye announced that on September 29th, after SNL, he was going to be dropping an album titled Yandi, which looks to be a sequel to Yeezus from 2013. And I was very excited because he was going to be a musical guest with like 070 Shake and Tiana Taylor and Kid Cudi. And I was just looking forward to it. The first song was I Love It with Lil Pump, and it was, like, a bad performance, but it was funny. Like, I really thought it was hilarious. Like, he was just having a good time. They were w- dressed up as, like, uh, water bottles just dancing around, and I thought it was great. Like, I thought it was funny. I'm not a little Pump guy, but he's like he said, like, the F-bomb, like, a couple times on, like, air by accident, and it just, like, kept going, and it was crazy. And then he had a song with Tiana Taylor, which was, like, We Got Love, and the song is good. I think it's going to be from Yandi, but the performance was just so mellow and it's kind of boring. And then the last one, Ghost Town from the Yay album that came out this year, it was really good until they cut it off and it, cause they were like ran too long and they like went to credits halfway through the song and like it was all right, but I was kind of disappointed. And then the, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. If they had just done those performances and then the album dropped and the album was awesome, that would have been great. I wouldn't have even been mad. But the album isn't even out yet. The album isn't even out yet. He was like, they, we've been waiting. And it was supposed to drop uh, at like midnight or whatever whenever SNL was done. And it hasn't dropped yet. And it was supposed to drop yesterday. And we're still waiting. And he hasn't addressed it yet. And I'm like, this is classic Kanye fashion to kind of like be weird about that kind of stuff. But it's really frustrating because I'm like, I'm just like ready to go. I'm ready. I stayed up to like 1.30 in the morning. Just like, I'm like, oh, it's about to drop. It's for sure about to drop. And then not out yet i'm kind of bummed i tossed yeah. that part i'm really disappointed kanye did allude on twitter that lauren was having him come back to host in a few months bro dude i 
I I love his music, man, and stuff. And I the backlash already from that kind of stuff has just been crazy. I'm like, I don't even know if I want him to. I would love him. To, I would love him to be on it, but it's just like the the current climate of certain things is just it's kind of disheartening. But his music has been really good, in my opinion, and I. I'm really looking forward to this album whenever it actually decides to come out, so that'll be fun. But yeah, I tossed SNL. It was not not my favorite. I haven't watched the new one. I'll have to watch it. It's on it's all on Hulu, so Yeah. I, I I'm gonna low taste it. It was I mostly agree with the stuff Finn was saying. It was a it was a very weak premiere though. Yeah. Uh did uh South Park, did that start up? I need to fucking watch that. Yes, yes. Well, the, shit. the pilot addressed um all the gun stuff. Yeah, I heard they were going to do that. Wow. Have you heard about the hashtag cancel South Park thing? Do you think it's a gimmick or do you think they're really trying to get their own show canceled? Or they can stop it at any time. I think it's it, that part's a gimmick. Like it's up to like Matt Stone or Trey Parker if they want to continue with this. But Yeah, it's a gimmick. It's a fun one too. Yeah. I don't blame them. They've always kind of made that joke, right? Yeah. The, it's been going on too long joke it feels mm-hmm. like for the last few years. Yeah, it's like, I don't think it takes that much out of them to like do like, you know, whatever. They've cut down the episode count big time over the past few years. Like it's gone yeah. from like, you know, 20 episodes down to like maybe 10 or 13 is what they're doing lately. So. Yeah, and they got down to a science when it comes to like animating it too. And sure. I got to imagine yeah. the actual voice work probably that's like fucking they show up for an hour and go home. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's huge money for probably very little work. You know, they can do a lot of the creative end throughout the year, just, you know, thinking about it. And I, I don't see an end anytime soon. Uh, last thing that I wanted to talk about is I went and saw Night School, uh, the new Kevin Hart movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that with, uh, is Tiffany Haddish in it too? Uh, Tiffany Haddish, yes. A group of troublemakers are forced to attend high school and hope that they'll pass the GED exam to finish high school. Uh, it's, uh, Kevin Hart, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Taryn Killam, uh, speaking of Saturday Night Live, he was former Saturday Night Live cast member. And also, uh, is he still dating Colby Smolders? Are they still together? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm fairly sure. Keith David, Ben Schwartz from Parks and Rec, uh, Rob Riggle was also in this. I, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna give it what I think it deserves. It, it, in my opinion, I think it gets a high taste. It, I, uh, it, it started off really funny. The next, uh, the first half hour was really funny. The second half hour was kinda like, bleh. And then I think the last hour was pretty fucking strong and pretty funny overall. Um, there's a scene in here with Rob Riggle and he jumps off of a roof and the amount of pain his character goes through. I haven't laughed that hard in a theater in a long time. I don't laugh at a lot of physical comedy because I think a lot of it's stupid. Like a lot of it's like the Melissa McCarthy physical comedy that it's like, it's, it's, it's so expected that you just don't laugh when you see it anymore. And, um, with Rob Riggle doing it, I, fucking lost my shit i laughed so hard in that fucking theater that i was in tears by the end of it i was fucking laughing so hard at rob riggle in that scene and kevin hart's pretty fucking funny in it um i thought uh oh it's got the what's her what's her face from she was in mr show and she was in 24 that actress, I can't remember her name. Oh, I forget it. her name too. Yeah, but she's in it. Played she's, Chloe. Yeah, she's funny. I'm gonna give it a high taste. I got it. I got a kick out of this one. I really did enjoy it. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think there's a message here too. There's a good, even though it's a silly fucking movie, 
There's a good message here that sometimes people do have learning disabilities, you know, such as dyslexia. Um, yeah, what, there's a, what are they talking processing disorders, and they talked about all these different learning disabilities, and that it's never too late to get help, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And even though it's a silly fucking movie with all these silly fucking things happening and like <laughs> cursing and shit and like people falling down and you know, um, you know, just, just you know, it's just a silly fucking movie. There's still this like really nice message in it, and I really appreciated that. So I'm gonna give it a high taste. It not just for the fucking message. I'm not saying like everything's got to be a goddamn after school special where it's got a little fucking message and it, oh, oh, that's sweet and tender. So I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a higher rating because of the message. No, it was fucking funny. And I like Kevin Hart, and <laughs> Tiffany Haddish was good in it, and Taron Taron Kill- Killam was pretty fucking funny in it too. So, yeah, that's cool. Usually comedies, um, you know, it's the first half that's hilarious, and then the bottom half actually when they have to resolve things is where it all goes to fucking pot. But no. so it's cool that it sounds like it actually ramped up as it went. Yeah, I thought it did. I actually, uh, it's 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 about an hour and fifty one minutes, and they could have shortened this thing down by another twenty minutes. They could have left out some stuff. They really could have. Yeah. But 90 minutes is like the comedy sweet spot. Exactly, exactly. I, I would have said, yeah, I would have said 90 minutes on this one. But I, I enjoyed it. I really did. I thought it was a lot of fun. And to, and I'll be honest with you, because I, after I left the theater, I was like, is this something that you would watch again if it was on HBO or Cinemax or something like that? And I was like, yeah, I would watch this again. That's why it gets a high taste. So it's – and it, it made me – after watching this, it made me want to get uh, – Kevin Hart and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, in another comedy together. I think those two are like the new Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker combo that I like. Yeah, I bet we'll get that right. Uh, both their outings have been pretty good box yeah. office hits, and yeah. they seem to be pretty friendly with each other. I bet you're going to get your desires there. Yeah. I. Oh my gosh, uh, this this movie's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. There's going to be there's a, there's a few stretches in here where I'm like. But overall, I laughed. I laughed pretty hard in a few spots, especially when Rob Riggle fucking had his his jump. It is fucking. I lost my shit. I don't know if anybody else was laughing, and I didn't even give a fuck. I don't care. I don't care if anybody else enjoyed that part. I was laughing audibly out loud. It was ridiculous. If you were sitting next to me, I apologize. Actually, I don't. I needed that laugh. I needed that laugh. It's been a long week. Fuck you. Stop judging me, you son of a bitch. Anyway. Get him, Bri. Tell him, bro. I know, Keep dude. Keep going. Keep going. I know. <laughs> you're, you're egging on my anger. Um, no, thank yeah, you, Yeah, I love it. It's good. Uh, any final things for good pop, bad pop before we take a break? No, I'm ready for this break. Whoa. I got a quick thing. Wow. I got a quick thing, Jake. Oh, fuck you, Ben. I got to pee. <laughs> I got a quick thing. Hey, I got to pee too, man, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hammer this one out really quick. You ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I've been rewatching a lot of stuff, like I said, like Batman the Animated Series. But uh, one of my other favorite shows that I've been uh, just finished rewatching because I got it on Blu-ray – was the spectacular Spider-Man? Did you have either of you uh, have either of you guys seen this show before? Yeah, was that the one? That was not the one that ran on MTV. It was the one that came after that, right? Yep, it was the one from like 2008. It was the super stylized one, and it was done by Greg Weissman, who also did Gargoyles and Young Justice. Mm-hmm. And oh, it shit. is the super stylized one. It is so good. Highest of Tupperware is one of my favorite animated shows. Um, watching it on Blu-ray is really good. They do like I think this one does the comic arcs and 
does Spider-Man better than any animated show I've ever seen. Like, even better than the animated series. Like, it does the, it brings in all these characters from different times. So you have, like, everyone from Gwen Stacy to Mary Jane to even, like, Kenny Kong, who's, like, a side character from the Ultimate run in, like, the early 2000s, all in high school together. And it's just super, it is so well done. They have, like, the great uh, Venom story, the, how they do Venom and Eddie Brock is awesome. All the Green Goblin stuff is really good. They even do, they even have Tombstone as a main villain. So he's like the big man of crime, and it is just everything to do with Doc Ock. It's it's, it's so good. Highest of Tupperwares. I love that show. Um, if you haven't watched it before, just check it out. You can find it online, and the Blu-ray is like twenty bucks on Amazon for the whole series. It only ran two seasons before it was canceled because um, Sony uh, had the it was running on Disney, but then Disney acquired Marvel, and Sony had certain rights to the Spider-Man show that Disney doesn't have still, so they couldn't make it anymore. And they replaced it with Ultimate Spider-Man, which was a huge disappointment. But yeah, if you haven't seen it before, I'd highly recommend it. If you're a Spider-Man fan, you do not want to miss it. It's really awesome. Very cool. This whole time, I was just imagining Jake not being able to hold it and just pissing himself. Yeah, like, yeah I was basically. trying to make it super fast. I was trying. I was like hammering off. I didn't even let anyone have any space to talk. I was like, let's go. <laughs> All right, break. I, got, I, got, I, got. <laughs> I was just imagining Jake just pissing himself and saying, fuck it, I'm here now. I'm here now. As he's got piss going down his leg. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll be, we'll be right back with the news. Hey, next week is Venom. Wow, that's hard to oh. believe. Yeah, I got my tickets ready. i uh going to see it in the old Dolby Atmos. So next week is wow. Venom. It's a big Venom episode. Yeah, Ven- I can't wait to play the game. What could have been R? Oh, oh fuck, we're going to talk about that shit later. You bet your ass. <laughs> hey, one final thing for Good Pop, Bad Pop, and I feel bad that I left this out, and I just literally thought about it because I got a text here from Aaron Claude Miller, and Aaron said... I love him. Aaron Claude Miller from the Nerds Podcast. Download it, people, if you haven't. Uh, but uh, And I listened to their episode today, as a matter of fact, their newest one. But uh, anyway, he says, uh, he says uh, bro, summer of 84 was fucking awesome. So last week, went over the movie uh, Summer of 84. Had Dan Ramirez on here with me a few weeks ago talking about Summer of 84. And I wanted to follow up with everybody for Good Pop, Band Pop this week on Summer of 84. Download, do, do, do Dan Ramirez a solid. Download his newest, one of his newest episodes. He interviews the writers from Summer of 84 on his podcast called Heroes of Noise. So if you've seen Summer of 84, definitely download his podcast and listen to his conversation with those guys. It's absolutely fantastic. Dan deserves it. He puts a lot of hard work into that podcast. You know, people put a lot of hard work into their podcast, Jake. I know we don't, but some people do. 
No, we put hard work. I believe in. it. <laughs> I, I I do. I I, I do. I, I bust my ass on this fucking thing. Oh, anyway. Mm. Mm. Brian, yeah. Brian, you know what you are? What You're like that parent. You're that parent that's like, you guys really ought to be grateful for me um, not killing you guys and feeding you every night. And that's what you're doing. Like, we know, okay? We know you put a lot of hard work into here. You don't have to keep reminding us. Wow. 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 <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm getting chastised by an 18-year-old. Fuck my life. Wow, you got to bring my age up. My age is the first thing you bring up, really. <laughs> Fucking millennials. <laughs> Fucking millennials. Wow. Your entitlement, it sickens me. Anyway. Um, no, I'm kidding. Thank you, Finn. I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, but okay, listen, welcome. do, welcome. do Dan a solid and download Hears of Noise where he talks to the guys from, uh, Summer of 84. If you've seen that movie, you'll definitely want to listen to it. If you haven't seen it, go watch the movie and then listen to his episode because they do spoil the shit out of it. And, uh, but it's a fantastic episode. But, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, move on. There's something else I wanted to talk about, but I'm drunk and who fuck knows. Um, let's see here. Let's move on. Into, <laughs> let's move on into news. Finn, you compared me to a parent threatening their child's life. Well, it's just the way it's just the way you that attitude. It's like the parent acts like they're doing the child such a big favor for like, you know, I didn't have to take care of you all those years. It's like, bro, but you had me like we get it. You know what I'm saying? Did that make you feel better, Brian? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> it's crazy that when you think about it, I was I was thinking about it. I've been listening to PCL for like a third of my life. Wow! Oh my! If God. you really think about it, yeah, that's crazy. Like five, six years, whatever. Yeah, like since like episode thirteen, and I'm eighteen years old. That's nutty. That is bizarre. Wow. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, and I I want to yeah I want to apologize off the top here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I'm I think I'm owed an apology, honestly. So thank you, Ryan. I appreciate <laughs> I'm sorry. I am so <laughs> lots of Finn shade this episode. No. It, it, <laughs> I, Finn is Finn is you're 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 an amazing little creature. <laughs> you. you always, but Brian, see that's the thing you do. You always you always do the sneak dissing. You're always like an amazing little creature, <laughs> oh, eighteen so... year old. Like, come on. Now I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty overt. I thought that, that no. Anyway, guys, let's talk about up your Let's talk about the second Bumblebee trailer, guys. What did what did you think? Ben. It was cool. Oh yeah, Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll give it a high taste. It right. I mean, seeing all the G one Transformers was fucking awesome. They yeah. kind of spoiled the bag before we saw it, but there was they didn't spoil all of it. We got to see a few other ones we hadn't seen yet, and I'm sure we've all seen the still shots of who they who they've shown so far. But yeah, I, it looks really good. Um, the more I see of this movie, though, the more it's like, wow, it owes ET a lot. Hmm. I've said that, uh, I've said that many a times that it's very Spielbergian, very Amblin. And, uh, yeah, it does OT, ET a lot. I also, I want to point out that, uh, we 
are one of the only podcasts that were actually hopeful for this film when it was first announced, when they said that it was going to be Travis Knight as the director instead of Michael Bay. A lot of people just kind of heard, oh, a Bumblebee movie, and associated it with Michael Bay off the bat. We knew Travis Knight, the director of Kubo and the Two Strings, and he was involved in, with the animation studio Laika. We know what this guy's about, and we thought that this could be something special, something different, so we weren't quick to kind of like shit on this movie and uh i'm gonna give this trailer an absolute tupperware i i thought it blew me away i watched the international trailer as well the international trailer was actually even better in my opinion um you get you get a better look at optimus prime in that international trailer you see one scene of optimus prime actually fighting ravage the uh the cartridge that looks like the little black panther and um, there's a funny scene of Haley steinfeld and she's teaching bumblebee to hide and uh he hides behind this little small rock on the beach and it was a pretty funny cute little scene and i really enjoyed the international trailer a little bit more i give them both tupperwares though finn what did you think i loved it man it was crazy i i i never really had i watched a lot of like the later transformers cartoons as kids and stuff but like I love the movie, and this would have had all my favorite stuff from Transformers. Like, I'm not that big of a fan of it, but it was awesome. Like, I love Soundwave. He's my favorite, and getting to see him was awesome. It was yeah. so good. And I, I liked all the trailers. I think this is definitely my favorite, though. Like, they, it looks like it's just going to be such a fun, like, endearing movie, and Absolutely. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. We saw some triple changers in this movie. We knew we were getting them. We know that uh, uh, Justin Theroux is voicing one of the triple changers. Uh, who's the other, uh, lady that is voicing one of the triple changers? She was, she was most recently in the, uh, uh, Mission Impossible movie. Fuck, I can't think of her name. Um, anyway, we saw Shockwave, um, and, uh, what looked like him. So cool. He was on Cybertron. We saw, Starscream or Blitzwing. I don't know which one. It looked like Starscream, but it could be Blitzwing. There was also Ramjet or Dirge. I couldn't tell. And then also Skywarp and, and, uh, Thundercracker looked like they were there as well. So it looked like, uh, it looked like Starscream and his Seekers were there, which was very cool. Um, and we get, uh, in the trailer, we get Bumblebee. He's there to protect her. That's his mission. And then the two triple changer Decepticons, uh, Shatter, and uh Dropkick and then Blitzwing are all after Bumblebee and they've teamed up with Sector 7 in this movie. And some people, John Cena looks like he's heading up Sector 7. Some people are theorizing that John Cena is actually part of G.I. Joe and this is how they're going <laughs> to tie it all in. I hope that's not true. I hope it's not true at all. Yeah, that seems really dumb, like a giant Hasbro crossover market grab. I, I've seen that bullet point headline all over yeah. the place, too. Yeah. That seems really stupid. He's the original G.I. Joe. But I, I absolutely love this trailer, and I love the Bumblebee sneak peek before the animated movie that I saw this week. I I am all in on fucking Bumblebee, people. I'm all in. Yeah, it, it looks really good. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of like money it makes on Christmas. It's always such a really, you know audience with uh, you know so many other movies to see it'll be yeah. crazy to see how it does there's some competition we got you know of course we got the the spider-man into the spider-verse movie coming out there's aquaman um some movies have been moved though 
So we'll talk about movies yeah. that have been moved. Mary Poppins is right there at Mary Christmas Poppins. too, I believe. I you know you know how I did the the poop culture leftovers thing, you know, where it was like part of our that episode. That was funny. People farting and stuff. I was wanting to play. I was I was wanting to do a Mary Poopins with like Mary Poppins trailer, <laughs> but just with that same farting in the background, Jake. So they'd be yeah, that one that that could have worked, <laughs> but I didn't. Anyway, I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Raid movies, uh, the Raid and the Raid Two. And uh, for a while, it was teased that we could get a Raid Three. And then early on on IMDb, they actually had Tony Jaa listed as a cast member. So I was like, oh my god, Tony Jaa uh, joining the cast with Eco Uways and uh, a Raid Three movie. I was freaking out a few years ago. Anyway, the director of the Raid films, Gareth Evans, talked with Slash Film and said, quote, And the more time has gone on from that, the less interested I've been to go back there. What we did with the Raid 2, we kind of closed that off nicely. So it didn't really appeal to me to jump back into that world again. So it sounds like we probably are not going to get a Raid 3 at this point in time. And, oh. Weren't they also doing like... An American version of the whole thing, too, yes. or did that already happen in flop? Yes, no, they were. It was definitely something that's that they were talking about. Did you? We're also getting a. What's weird? We're getting the reverse of this. They're they're going to make the uh, the Bollywood Indian version of Rambo. Did you remember that poster? Yes. Yeah, I want to see that when it comes out. How does it? How is that going to turn out? I would like to see Rambo with Bollywood dance numbers as well. I think uh, I'm sold too. That'd be amazing. Uh, that'd be kind of hard, bro. That'd be kind of sick. Dude, I'm, I am upset though that we're not going to get a raid three, but I understand it because like the raid two really did wrap up that story nicely. So Gareth Evans would kind of have to go out of his way to come up with an original story to bring this back because it does feel like not everything has to be a trilogy. Not everything has to be a trilogy. This was kind of like Gareth Evans is like, I'm going to give you two fucking great movies, and he did, and now he's out. And uh, but I want to see, I want to see what else Gareth Evans gives us. But man, I would love to see him team up with Eco Uwais again. I love that guy; he's fucking incredible. Uh, Creed two, the second trailer came out, and um, this is not directed by Ryan Coogler. This is actually directed by Stephen Capel Jr. Um, who before he's only directed one previous film, uh, a movie called The Land, which is about uh, four teenage boys. They devo- devote their summer to escaping the streets of Cleveland, Ohio. You hear that, Finn? <gasps> Whoa, that's my neck of the woods. I mean, I'm an Akron boy for life. Oh shit, you're, you're a I Le- do love ICLE. You're a LeBron James Akron boy, huh? Oh my gosh, LeBron is the. He is cool. I don't know if he's the greatest ever because one, no. I know nothing, nothing about. Hold on, hold on. Okay, I know nothing about basketball. Yeah, sure. Brian. Uh huh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm but not, I know I'm you're not huge judging you. Fan. I'm not judging you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to okay. be that guy. All my friends. It makes me sad because all my friends are like, "Oh no, Le- LeBron is the greatest of all time." No question. Like they don't understand. They don't even look at the statistics. But I'm like, Michael Jordan is such an icon, and I, I mean, I love Space Jam. So how could I not love Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan so averaged 31 points or something like that crazy per game throughout his career and throughout his entire career. And Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. Can you say that, LeBron? Can you say Whoa. that, LeBron? 
Michael Jordan never That's lost fighting. in the finals, so I'll just throw that out there. Anytime Michael Jordan went to the finals, he won the finals, so just throwing that out there. And I used to hate LeBron James, but I really don't hate him as much as I used to. So uh, I love him, man. The stuff he's doing for Akron is awesome, too, with the school he's building and stuff yes. like that. Like, he is he seems like a really cool stand-up guy. I think it's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this movie he did called The Land was about these uh, four boys. They devote their summer to escaping the streets of Cleveland, Ohio by pursuing a dream life of professional skateboarding. And this movie had a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so, you know, this is kind of like an unproven director here. So we'll see what Stephen Capel Jr. can do. But I will tell you, the second Creed trailer gave me chills, and it looks mm-hmm. phenomenal. Finn, you sound like you agree, man. Oh, dude, it! I I loved the first one. It was, it's crazy how little of my friends like I always use my community as a basis, but how little of them see or seen it or have cared about Rocky. But it was crazy. So before before Black Panther, nobody cared about Creed out of my friends, like a couple, except for a couple of us. But after Black Panther, everyone was like, wait, this Michael B. Jordan guy is actually pretty cool. And so um, all my friends like watched Creed, and they were like, this is the greatest movie ever. How have I never seen this? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. right? It's so good. And then this trailer, dude, oh, my gosh. It was – it looked so good. I was just – it was the imagery and stuff with all the, the Drago stuff. Yeah. It yeah. was crazy. I loved it, man. I thought Tupperware all day. I, I thought it was awesome. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this movie. It looks tremendous. Oh, my. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen uh, Michael B. Jordan? Have you ever seen Fruitvale Station? That's uh, him and Ryan Coogler oh. teamed up again. I cried, bro. Oh, cried. my God. It was so good. Such an excellent movie. If you've never seen Fruitvale Station, you're a piece of shit. No, I'm kidding. If you haven't seen Fruitvale Station, find it. It's it's a fantastic movie. You'll absolutely love it. But uh, Jake, did you watch? I know you haven't seen Creed. Did you watch the Creed two the the trailer? I did not. Okay, that's fine. You need to, yeah. ju- Jake. You need to do this because it. it I'm, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. If you like the Rocky movies, and if you know. Uh, you need to watch Creed and then you need to, you need to watch this Creed too when it comes out. These are Ryan yeah. Coogler. If you love what Ryan Coogler did in Black Panther, you need to seek out his other works, Fruitvale Station and of course Creed. I mean, these are just fantastic. And I think that he kind of set the template for like what this next movie can be. And I hope it's fantastic because it looks fucking amazing, especially the scene where Rocky Balboa is talking to it's basically the same kind of like thing where uh Mickey was talking to Rocky about like you know you might not be able to beat this guy and nobody believing in him you know uh and uh here he is Rocky's talking about like how Michael B Jordan's father died in his arms and he doesn't think that uh Michael B Jordan can beat this uh Drago's son it it's i mean it 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 hits you man it's it's really good yeah it was i need to really check powerful. it out I'm a big fan of the Rocky movies and, you know, boxing movies in general I usually kind of enjoy. So I, I've done a disservice by not watching this. Someone actually gave me the digital code, but it was before the uh, Movies Anywhere deal, mm. and it wouldn't work for me and connect to my stuff. So now if I can Oof. get my hands on one of those digital codes, it'll actually uh, – connect to my digital movies account so maybe i can get my mitts on a uh, Cree digital code and check that out <laughs> oh, it's so good it is yeah it's fantastic i mean I, I did you hey uh finn did you watch rocky balboa you know i didn't i stopped at rocky four so i heard that i heard it was either rocky five or the one where he's like 
I heard one of them after that was really bad. Rocky so Five I is, watched up through four. Rocky Five is terrible, and but it comes back with okay. uh, Rocky Balboa, which I think he did like a little over ten years ago. Um, and, uh, that was the one where it was kind of like the, it paid homage to, you know, when, uh, George Foreman came back as like a older heavyweight champion and you've got Rocky coming back and fighting like one of the young guys and, uh, going the distance with that guy. It's a, it's a really fucking good movie. Will so, do. I'll watch it for sure. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Uh, yeah. Just, just skip five and go right to Balboa. Is that the one where he was like street fighting? No, that Rocky Five, yes, Rocky Five, yes, was the one who was street fighting with uh, with uh, Tommy, the the real boxer Tommy Morrison, who went by Tommy the Machine Gun in the movie. But yeah, Tommy Morrison Ooh. was the great white hype back in the nineties. Jake, remember that guy? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, news from Deadline. We're hearing that New Line Cinema has taken the pole position on acquiring the remake of Train to Busan which Gary Doberman will write and James Wan will produce alongside original rights holder Gaumont. Five studios have been in the mix on the hot property, a redo of the 2016 Korean apocalyptic zombie thriller with Universal bowing out earlier and Paramount, Lionsgate, and Screen Gems all circling with New Line. We understand New Line is now in negotiations, which makes sense as Doberman wrote the studio's Annabelle and is now directing the new installment there, which he also scripted. Wan's Atomic Monster will be spearheading this, with Juan and president of production Michael Clear producing along with Galmont and Dauberman. So yeah, we're gonna get a, a new train to Busan, uh, whatever it's gonna be called, train to San Francisco, train to San Diego, train to New York City, whatever they're gonna call it, it's gonna be the American version of train to Busan. And, uh, wow, five different studios were bidding on this. It looks like New Line's going to get it. I read this news, and yesterday went on to Netflix. The Train to Busan, the Korean film, South Korean film, is on Netflix right now if you want to watch it. It's the zombie movie, and uh, it's not the slow kind of like um, – uh, uh, George A. Romero zombies or like the Kirkman Walking Dead slow zombies. These are the fast zombies. And um, this movie, the original is a Tupperware to me. It is, it is, and it's, it's like, it, yeah, you, oh, it's a, oh, zombies on a train. It's a fucking gimmick. <laughs> you haven't watched the fucking movie. You haven't watched the movie if you're saying it's just zombies on a goddamn train. Tell them. Get them. It's about – I mean, oh my god. It's about It's about uh, a, a father and his daughter and their strained relationship. And it's about a young girl that just wants to get on a train to go to Busan and be back with her mother because her father's a big corporate bigwig and doesn't have time for her. Uh, bought her a birthday gift. It's the same gift that he had already gotten her. She'd already gotten this gift. He pays no attention to her. This guy's a big wig at a corporate wow. company. And he doesn't pay attention to his daughter. And she just wants to go 
see her mom, and he's fighting it, he's fighting, he's fighting. So finally, he's going to put her on a train to Basan, and the zombie apocalypse breaks out, and you've got different character arcs, and you see how this guy is a selfish person, and how that starts to change throughout the course of like this whole zombie apocalypse. It's a lot more than just fucking fast zombies going around and eating people's brains. This is a Tupperware fucking awesome. movie, and this girl. This little girl's performance at the end of the movie, if you're not fucking crying, you're, 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 you're dead inside. I, I, I told, I was like, I'm not gonna cry again this time. What are you talking? I've seen this before. I know what happened. And I, <laughs> I get to the end of the movie and that girl is screaming out. She is screaming out and I'm just fucking crying along with her. Oh my God. There's something about a sad child that just fucking, it just pulls at your heartstrings. This movie is not your average zombie movie. This is not a gimmick. Zombies on a train. This is not snakes on a plane with fucking uh, Samuel Jackson. This is a fucking, this is a definitive fucking movie movie and this is fucking bullshit that just because it has subtitles that it's going to be remade i say fuck everything about this get on netflix right now and watch train to busan the original because nothing they're going to give you when they i i love grace mckenna but when they cast grace mckenna as the little girl in this fucking movie and she's crying at the end of it i'm just going to be rolling my goddamn eyes because it was done so much better when the original director did this the first time and i know i sound really pissed off and passionate about this it's because i am i hold this movie near and dear this is a great movie and i'm really kind of sick and tired of seeing american reboots and remakes of things that i think that are fantastic and that should be seen in their original fucking uh in the original way it was filmed and from the original vision of the original director and um this is one of those movies train to basan is absolutely a tupperware movie all the way if you haven't seen it if you have Netflix, get on there right now. I'm sorry you're going to have to read at the bottom of your screen. I'm really sorry, but like it takes nothing away from this movie. This movie is an incredible experience. The characters are all wonderful. Um, you fall in love with all these characters. And the villains are villains. They're just classic villains. I mean, like I would pit these villains up with like, you know, like those villains that you hated when you were a kid, Jake. Like all the villains from the Indiana Jones films. You know what I mean? Like those guys, you hate those oh, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they did such a great job. Yes. I I always forget their names, but mm -hmm. yeah, I know from each one, they're, they're such like just scummy, villainy villains. Scummy villains that like, you know, like uh, every aspect of them, like when it comes to, they're, 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 they're sharks when it comes to business, and then when it comes to survival, they'll sacrifice everybody before themselves. They're not, they're not like, you know, like Captain America that's gonna like, you know, protect people and like, oh, the zombie apocalypse changed me and like, like now I'm not this piece of shit anymore. Like, these are just villains through and through and this movie does a great job of that. This movie is just trained to be, I'm really upset about this. Even though I love James Wan, um, I'm really upset about this because I think that, uh, the movie was just done so perfectly. That uh, just just watch the original Train to Busan on Netflix, people. Yeah, seriously, that's such a bummer too. I just hate, I hate especially, and I'm not going to keep saying this, but people my age, it's like the people that hate anime, hate on anime, and will never watch anime. It's literally just because it's different, or it's because it has subtitles. Like it's from Japan. Like if this came on in America, you would love it. But since it's from Japan, it's terrible. Like that stuff is like. Get out of your comfort zone. Try new things. That yes. makes me very frustrated. Yeah. Especially when it's like 
they ruin something or it's like, oh, well, now that the Train to Busan remake was terrible, we'll never make a sequel or we'll never add anything else to that because the remake was so bad. When in reality, you could have just added on to the, that story and made something even better. It's just such a bummer. Yeah, I mean, we should be getting a Train to Busan uh, sequel coming out of Korea. I know they had the prequel anime, which was absolutely fantastic. The director for the original Train to Busan actually came from an anime background, Finn. So... When really? You, yes. And, and, um, when you watch the movie, you can kind of see that. Like it's, it's, it, man, it's so good. It is so good. And I know, I know you, I know our listeners are burnt out on The Walking Dead. I know you're burnt out. And if you're not burnt out on The Walking Dead, like switch it up a little bit. Watch this. But if like you are burnt out on The Walking Dead and you're like, I'm done with zombies. There's nothing else that you can do with zombies that would get me back to watching zombies. I'm not going to get on the zombie train. I know, zombie train, and this is called Train to Busan. <laughs> anyway, watch this fucking hey. movie. Watch this fucking movie. It is absolutely incredible. I, even the second time, I it's been a little over a year since I'd seen it, and I watched it again, and um, I had the same feels and the same enjoyment that I had the first time that I watched it. This movie is uh it's it's a masterpiece. It really is. If you if you appreciate horror, if you appreciate I don't know if you if you like the zombie genre and maybe you're burnt out on it. Give this movie a chance. I, I think you will really enjoy this movie. I think, and then you and then you'll then you'll jump onto my side of the fence where you're like, <laughs> why are they remaking this? Because this movie is perfect. Can't you just appreciate the original, Jake? It's like for me, and I know it's like for me. I guess people are gonna think I'm silly, but it's like there's certain movies that I feel like that are untouchable that you shouldn't remake. That you that you know, Gone with the Wind, uh, The Wizard of Oz, Citizen Kane. I'm gonna and yeah, you're gonna say I'm crazy, but I'm gonna say Train to Busan is one of those movies. Like it's there's something about this movie that you should not try to remake this. This is just wrong. Yeah, I I haven't seen it, so I can't put it into the company of all those movies, but yeah, I mean I don't think you'd bullshit. You sound very passionate about it. And, and I see what you're saying. It's just like, why not just mass release it in the States as is and expose yeah. it to people that way? I know. Everybody mm-hmm. think, everybody thinks I'm silly. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. If, if you haven't seen the movie, you think I'm crazy. You think I'm overacting and you're just thinking like, whatever, whatever. You're silly, Brian. You're saying, you're throwing out Gone with the Wind. You're throwing out Citizen Kane. I know maybe it, you know, we're not talking about it on that level, but on the horror level, I don't, there is, n- I'm I'm telling you, you're not going to make an improvement on the original with whatever they give us. I promise you. I promise you. And that's the problem here. You're not if you if you're not gonna enhance what's already been done, you're detracting from the original. And so I you know it's 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 a it's a fucking shame that they're going to be remaking this and it, it this is all about money. You've got studios bidding on this Jake because they know how goddamn good it is. You've got five oh. studios bidding on this because they know how goddamn good it is. That right there tells you it's all about the money and it's like why just just the original is so much better people. Just get on Netflix right now. Watch Train to Busan. You will thank me. It is fun. It is a fun movie. It's got a lot of heart and it is sad. Like it will it will pull at your heartstrings. This is a great fucking movie. So 
I know. And yeah, I'm, and I should check it out. I, I I like a lot of the more nichier zombie mm-hmm. movies, you know, like your 28 Days Later yes. and stuff like that. So this, this is definitely one I need to check out because I know yeah. I definitely have Walking Dead fatigue, and it would be nice to see a, a good zombie thing, you know, with some good metaphors. This has that beat in spades. It's be- I love 28 Days Later. I do. And this has that beat in spades. This is so much better. Train to Busan is a fucking – Wow. It's a it's a masterpiece. It's so good. Scott Shooty would get on. Yeah, here. I mean, you put it next to Kane and no, Wizard of Oz. And shut the hell up. With the wind, yeah. No, I, as far I'm not, I'm not yeah. making fun. No, I'm not saying it's like it's not. It's I'm saying that there's movies. The reason I brought those up is I think there's movies that should not be remade, and I feel like this is one of them. It, it really is. There's movies that Jaws should never be remade. Now you can have spin-offs and like the Meg, you can come out with a Meg movie that pays homage to Jaws, but you should never remake the original Jaws. After Spielberg, you know, when Spielberg passes away, if some up and coming director says, I love Jaws and you know, somebody wants to do something with the property, you should not remake Jaws. You should not remake Back to the Future. Like these are movies, and it's like that. This movie, I think it does deserve the same respect. I just don't feel like enough people over here have watched it. And uh, once you do watch it, you'll you'll kind of understand like where I'm coming from here. I don't think that um, like an American studio is going to be able to recreate what they did in that movie. It's it's a special film. It really is. Um, so, yeah. Zombies on a train. It's just a gimmick. What? Just watch it. You, you jaded fuck. I think, I think that's a huge, I think that's a huge lesson we need to learn though is it's like stop trying to judge everything or yeah. have opinions about on things like that before you even watch them. Like give things a chance. I yeah. would have never, if I hadn't watched like my first anime as a kid, I would have never been into this stuff. Or if I hadn't even tried stuff that you recommended, like, <laughs> shows that I would have never seen. Yeah. Like, I would have never tried unless you had recommended them to me. And since I tried them, I loved them. Well, yeah. you don't. But yeah. at least have an opinion that makes sense when you actually have seen it. Yeah, I've, I've had listeners tell me about certain things that I should watch, you know, and I've watched them, and then I've come out with, like, a completely different view of, um, you know, before, if I did prejudge, I, after I've watched it, I have a different view. Whether I liked it or I didn't, you know, at least I knew. So... This this is a story. This this next story it, it comes from TV Line. They had a story titled "Which Drama Series Is Eyeing a Twenty Year Jump, a Twenty Year Time Jump." Did you see this news, Jake? No, that's interesting. Yeah, I I heard about this. Yes, okay. It says, "Let's call it a time jump on steroids." A popular here's the key word: a popular drama series is looking to shake things up creatively. So this is not like a drama series that's like on the down and they're trying to like get ratings back up. This is they're saying it's a popular drama series is looking to shake things up creatively by jumping ahead in time by upwards of two decades. A source cautions that the ambitious idea, which would likely find several of the show's cast members quadrupling their time in the makeup chair in order to authentically morph into their now older characters, is still in the planning stages, and a number of stars, both literal and figurative, would have to align in order to pull off such a narrative gamble. It's also unclear how much of the season and how many of the storylines would take place in the 
new futuristic setting. One likely possibility would find the show toggling between eras, taking a page from This Is Us, Outlander, and Westworld's playbooks throughout the season. Now for the clues. The series in question is slated to return with its new season sometime in 2019, and it does not air on one of the big five broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, or The CW. It is a cable-slash-streaming entity. So this could be HBO, this could be Netflix, this could be any of, um, you know, the Amazon Prime, uh, you know, it could be, but it's not one of the big five here, but it's a popular drama series, and they're going to jump ahead possibly by two decades. This comes from TV line, and this comes from a reliable source that has been correct in the past. Jake, do you have, I know I just sprung this on you, but do you have any guesses as to who this could possibly be? Maybe a Game of Thrones, or, I mean... Mm, I don't think it's a Game of Thrones. I think we'd have heard. We, we've already kind of seen the set photos of that. And we haven't seen people heavily made up. And I would imagine that this it's like a long-term plan where it's like not just a gimmick for one episode, that they're going to leap the whole series ahead in time and then keep it that way. They said it's unclear um, of how much of the season and how many of the storylines would take place in the new futuristic setting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I am. I'm kind of struggling with that. Yeah. I don't, has anything ever done this before? You know, as far as like, uh, you know, uh, a popular series? Has, has, has anything ever done this before? Jump. Like, uh, Battlestar Galactica, uh, Parks and mm. Recreation. I was about to say Parks and Rec. Um, it's been done, though. Anything else? Like, okay. the time jump. Yeah, I just didn't know, like, if any, like, midstream in a popular drama series, if they jumped ahead 20 decades and, uh, two decades, excuse me, and then just, like, that's where the show goes from now on. Yeah, not 20 years, though. Like, Battlestar, I believe, is, like, four years. Um, I forget how many years it is in parks, right? It's just only a couple. It's like, it's like two or three. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is a 20 year time jump. Like, I, I recently watched, uh, the final season of Casual on Hulu. And they jump ahead by at least five plus years on that series, and they actually introduce us to like new technology that hasn't been that hasn't come out, you know, in present day. But as far could as this it, po- could this possibly be Better Call Saul? Maybe I mean that ooh. that would be a way to get them past the Breaking Bad stuff that everyone already knows. Yeah, it would be a new season sometime in ooh. 2019. So you know. Um, Better Call Saul is right is now it, in the middle yeah. of, you know, their, what is it, season four for Better Call Saul yeah. right now? I th- yes. Yeah, I think so. So, I don't know, possibly Better Call Saul. I need, I, that would be awesome. We know it's not like Mr. Robot because Mr. Robot's ending this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to think about popular dramas that are like that, like on those certain uh, networks or streaming services and stuff like that. Yeah, some people were speculating possibly like Stranger Things, like you know, if because the the story also does say like toggling between eras, like could we see like you know Steve Dustin and some of these characters like twenty years later, like in the nineties, uh, late nineties or you know early two thousands, and I was like ah, that doesn't make sense to me. I think like the Duffer Brothers are really happy, like they found a really good sweet spot there in the eighties, and that's where they'd want to stay with those characters. So. 
I agree with that. I just, it's not, and they're not going to, it would take more than just cosmetic makeup to make those actors jump 20 years in the future too. Right. Yeah, so it, that it, would be kind of weird. And the th- same thing with like Westworld, if Westworld comes back next year, cause sometimes Westworld, they, they might take a year and a half off. They, I mean, they did that with, uh, in between seasons one and season two. So they might not come back till 2020, but if like Westworld, even if they did do a time jump, it's it's a lot of those characters are robots, so they're going to look the same anyway. This sounds like it's going to be like a, a regular cast of characters that they're really going to have to get sit down and do the like this prosthetic makeup to make them look older. I don't know. I think that this is pretty fascinating, and I I'm really looking forward to seeing if this rumor is true and uh, like what show it is. It, it'll probably be some show I don't even fucking watch or care about. Yeah, exactly. You'll be like, oh, big whoop. Mm-hmm. Next. <laughs> this last story in news I wanted to talk about, really fucking weird. News from Variety. Sony Pictures is getting back into business with Seth Rogen as the movie star will play a pickle maker in his next big role at the studio. Um, Jake, listen to this. Finn, did I, I, I told you about this story, right? Did you look it up at all? Yep, I read it too. <laughs> okay. Oh, I read the whole thing. The film is based on Rich's New Yorker novella and stars Rogan as Herschel Greenbaum, a struggling laborer who immigrates to America in 1918 with dreams of building a better life for his beloved family. One day, while working at his factory job, he falls into a vat of pickles and is brined for 100 years. The brine preserves him perfectly, and when he emerges in present-day Brooklyn, he finds that he hasn't aged a day. But when he seeks out his family, he is horrified to learn that his only surviving relative is his great-grandson, Ben Greenbaum, also played by Seth Rogen, a mild-mannered computer coder whom Herschel can't even begin to understand. So we have Seth Rogen goes from making Sausage Party to now being a guy 100 years ago in 1918 working at a pickle factory, falling into a barrel of brine and brining himself for 100 years perfectly preserving himself in the brine and then coming into contact with his future great-grandson, also played by Seth Rogen, a computer coder. Jake, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of time jump stories this week. That sounds good, though. That sounds, I, it's one of those things where I'd really like to see a trailer for it, though, to kind of, because obviously it's going to be played for some laughs. I'd kind of yeah. like to see a little bit more about the tone of this is going to be like. Oh my yeah. god. I when I first read this, I was like, what in the hell? Oh my god. Seth Rogan falls into a vat of brine and is <laughs> brine for a hundred years. Yeah, don't let Neil deGrasse so Tyson gross. watch this movie. Oh gosh, he will he'll destroy it. Uh Finn, what are you thinking about the old uh uh, yeah, you know, sounds like sounds like Seth Rogen's got himself in quite in, in quite the pickle here, right? <laughs> oh, sorry, that's oh. yeah, that a dad joke if I ever heard one. But what what are you thinking about the it old pickle? The old pick. It sounds fun. I, I really, 
Yeah, I really like Seth Rogen a lot. Like, I mean, I really liked his performance on The Disaster Artist and everything. A lot of the stuff he did in Freaks and Geeks yeah, yeah, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think it's like if anybody can like just be like, what the – where the heck am I? Just be like he always looks bewildered anyways. Yeah. Like, he always looks like he's kind of out of place. I think he could – this would be hilarious. Like I just – I really hope this is like this like really weird – like a really weird – movie that isn't afraid to like be weird you know what i mean it's not like just trying to be like the normal comedy sure like i don't want to see you know what i mean yeah i think it's fun though yeah i just i don't want them to like hang like just like oh the gimmick is like uh uh, he's a pickle maker and he just he's perfectly preserved in the brine for a 100 years and i yeah like like uh get edgy with it give it the r rating um, you know, like when, when the movie, the first Ted, when the first Ted came out, I was like, ah, this is going to be terrible. You know, like Seth MacFarlane and, 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 uh, this little teddy bear movie and, and Mark Wahlberg, it's going to be terrible. The first Ted movie is a fucking Tupperware in my opinion. It is phenomenal. It's so great. And like, that's what I, I kind of like hope that this movie is, it's different and it's funny. Give it that edgy r rating and just do have some fun with it it's just a wild bizarre premise anyway just go out there with it so yeah 100 percent. yeah i like that he's seth rogan's playing two roles roles too that makes me think he's kind of you know put a lot into this performance right because yeah you know, just going to be able to be stereotypical seth rogan in both roles isn't it weird hold on uh first off a lot of comedians do this. Like Eddie Murphy did it for a while with like the clumps, right? And then he did no, he did it in a bunch of shit. Coming to America. Oh, coming to America. Yeah, yeah, he started coming to America. He's playing all these different multiple characters, the barbershop characters and all this stuff. And then uh and then and then but now even more recently, uh James Franco in uh the Deuce series plays two like two brothers, two twin brothers, and then remember the rumors of him playing multiple man. Oh, I do remember that. And now you got, now you got out of that same camp, that same freaks and geeks camp. You got Seth Rogen saying, Nope. I'm also going to have my little parent trap moment. You little son of a bitch. <laughs> and I'm going to have, trap yeah, moment. I'm going to play two different characters from two different eras. So like, I don't know. Wow. Like, is it so? Is it, is it is it going to be like a little fish out of a pickle out of water story here, where you got oh, oh yeah, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> look, look at all these, these cars. That's what I. They should definitely play around with that, like um, like with a uh, with a uh, Siri and Alexa and like uh, what else? I mean, fuck, they could have a lot of fun with this, man. Like uh, you know, just like just like Tesla cars, you know, just having them see all this like weird shit. I always love it when characters from the past, like, interact with, like, future technology. Oh, yeah, like the old Austin Powers scenario. That's yeah. why that's so damn hilarious. Well, like, even, like, Ash showing up with his boomstick, you know? I love yeah, that yeah. shit. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, they could have a lot of fun with this. I, I, I like Seth Rogen. I think he's a good guy. Funny. Canadian. He's awesome. Canadian. I agree. I like him, too. Sometimes he can be a bit overbearing in some of his comedies, but yeah. most of the time, I, I like him a lot. Yeah, what was what was the big one that like like made him blow up? Well, he was in Forty Year Old Virgin, but like what was super the, bad? Probably was it Knocked Up? Was that the big one? Was that the one that did him? Knocked Up. Was yeah, that the one that, that knocked him up? 
Yeah, Knock Up, Super Bad. I think those were like the first two biggies, right? Yeah, Freaks and Geeks, man. That was like where it set off, though. That's where his career started. He was a Pineapple so Express. Good. Oh my was pretty gosh. big. Yeah, Pineapple. Yeah, Pineapple. Yeah, Pineapple. Pineapple Express was at Big Lots today for five bucks. I don't like that movie, so I didn't buy it. Yeah, it's not it. the best. I talked to Joe Stark about that on our new episode of Number One Comic Books, and I was like, "Yeah, not the biggest fan of." Uh, of Pineapple Express, and Joe Stark was like, thank you. It was like he'd never heard anybody actually admit that before. But yeah, I'm here to tell you, not that good of a movie, people. No, they kind of, well, the, the dark comedy aspects of it kind of get broke when they have a character just die 800 times. Like, it doesn't really know if it wants to be a dark comedy or it wants to be a slapstick comedy. Mm. And so it's kind of stuck in between <laughs> those two worlds. I couldn't even tell. I watched it the one time, and I just remember not enjoying it that much. And so I've never revisited it before. So, yeah. I was going to say something else, but I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> that makes for it good happens. podcasting. Mm. That makes for good podcasting when I audibly say that out loud for people to know. Like, hey, this is how incompetent your host is. <laughs> only, sli- only slightly incompetent, man. You're doing a good job. <laughs> oh, thank you, Finn. <laughs> wow. wow. I like the little Finn stamp seal of approval there. Hey, guys, uh, let's take another break. And when we come back, we're, we're going to do Marvel News. We're going to talk about this X-Men Dark Phoenix trailer that came out. So if you haven't Dark seen it, nice. if you haven't seen it or if you've only seen it once... Watch it again. Watch it again. It deserves a second viewing. We need to talk about this. X-Men Dark Phoenix trailer dropped, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to get real. We're going to get real. This is going to be like Barbara Walters talking about the X-Men Dark Phoenix trailer. We're going to get real about this shit. Would you Would you say that we're going to rise from our break like a phoenix, Brian? We're going to rise from the ashes out of this break like a goddamn phoenix, Finn. <laughs> Hold on. Now we're talking. We're going to title this next segment... X-Men Dark Phoenix, because you're Fendi straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's that for a mashup? How's that? How's that for? Yeah, yeah. The Phoenix. Hey, Johannes. Wow. You like to draw stuff? Draw little Fendi Creek as the Phoenix. All right. Give me. I haven't. What's Johannes doing? He's not doing any art lately. I haven't seen any. I think he's working on an actual comic. Oh wow! He's getting paid for actual work. That is amazing. Since we've got our listener Johannes, who I love, I love you, Johannes. Our listener from Sweden, Johannes, and like he started listening to the show, and then like he started doing like these little doodles of me and Jake and and Frank and Jay and all this stuff. And uh, since that time, now he is now a paid comic book artist. Jake, isn't that not a isn't that not, um, not amazing? That's incredible. It is incredible. I love Johannes. I'm I'm he's, super proud of him. Mm-hmm. He's mm. such a good dude. Like talking to him about hip hop music and stuff is some of my favorite memories from all of the Leftover Army stuff. Yeah. Like, he is an awesome guy. Yeah, I yeah. some of you OG listeners out there, I love you. You're fucking rock stars to me. Like uh, like some you know like people listen every week and they're like ah oh, Brian and Jake. Like no, it's like for me and Jake. I don't know about for Jake, but for me. Like some of you OG fucking listeners like Finn Deets Greek and Brooke Doherty and fucking uh, Jacob Harmon and Johannes and Dan Hunter. Like you guys are fucking rock stars to me. You guys are like the OG. You know what I mean? Like, Aw. Like, Thanks, no. Brian. Yeah, you guys are like – no, you guys – like, okay, if there were like – hold on. If there were pillars that were holding up PCL, like like the four pillars, like you're the pillars. You know what Aww. I mean? 
Thanks, man. Yeah. Jake, you know I was thinking, was oh, that, sorry, Jake, was that, was that too complimentary? Could I tone that back a little bit or was that too much? No, I, I think it was, I think it was right there. I yeah. think it was right on, right on point. Yeah. Like, you know, Joe Vitale, he's doing his own podcast now, but he's been with us since like the Man of Steel episode. People are amazing. Here I am. For real. I'm sucking your dick now. Anyway. Brian. Yeah. Brian, you know, you know what I was thinking about the other day? I do know what you were thinking about the other day, so we don't even need to talk about it, man. It's just like right now, <laughs> me and you, we are on the same wavelength, and we can just kind of so leave right. it. We can leave it at that, man, because like we know we are there. You know what I mean? It's like it's, oh, a, it's, yeah. a, it's an unspoken trust that we have going on right now. I know exactly we, what you were thinking about the other day. You and I are just a brunette and a blonde with an inception. Bond. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, what were you thinking about the other day, Finn? Do you remember the PCL Hunger Games? Mm-hmm. Man, ne- that, never, that was a blast from the past. Never, I remember that was all the rage, and I totally forgot about it. It never happened. Yeah. It never happened. That, uh, well, can, hey, Jake, can we chalk that up to laziness? <laughs> I think we uh, – I don't think it was laziness. I think we eventually came to, like, the decision that we probably shouldn't hit all of our listeners together in a death match yeah it was weird because like we had different yeah okay if hey listeners uh, new listeners oh my god people hate this episode hey i'm right oh, there they're gonna love it now they're gonna hate it and i'm right there with you and it's fine we can all hold each other's hands throughout this process together and hate it together okay there's no shame in that but anyway Years ago, we had this whole thing that we were going to do. It was called the Pop Culture Leftovers Hunger Games, the PCL Hunger Games. And you got to, as a listener, pick your tribute. So you got to pick which host you wanted to back in the Hunger Games. And so, like, we had different listeners, like, choosing me or or Frank or Jake or Jay. It was crazy. Team Jay. Team Jay. Yeah, Finn. How did you feel hearing Jay come back on the Ant-Man and the Wasp episode. It was the greatest surprise ever. Well, Johan- Johannes knows how much, like, me and Johannes, we'll talk about Jay. Like, we love Jay. We miss him. Yeah. And so, like, when that happened, before I even got a chance to listen to it, I just get a text on Facebook in all caps, like, Finn, whatever you're doing, stop it. <laughs> listen to the episode. I was like, this can only mean one thing. Before I, 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 knew, I knew, before I even listened, I was like, Jay's back. Oh. And it was the best feeling ever. Oh, uh, it felt like old times. I missed him so much. It, yeah. God damn it, Jay. Jay? You're, you're, I know he's listening right now, Jake. Mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. he's listening right now. Jay, you're fucking amazing and people love you, dude. You don't know. You don't know the love for you, man, but my God, people fucking love you, dude. Yeah, I was right. about to say, like, does he know how much, like, we miss him? But, like, does he even, can he even, like, grasp how much we miss Jay? Like, I don't think he can. No, he can't. He definitely cannot. No. Um, no. yeah. We Gosh. definitely need to get Jay back on again. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the Aquaman would be a great spot for him. I'd love to hear what Jay thought yeah. of that. He- yeah, yeah. I remember exactly where I was when I heard the uh, "You Don't Know Me" rant for the first time. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember exactly what I was doing, where I was. Oh my like god! 9, it was like nine eleven of PCL. Like I remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, it, it, dude. It was so weird. Um, it was so much fun though. It was like I kind of egged that on. I kind of egged Jay on to that point. <laughs> yeah, and, I always remember the following week when we replayed it for Jay live on the episode. And that was a pretty great moment too. How did that oh. go? I don't remember. Jay was like kind of unaware that like he had the rant as crazy as it was, <laughs> and me and you like kind of brought it up during the episode, and he was kind of like downplaying it like it wasn't that big of a deal. And so we like 
we bring up the previous week episode on the yeah. on my phone and we're playing like the <laughs> Jay's rant so Jay can hear it back for the first time live on the episode. Uh, it was a pretty crazy moment too. Yeah, that was the best thing ever. Oh my gosh, I have so many I have so many positive memories of this podcast. Like I remember I have like I have that memory where like I remember exactly where I was when I heard the first um gotcha song. The Brian, you know what I'm talking about when you played it like you the guy had the bad review called Jake and them your cohorts. Oh and yeah. And like yeah. you talked about him playing gotcha. I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I heard that for the first time and I just remember dying. My dad was like, "Why are you laughing?" I was like, "Ugh, you know." Just stuff. That's the thing. <laughs> You're gonna like podcasts out there. Like when you start, and if you have a lot of listeners and stuff like that, and people start to, and you get some negative feedback. Uh, if you if you bend, if you bend to their negative feedback, if you t- if it's if you, uh, Jake, if it's co- if it's constructive criticism, then definitely take it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's not. Don't lean in. Don't lean into it, man. Just fucking fight it. And uh, yeah, we turned it into a thing on the podcast. And I think for like the the listeners that love the show, they they appreciated us fighting back against these listeners that didn't like it. So, bro, we all hopped on Twitter. We we came to your defense. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember exactly like all the people who were leading the charge. I got in there, threw a couple jabs. Oh, that's hilarious, man. This is what happens when we don't get iTunes reviews and we don't get our chance to blow ourselves during that. Oh, I know. I know. Exactly. Yeah. It's just so weird, like, thinking about, like, it's it's like a piece of pop – like, the podcast is like a piece of pop culture to me, but it's like I'm a part of it. Does that make sense? No, you totally are. It's you crazy. totally crazy. Like, it's weird. It's like, oh, I know this show and I study this show like I would a comic or a – television show that i love but i'm like it's like my friends no our listeners don't even understand johannes and uh finn are pop culture leftovers historians and you guys would actually go back and listen to old episodes and write down different moments that would happen in each Mm -hmm. episodes and like like notebooks and stuff like that you guys were like compiling this information for god oh, yeah for god knows what but you were <laughs> yeah i still have a lot of that stuff too i was thinking about like it's just things just got too busy the episodes were so long and oh, it was god, just time like you're, every week is like oh my gosh but i still remember like we me and johannes would like over facebook messenger talk about our favorite episodes like uh the um episode i think it's like 104 or 106 where you guys went to the theme park with some of the guys from the comics lobs and you had that like six and a half hour podcast. That was like one of our favorites. And we always talked about like favorite moments and stuff. Oh, wow. Fuck, man. Awesome. I, I don't remember half of this shit, dude. Like, I don't even remember half of this shit. And, and I was doing it. I, <laughs> but you've only lived through it once. Like me and John, <laughs> yeah. like if you if I've listened to the episode a multiple times, yeah. then it's like, I'll I'll start to remember that kind of stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, you guys have had a big influence on people. I don't plan. See, the thing is, I don't. I don't want the episodes to be four or five hours. I don't. Like, if it was up to me, Jake, <laughs> it would. The episodes would be maybe an hour and a half to two hours. But it's like you know, all the news that we compile, it just happens to turn. And it's like I just don't want to bring up a news story and say, "Oh yeah, it looks like a uh, popular drama is going to do a time jump here, a twenty year jump. That's cool. Move it on to the next story." It's that, basically <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at that and point we have natural conversation, yeah. and yeah, it's it's just yeah. 
basically at like that this, point I'm just yeah. reading shit off. You know, it's like I might as well just fucking sit here and fucking pull out War and Peace and just start reading <laughs> the goddamn thing. You know what I mean? If that's Definitely. what I'm gonna do, no, I'm gonna talk this, about it. Yeah, this conversation would have never happened if it was like that. Like I don't me just bringing up the Hunger Games exactly. stuff. You know, the, the longer I have, we have this conversation, the less I'll talk about something else, possibly, and I might even skip stories altogether. So who wow. knows? Wow, yeah. what it, a generous man! It's 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 the uh, when I look at my notes at the end of the night, it's like ah, this is the show that could have been, and like I, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I look at but, yeah, because like there there definitely like last week, I think there was like two or three stories that I left out on the episode I didn't even get to. Dude, last episode was so awesome! Like, Are just you, really, I, I, I'm glad I, to, I'm really glad to hear it. that. No, I really liked it. I think. I really appreciated like the really in-depth Captain Marvel review. I was like, this is what I'm, I mean, obviously I'm here for the whole podcast, but I'm like, this is what I'm here for. And we're actually talking about it. You know what I mean? Like you guys analyzed it and broke it down. I was like, well, this is what I wanted to hear. I don't need to listen to other people talk about it because I got a whole in-depth breakdown. That's why I love when you guys always do the, like the Star Wars trailers and stuff like, or the Avengers trailers. Like you guys go in. And that's I'm like this is what I wanted to hear. That's and dude, I, well, that pop is always a blast. Well, I mean it's it's the first Captain Marvel trailer. It's like you know it's like I'm not gonna gloss over that shit, you know. And, yeah, and, we, and we've got I agree. we got super fan Ashley Derivator. Thank God, I'm so glad to have her back. She was fantastic last week, Jake. She was great. Yeah, she was fantastic. My God, so so good. I mean, it's honestly it's so weird because it's like we haven't had her on since episode 100. She comes back on, and Ashley's been listening ever since. She comes back on. It's like it's like we haven't talked to her in three years. It's just like talking to an old friend. It was crazy. She was just so good. Just a natural. Just a goddamn natural fin. Definitely. 100. <laughs> yeah. You are too. To listen to too. Like you just, guys just all bounced off each other so well. And we're all just sucking each other's cocks at this point. This is just like a, yeah, this is sickening. But anyway, well, now that I'm 18, I mean, oh wow, it's all it's, <laughs> it's, it's all legal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's take a quick break. We're gonna come back just like we broke down the Captain Marvel trailer last week. We're gonna break down this X Men Dark Phoenix trailer. Yes. We're also gonna rate it. Okay, I really want to talk about this, but yeah, we're gonna come back and talk about. It. It's actually not even titled. X-Men Dark Phoenix, guys. They dropped X-Men. It's titled Dark Phoenix, people. We're going to be talking Yay. about... Yeah. They're going there. We're talking about Dark yeah. Phoenix, so we'll be back in just a minute or so. All right. Hey, we are back, and it is now time for Marvel News. Marvel News. All right, yeah, Marvel News this week. We're going to start off with uh, talking about the uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix trailer. Now it's it's just Dark Phoenix. It's not even X-Men anymore. It's crazy. Yeah, they circle the X, though, just in case you're confused. Exactly. So. <laughs> this is actually, it's different than the trailer that was shown at the Russian Fox meeting last week. There was a uh, cell phone uh, footage that uh, leaked, and I watched that trailer. This is different from that. Um, the uh, in this Dark Phoenix, it's uh, it's set ten years after Apocalypse, so this is in the '90s. Now the movie sees the X Men as national heroes in the 1990s, as they have taken their world-saving enterprise to outer space, 
But then a solar flare hits the X-Jet on one of their rescue missions, and we see the true potential of Gene's powers as the Phoenix become unlocked. Notice that the... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about... Uh, just a real quick quote here from Simon Kinberg. He talked to Empire about what happened to Gene in space, and he said, the question of Gene's relationship to her own powers becomes a big conflict for her throughout the film once she's transformed by something that happens up in space that has nothing to do with her childhood. It opens with a mission that takes them up into space that has consequences for Jean that ripple throughout the movie. Um, also, I wanted to point out real quick before I get your reactions to the trailers that this movie takes place in the 90s and that in less than 10 years from this timeline, Fassbender is supposed to look like Ian McKellen. <laughs> because that movie took place in the year 2000, as far as I know. You know, with, it was you know, a hard 10 years. It was a very rough, like, <laughs> like, 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 should there be like meth ads for like, uh, you know, Ian McKellen, Fassbender and McKellen Magneto? <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. Ju ju just one time and then just like show you the difference between Fassbender and Ian McKellen. That's hilarious. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. oh yeah, that, that hurts your brain to like kind of <laughs> to, that math to wrap your head around that. Uh, so yeah, I actually I want to start, Jake. I want to get your reaction first. Um, you know what? I it took me a while to watch this. I probably watched this a couple days after it it had first launched, and so I was kind of I couldn't avoid what the general reaction to it was, which which was not very good. It yeah. seemed like this was getting hated on all over the place, but. So I'm like, you know, maybe everyone's just hating on it because of the Disney Fox merger. That makes it easy to say, you know, fuck it. This doesn't matter. I, no matter what happens in this trailer or in this movie, at the end of the day, this isn't going to be canon anymore. So I, I fucking hate this before it comes out. I said, I'm going to watch this with an open mind. A good movie is a good movie. You know, fuck all the business side of it. And I got to tell you, I... Even with the open mind, this trailer didn't do much for me. I, I found it to be a rather dull trailer, honestly. Um, I don't know if the special effects aren't finished yet, if they're still tweaking like the action set pieces as far as the editing goes and anything. But, I mean, I, I, I always say I don't want to see everything in the trailer, but I'd like to see fucking something. And I felt this trailer really under-delivered showing me much of anything, honestly. And... If I go by this trailer, it looks like everyone's just going to be standing around for two hours in this movie. Like, it, I was shocked at how dull this trailer was. I feel like they have to know that they have to wow people with kind of the abysmal reaction from Apocalypse and well-deserved, too, that reaction. I, I'm just shocked that this is what they came out of the gates with and expected people to be flipping for it. Like, I, I'm going to toss this trailer. Maybe the movie will still be good. I'll still have an open mind that maybe they'll rise above Apocalypse and they'll deliver, you know, a good X-Men drama movie. But whew, if this trailer's any indication, this is going to be a big turd pile. All right, Finn, talk to me. You know, I I was thinking about it because I just rewatched it right during the break. And I was thinking, like, there's nothing that I hate. Like, I did not like anything in the trailer. Like, I did not dislike anything. But like Jake said, it was just boring. And it was, it was, I wasn't expecting very much, but it was just 
I liked a lot. I liked certain things about it, but there was just, I'll give it the lowest of taste. It's like, I liked certain things, but mostly it was just like Jake said, like there wasn't much to, I, there's no reason for me to be excited about this movie. Like, yeah, where, where's the two second GIF from this trailer? Yeah. Like nowhere, right? No, I see the what? Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, there's no uh, Captain Marvel punching an old lady in the face kind of moment. Exactly. Yeah, there's no, like, wow moments, but there were certain qualities of it that I liked enough to push it over the tossed edge and get it to the low taste it. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. Fuck. Um, I uh, I like this trailer a lot more than you guys, I'll tell you that much. Um, I didn't expect that I would like it, but the more that I watched it and the... Um, the more excited I got about this, I, I, it's Simon Kinberg directing and I was not expecting it to look so good. I thought it looked a lot better and a lot more promising than I thought. I, I, I don't know what Simon Kinberg, this movie could be a toss it to be quite honest with you. But as far as like my excitement level from like what I saw here and like what it gave me, I'm actually going to give it a high taste that I, I know you guys think I'm fucking crazy right now. And I know a lot of our listeners probably think that I'm crazy. But um, I actually really kind of got excited about this because we have, uh, and I'll explain it and we'll break it down, but it's basically we've got something with Charles doing something to Jean here in her past with her mind to, to kind of um, uh, not really... I don't he he's do he's done something with her mind and we don't know what he's done to make her not be um the threat that he thinks that she could be and uh we've got uh the we've got we've got a rift between the X-Men. It, it basically this this whole thing is going to split the X-Men in two. We're going to have the new brotherhood of evil mutants if that's what you want to call them and it looks like beast sides with them and we've got magneto leading that up we had a really cool scene in my opinion of you know uh gene gray looking for help and she's not going to charles she's going to magneto and she wants to know like you know she, she wants to know what she should do and um beast is hank mccoy is uh really fucking down on Charles Xavier at this point. It makes this this movie, it makes it feel like Charles is going to be the villain in this in some respects Ooh. watching this trailer, which which kind of like made me really kind of excited for like this X-Men movie. And I'll be honest with you, we don't know who Jessica Chastain is playing in this movie. And I want to know. We know that she's a shapeshifter. And so... And we know that there's been rumors of scrolls in this movie. I'm just as intrigued as who Jessica Chastain is playing. People are going to think I'm crazy. I don't give a fuck. That's I'm just I got to be me and I got to tell you what I think. I am just as intrigued as who Jessica Chastain is playing in this movie as I am who Jude Law actually is in the Captain Marvel movie. So I my excitement level for this movie is it's a high tasted. It's not quite a Tupperware. But man, I, I thought the, I, I thought it looked really, really good. And, um, it had enough mystery and intrigue in it for me to, 
to hope that it's going to be a good palate cleanser for what we got and a and a good final movie for like this singer verse that we've gotten. I, I hope it's good. I, I really am because Apocalypse was terrible in my opinion. You, you you came off of Days of Future Past, which really featured uh Wolverine and and uh, I thought it was really great. I thought Days of Future Past was just a masterpiece. It was so good. And then then we get Apocalypse, which was just terrible. And then I, I watched this trailer and you know, I know a lot of people are complaining about the look of the suits and stuff like that, but man, I I'm really looking forward to this one. I I have a lot of hope for it after seeing this trailer and I want to break it down. Um but uh you guys think I'm crazy? Jake, like be honest with me. Like just say, Hey, what the fuck did you see in this trailer, Brian? I mean I don't think you're crazy, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know what you saw that gave you so much hope, honestly. I mean, I definitely, I guess my good takeaways from this was it did look like they were taking the material seriously. It didn't mm-hmm. look silly. It did look like it was actually trying to be somewhat of a heavy drama. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm still just so shunted mm. from Apocalypse and yeah. just the lack of any really wow moments of this trailer just really just made me shrug my shoulders. I just don't really care. Like I also didn't get the sense that they're billing this as like, even though it probably will be the final singer vs. X-Men movie. I feel like after all these movies and all these years, we're not really going to get a proper ending to the whole thing. And that's kind of disheartening too. Well, and then we've got Simon Kinberg, who's the director, but he's also the writer on this one. He's a writer involved in this, but he was also a writer in X-Men, the last stand, which they also handled. They handled the Dark Phoenix storyline in that film, too. So it's it's concerning. I get it. But I didn't expect this movie to look – I thought I thought it, I thought it was shot well. I thought – man, I was – I don't know. I was impressed. I was more impressed than I thought I would be. And it was hard for me to get on here and, and not just be like, you know, oh, yeah, it's a low taste it or a toss it because I know everybody's going to think I'm fucking insane and out of my mind. But it actually looked like it could be they could pull off something here. But anyway, let's break down the trailer. Yeah. D- mm-hmm. As we break down the trailer, we'll we'll talk about it more and um, I'll, I'll get your guys thoughts here. But the trailer starts with a flashback and um, we see that uh, Xavier has a full head of hair. And he looks very young and, um, he reassures Jean of her self-worth and, uh, basically it's, it's when she kind of like questions if like he can fix her, you know, and that's, that's alluded to, that's talked about in the trailer, if he can fix her. Um, we see Jean, she's, uh, sitting by herself with, uh, Xavier, um, we hear a voiceover and he says, the mind is a fragile thing. Takes only the slightest tap to tip it in the wrong direction. Then the camera then zooms in on Jean's face as a child before it cuts to a more tortured looking version of her. And she's now a young adult, uh, as Sophie Turner as the character. And then we see her being examined by Dr. Uh, Hank McCoy, Nicholas Holt playing the Beast. Um, and then we hear Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique say, Charles, what did you do? And then we see Professor X enter Cerebro. We don't know what he's done to like keep Gene stable all these years. 
But whatever he's done, I don't think it's going to work out. It's probably going to make things worse in the end. And we see a little, we see a lot of shit go crazy in this trailer with Gene. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. Um, and I think it's crazy too that Xavier says that the slightest tap could tip it in the wrong direction. And then we get this shot of Jean Grey as a child in the trailer and she taps her toes together on like a, it looks like a family trip or something like that. They're in the car and her family's car changes trajectory as soon as she taps her toes together, moves in front of another like it, like a truck and then just crashes. And it looks like that's probably like where her parents are killed at that point. And so, yeah, I gathered that too. Is that when, is that when after this accident, is that when Xavier becomes, see, I have to go back and watch Apocalypse again with like the first introduction. I'm sorry. Exactly. I haven't watched Apocalypse probably since like I watched it the two times in its theatrical run. I haven't watched it at home, but it's like after this accident happens, do you think like that's when like Xavier finds out about her abilities and like, through Cerebro, and that's when she joins the the school? I would say that's correct, that he probably saves her from some kind of, like, you know, obviously she's not going to be tried as an adult or possibly even blamed for her parents' death, but yeah. Xavier probably goes and scoops her away from whatever, you know, mm-hmm. boarding home, orphanage kind of scenario might be waiting for her. Uh, Mystique in the trailer, she is 100% against what Charles has done to Jean mentally as far as like handling her powers. So whatever, whatever he's done, however he's suppressing her powers through his mental ability, Mystique is 100% against. I think it's going to come back to bite him and... We see Jean, she ends up in, later on in the trailer, we see her, and I think because of that, this is what happens. Jean ends up at, at this settlement, searching for answers about her powers, and who is at the settlement? Magneto, played by Michael Fassbender. So she's talking to Magneto. It's, she's not talking to Charles. She, there's this, there's this distrust. I, I think that Jean knows that Charles did something to her as a child. We, we've seen in the trailer like her, like laying down and they've got, it looks like, like they put her under some sort of experiment. Like they, I don't know. It's, it's pretty bizarre. I, I think that Charles has been doing something to her mentally over the years to kind of like suppress her powers and suppress her memories and things like that. Cause he's scared of her. And I think that that, plays a part in him possibly being a villain and we might actually see like in all these other movies like Magneto being the villain but thinking he's right I think that this might be the opposite where I think Magneto might be right in doing what he's doing and Charles is the one who's wrong here and I think that that could be very cool that kind of got me excited I don't know if that's the way it's going to go or how I read the trailer if I'm reading it wrong but I feel like Charles is kind of like, in a way, the villain here, and he's setting it up to where, like, Jessica Chastain's character, who we see as this shapeshifter, who we think could be a scroll, when she interacts with Gene, she could have some big-time influence over, like, some of the decisions that Gene's making here in this film. And she says... Yeah. 
she oh, says, sorry, Brian. Well, real quick, and I'll get your thoughts. When Jessica Chastain sits down with her, I think in like uh, it's like a it's a, in a church or something, and she says, she's like, "You don't belong here. None of these X Men are going to understand what you're going through. Nobody's going to understand you. You're different." And I think like that could be the catalyst for like Jean unlocking her Phoenix powers. Yeah, I like what you're saying a lot, Brian. Um, I like the idea of uh, Professor X's like kind of not really using his powers in the most like just noble way is kind of the cause for her potentially losing her shit later on in life. Yeah. And um, man, I kind of like the idea of Professor X maybe potentially being the one to bring the whole Singerverse to an end. Yeah. Like if they had their druthers about them and could give this thing kind of a proper ending man it would be cool to see uh xavier go full onslaught and just fucking uh put this whole singer universe in the fucking bubble right yeah wow onslaught that'd be that'd be sweet yeah i don't know it's for me it was just like you know we've seen all these movies like oh, okay you know you've got magneto he's like this devout mutant who he will sacrifice humanity for the greater of mutant kind. And in this movie, it feels like Charles is, he sees something in Gene that he's scared of. And for years, he's been suppressing that. And he thinks that he's the right one in doing this. And you've got Mystique, who's had like this close relationship with both you know, Charles and Magneto. And it seems like she's kind of siding with not, not siding with Magneto, but basically she knows something's wrong with Charles. I don't know. I don't think she's going to join the brotherhood of evil mutants here. And I'll, I'll get to that here in a moment. We see a funeral scene. I think we're seeing a funeral for mystique, but anyway, oh, yeah, but anyway, because she's not in that scene, we don't see her in that scene, and we don't see her in a lot of this trailer. I think that I think that she'll end up dying because of this. But um, we do see like uh, uh, the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants here, and I think like I feel like in this one they're they're actually kind of going to be the heroes going forward in this one. I think I think Charles is in the wrong here. So that has me really excited. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it wrong and my, my excitement is for not. But like that's how I'm, that's how I'm reading it and that's what makes this movie feel different from other X-Men films. I feel like we've seen both sides of the fences and like Magneto has been on the extremist side of the fence and I feel like now Magneto's actually on the right side of the fence. And it's Charles who's the bad guy, which is crazy. And Charles doesn't see it that way. And so, man, that has me. Man, if we if that's the movie that we get here, Jake, I think that 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 Kinberg may have written a good movie here. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that that, that would be better than it's the seventh time Magneto has flipped yes. from being yes. the good guy to the bad guy. Or the I'm bad done guy with that. We've talked about that. We're done with that. We're done with that. And it's like, I want something different here. And I feel like this might be it. Maybe, you know, like maybe Kinberg watched McAvoy's uh, uh, performance in Split and was like, man, you make a really good bad guy. Why have we not done that in an X-Men movie? You know what? This is the last time we're going to be able to have the chance to do this. 
with this universe. Let's go all out. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. And it's not like it's like out of the realm of possibility for comic books that Charles has ever been painted as the villain. Sure. Like it's not like this is a brand new idea. And I think they could do it really well. And especially how you said it's like the last chance they have. Like wrap it up. Like let's end yeah. it on a – you know what I mean? Like you can kind of choose sides almost. Like you can decide for yourself if you think it's like morally wrong or whatever. I like that idea. Well, Xavier in the trailer says she's changing and he's referring to – he's referring to Jean – and I think Mystique is scared of like what she's going to turn into. And I think she's actually scared of like the fact that it's Xavier that might be the catalyst of like what she's actually changing into. Um, we see the X-Men costumes in the trailer and uh, a lot of people didn't like them. Some people compared them to the X-Men, the animated series costumes. I don't see that at all. Yeah, I don't either. It looks to me like a continuation of kind of the style they were going with in uh, previous, like uh, going back to first class. Um, yeah, especially I, first class. Yeah, first yeah. Class. I, I don't have any problem with the the costuming at all. Honestly, I actually really like the costuming. Yeah. Um, Magneto's talking to Jean, and Jean, when she shows up at the settlement to talk to Magneto, uh, he tells her that she didn't come there looking for answers, but she came there looking for permission. Which is like, she's looking for justification for what she feels like she's about to do. And she wants to get that justification from Magneto. And it, that's, and, and just, just by, just by Fassbender delivering that line as Magneto makes me think, think that's what made me think like he's going to be the good guy here. Because he's not just saying, yes, fuck up humankind. He's saying, it sounds like you're looking, you're not coming here for looking for answers, but you're looking for permission. And so, I don't know. That's when we get in all these different scenes of Jean fucking some shit up here. We see her using her telekinesis. She's flipping over police cars, stopping them in their tracks. It's basically like they are just like hitting these barricades, invisible barricades of her mind and just kind of like stopping in their tracks. She then uses it to down a helicopter and then we see her later and it seems like this is like post whatever she's done, whatever destruction she's caused. We see her sitting down in an alley and she's crying. She's not understanding why she's feeling this way. She's not understanding her powers. And it's Charles' fault. I think that it's Charles' fault. And we and we hear a voiceover in the trailer and, that says she's all pain, rage, and then um, Cyclops says that Jean has lost control, but she's still their friend. So yes, it sounds like she has caused some major destruction here. And it also sounds like this is the result of what Charles has done because we get Hank McCoy telling Charles that it's all his fault. And then we see yeah. – I don't know. This has me – I don't know, guys. It's like this has me excited because it's very subtle stuff here going on. This is just the first trailer, and I really had to read into a lot of this. And it's subtle stuff. But it has me really excited for like Charles being the Charles possibly being the villain here in this. I think it's a ballsy move by Kinberg, and um, I don't know. I 
am, am I sucking the dick of this trailer too much, Jake? Finn, what are you guys thinking? I mean, you didn't Tupperware it. I, I would, I would be like, what the fuck if you Tupperware it? I mean, you high tasted it. You, you basically have the attitude that I went into watching the trailer hoping yeah. to have. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So, I mean, I can't fault you for still coming out of the end. You came out of the tunnel still optimistic, unlike me. And, I mean, I can't fault you for that. I mean, I wish I was that person. I, I like sought to be that person when watching that trailer, but just couldn't even be devil's advocate to the uh, the masses that weren't really digging this. I, I, I unfortunately just fell right in with them. Yeah, this trailer was not full of like, you know, like – punching old women in the face and like, you know, a character going binary at the end of the trailer. Yeah. It's not splashy. Even, you know, that. Yes, it's not. I think it's like after watching it multiple, multiple times and like breaking it down and, and, um, even uh, what I'm going to talk about here next, we hear Charles say that the world is on the brink and that he's sorry. And then Magneto cuts him off and says, you're always sorry, Charles. And there's always a speech. Nobody cares. And I was like, fuck. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was one awesome. of the better moments of the trailer for sure. So good. Finn, am I nuts? No, I definitely – I can see a lot of your points and stuff. I think a lot of it, though, for me is it's just like I'll believe a lot of the stuff when I see it. Sure. You know what I mean? It's yes. like based off of this trailer from what I've seen – if the trailer didn't make me excited yeah. about seeing the movie, then it like it was a failure in my opinion. But I do agree there are certain things that I did like. I love the costumes. I loved all that stuff with Gene whenever it was all the police cars and yeah, the helicopter yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Um, I'm excited to see more Cyclops, like that kind of stuff. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope – is I, I cannot stand Jennifer Lawrence's mystique by, for at any amount. I hope she's not in it very much. But I'm in, I'm kind of feeling Michael Fassbender though. That whole um, no one cares line, like that, really kind of got me intrigued about yeah. seeing where they take his character in this yes. one. Like I'm excited to see kind of the because uh, I know I mean Magneto's not always the villain. Like he's even led the X Men at some point. Exactly. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and for for our listeners out there, like I'm not saying that uh, Jake and Finn are wrong in their ratings, like. That's what they got oh, no. out of this. And uh, honestly, if anybody is kind of like wishful thinking right here, it's it's 100% me, guys. I You can point those fingers at me. Um, I maybe because like a lot of my a lot of my thought and a lot of like my opinion coming out of this trailer could be 100% like my fabrication and what I'm hoping I'm seeing here. I will tell you though that I think the direction looks really good. There was some really good shot stuff in this trailer. Was it like the flashy stuff that we get in a Marvel trailer? No, but I I thought it was competent and I was I was impressed by Simon Kinberg as a first Simon Kinberg as a first time director here doing this. Um, we get see uh, we get to see a ton of uh, flashes. Uh, in the trailer here, we, we see Cyclops rub Jean's face, a very tender moment between those two. We see a funeral for someone. And um, in that funeral scene, we do know who's present in the scene and who's not going to die. We see Xavier. We see Hank McCoy. We see Storm, played by Alexander Ship. We see uh, Nightcrawler, played by Cody Smith-McPhee. Um, I think that we... 
I think that it's Mystique. I really think it's Mystique. Some people are saying it could be Gene. Gene in the comics comes back from the grave. I think it's Mystique. I think this is Jennifer Lawrence saying she's done. We didn't see a lot of her in this trailer. I think that there's got to be some consequences here for um, uh, what Charles has done. And I think in the end, I think Mystique is going to die here. And I, think, I hope so. I think that we saw too much of Magneto in this trailer for it to be him. So I'm. It's either going to be Mystique or Gene in this grave, and I think we're looking at a Mystique funeral here, guys. That's just my yeah, personal opinion. I would opinion. lean towards that too. If those are the three options, it's. I definitely completely agree with you. It's kind of shocking that they haven't killed her off yet. To be honest. Well, she had one more contract left, and we're talking about Jennifer Lawrence, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Use her for what you got, I guess. Exactly, exactly. Um, we see also in the trailer what looks like a division. This is where I'm talking about the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants making a resurgence here. We see a division between the X-Men here. Charles and Magneto are leading up their own separate teams. The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants looks to be made up of Magneto, Storm, Nightcrawler, Selene, which I'll talk about later, Beast, which makes sense because he's really anti-Xavier, this whole trailer, which I love that scene of Nicholas Holt telling him that it's his fault. And, um, and then, uh, and then Red Lotus, who I'll also talk about, uh, later, uh, in this discussion as well. Then we see Gene absorb fire. And then her face is starting to give off a glow from the Phoenix power. And um, the leak trailer was similar, but the close-up at the end of that was like a, a close-up of her eyes and her face lighting up with the Phoenix power. So the leak trailer that came out that was actually leaked on YouTube and Reddit it was dr- Fox removed it from YouTube really quick, but it was still on Reddit, mm-hmm. still on Reddit for a while. And all the dialogue was in, um, all the spoken speech was in, uh, uh, it was shot in between like theater chairs, Jake. So you could barely see the full screen at all. Yeah. I actually did, was able to sneak away and watch it after you sent it to me. And it yeah. was really hard to even decipher much of yeah. it, honestly. Yeah. It was hard and it was all in, spoken in Russian. So you know, unfortunately, I, I can't speak Russian. I don't. I haven't taken that uh, Rosetta Stone class, Matt. But uh, Russian's a hard language to learn, Jake. Yeah, I believe give it. it. Give it a few years. We'll get it down. All right. I, if you could, hey Finn, if you could learn any other language, like right now, if you could sit down in that chair with Morbius, and Morbius could upload any language, and you could like come out of the experience and say, "I know kung fu." What language would you want to learn right now? Hmm. I don't know, man. I think Spanish seems pretty helpful. Spanish seems pretty helpful. I tried to take two years of it in high school. Hated yeah. it. It was super hard and confusing, but I feel like if I could just know it and be fluent at it, I could go to Mexico. I could go anywhere and yeah. that has speak Spanish, and I could just know everything. I'd be like, oh, get me three bowls of your finest dish, and they'd be like, coming right up. There you go. And I get it right there. You mm-hmm. go you go, you go, go down to Mexico, and you're talking to the locals, and it's like, dude, 
you get instant respect because you're talking their dialect. You, you, you're fucking nailing it. You're rolling those R's like a motherfucker. So true. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. You know, Seriously, and it's also so practical. Like I think like that's the one I'm going to use the most. They're they're actually like looking at each other, confused because like this guy doesn't even sound like a goddamn tourist. What the hell is going on right now? I'm looking at this white kid. This 18 year old white kid is just talking my fucking language. It's crazy. So pale. So pale. Jake, what would you learn? What would you learn? You sit down on the chair, boom, you instantly know that language. Probably like, probably Japanese, so I could play a lot of the old like JPEGs oh. that we never got in America. Yeah, I would, it, for me, it would be Mandarin. It would be Mandarin, and I would just, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Never mind, I'm taking Jake's answer. That'd be so sick. Being able to watch anime without subtitles? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm yeah anime without subtitles, all the old JRPGs that everybody able to play, and uh, think I mean, about it. You know, a billion people speak like Mandarin, right? So I would, I would, yeah, for me, it would be Mandarin. Mandarin. Oh my gosh. Mandarin Chinese, yeah. and then. And then uh, from there, I'd probably learn Japanese and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't believe that's that. It was I, that was a real easy answer. Yeah. All right. Anyway, back to Dark Phoenix. <laughs> mm. um, so anyway, uh, there's the there's been the big scroll rumor, and this rumor is uh, we didn't see any uh, shape shifting or scrolls in this trailer, and I think they maybe they're saving that. Uh, but, uh, there was a scroll rumor that came out last year in October from Universo X-Men and they said the filming of Dark Phoenix, we talked about this when it actually happened, but I'll go over it again. The filming of X-Men Dark Phoenix has come to an end and very little information about the film has been released, which leaves the film wrapped in a series of questions and mysterious and mysteries about the details of the adaptation of the plot or new characters. But news uniquely obtained from a reliable Canadian source of the X-Men universe may shock fans, according to her scenes. So whoever the source is, I guess it's safe to assume she was an extra on the set. It was recorded to count on the presence of aliens, and they would be the Skrulls, the famous alien race of Marvel. One source confirmed several events of scenes of X-Men Apocalypse before it debuted, so we're taking this information very seriously. Check out the new information obtained. The scenes in question are in the UN building, which is hosting some discussion on the mutants with various groups of protests against and in favor of them. At the site, besides civilians, are Professor X, Magneto, Cyclops, and Jean Grey, who are surprised by the arrival of alien ships that start to attack. This sounds like third act shit going on here. This sounds like scrolls showing up in the third act, stuff that we haven't seen from the trailers. I don't know though. This there are pictures there were pictures released, Jake, um, of these of 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 the X Men at this like UN building, this this summit or whatever is going on. And um so I am curious here. We don't have one hundred percent confirmation that, you know, there are scrolls in this movie, but we do know e- Entertainment Weekly did say that Jessica Chastain's character is an alien that's a shapeshifter. I don't know what else it would yeah. be than a scroll. And we've heard lots of scroll talk, too. I, there was a, a while where we just assumed scrolls were going to be in both mm-hmm. movies, I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, uh, there was a replica of the UN building that was constructed. And it showed multiple flags from different nations out front. So this is actual scene that was filmed. We know that this is going to happen. Um, 
the source heard that in the scene recordings uh the actors wore motion capture co- uh, motion capture costumes which means that the alien race will be created by computer graphics cyclops and professor x face the aliens who proved to be strong bouncing bombs and announcing destruction so i don't know i mean, i know there was a lot of uh reshoots with this movie who knows but we do know that Jessica Chastain is playing an alien. That was confirmed by Entertainment Weekly. She's a shapeshifter. Uh, she is not Lilandra, the empress of the Shi'ar Empire. So it's not the Shi'ar Empire. We know that that is not true. And um, uh, Sophie Turner talked about Jessica Chastain's character that we saw in this trailer. She talked about her relationship with the character. She didn't give away anything as far as like who the character is, but she said, it's an interesting one and I don't want to spill too much about it, but it basically, but basically Jessica's character is very interested in this power that I've kind of acquired and this cosmic force that I have. And she kind of wants that force to use it for her own. She has her own intentions with it and she kind of wants to use that. And she nurtures me in a way to make me kind of trust her. So here we, here we are. We're basically, uh, Gene probably distrusts Charles because Charles has been fucking with her brain the entire time. She has a love connection. She's got her Chuck Woolery love connection with Cyclops because <laughs> we see the tender moment of Cyclops touching her face. So she's torn between her love for Cyclops. But on the flip side, now she's got this other character saying, like, none of them understand you. I understand your power blah bitty blah bitty blah and trying to manipulate that power for her own for her own good and for her own reasons so um yeah i mean uh i don't know guys i i I think a lot of like my excitement has kind of come down from like watching the trailer multiple times and kind of like pulling what i think i want and what i think i saw out of the trailer and what i hope i get in the movie so yes my high taste is 100% built on wishful fucking thinking. So I could be this, like when I watch the actual movie and it doesn't live up to my expectations and what I thought we were getting, it could totally tear down this entire fucking fabricated, like, uh, love that I, <laughs> that I have for this trailer. But I am going to go out on a limb and say, like, I think that a lot of the things that I say could come to fruition and that, and whatever, and all the things that I've mentioned that I think might happen from this trailer, if they do play out the way that I think they could play out, I'm very fucking excited for this movie, and I think it would be a nice send off for the franchise. I don't know how it'll end, but everything I've seen here, I think it could be a nice send off for the franchise. But I, they gotta give Sophie Turner a little bit more to do. All we saw her do yeah. was like angry shit and look confused. So we get, they gotta mm-hmm. give her, they gotta give Sophie Turner more to do. But I'm excited. I am excited. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, much like Logan, I, I completely agree. It would be nice if they could give X Men the proper send off after um, what the last movie was. You yeah, should. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh shit! I t- I promised to talk about. Um, uh, the new characters, Red Lotus and Celine. And, uh, we actually didn't see them in the trailer too much, but we got our first look at the actors, Andrew Stellan and Coda Eberhardt. They play Red Lotus and Celine, and they showed them in two new photos that were released by IGN. In the comics, Red Lotus is the alias of Paul Hark, who is the heir to a triad. 
and a dangerous and skilled martial artist. The actor Andrew Stellan has a background in stunts, so he's going to be showing off some uh, probably some incredible martial arts moves here as Red Lotus. Uh, Celine is a mutant in the comics who gained immortality by draining the life force of others. Do you think that Celine might be used to subdue um, Jean as the Phoenix and try to drain her her powers as the Phoenix? It probably will kill Celine. I don't know. I don't know how how can trying to drain the powers of a phoenix i don't see that turning out i mean even for like rogue if you know rogue had that kind of same ability here i i don't know if rogue could even take that kind of power on hmm. yeah that's interesting i'm not familiar with those characters really from I, um the comic side of things honestly. i'm not either i'm not i had to look them up so i i did i wasn't familiar with them either so yeah hmm. so yeah i don't not really sure what kind of direction, at least from a comic book standpoint, they're going to go with that. And I'm not really familiar really too much with the actors, to be honest with you. Either. Yeah, well, the the one actor just comes from a stunt background. So it it sounds like that actor is not going to do a lot of talking. It sounds like more of kind of like a Ray Park, you know, Darth Maul guy that shows up and does some cool shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that could work. It definitely needs – there needs to be some cool shit happening. I see a big lack of that so far. I know you do. I know you do. For me, it's all subtle. It's all subtle trying to read into shit. <laughs> so I get it, Jake. I, I want to, I get it, man. I totally get it. After the first time I watched this trailer, I was just kind of like, yeah. I, after I watched it multiple times, I, I, I watched it the one time I left it for a while, came back a few hours, watched it again, watched it again, watched it again, doing the trailer breakdown. And the more I watched it, the more I got out of it, the more excited I got about it. So, um, and I think a lot of it could be just like me building it up and, and fabrication and it not actually panning out to be what I want it to be. Um, Dark Phoenix has moved its release date. This comes from Screen Rant. As of today, Fox has officially moved Alita Battle Angel from December 21st, 2018 to Dark Phoenix's most recent launch date of February 14th, 2019. Dark Phoenix will instead open in theaters four months later on June 7th, with Gambit now delayed until March 13th, 2020. However, perhaps the most surprising Fox-related news of the day is that Alita's old spot has been filmed, has been filled by a PG-13 theatrical cut of, of the sequel Deadpool 2. So let's let's talk about this. This is crazy. Alita Battle Angel gets moved from December 21st to February. Number one, I think that that shows us that Alita Battle Angel is going to be a pile of shit because December 21st, 2018 is a great date. February is where you move garbage. Um, I, I, typically. I don't know. No, I know. I know. I know. So I, Jake, in December. I know that February was fucking Deadpool month and it fucking killed. But it's just, it's bizarre to me that you're moving Alita Battle. If you had fucking, if you had the trust of Alita Battle Angel and you think it's a great movie, do you think that they're worried about the competition in December? Yes. Yes, 100%. And that That's it would get buried. So they think it's going to get buried and it's got a better chance in February. Yeah, I mean, the same people that are going to go see that movie are a lot of the same people. Not the exact same audience, but definitely some 
that's going to see the Spider-Man animated. That's going to see Bumblebee. There's Aquaman. definitely some crossover there. Aquaman. Aquaman too. I mean, it's a few weeks before, right? Okay. Okay. So I, I, I definitely think that this is a competition move. Um, I like. Hey, give him hey, the benefit of the doubt. I fucking. And- I, I liked the trailer for Alita. I did. I ju- I liked it. I know a lot of people didn't. I thought it looked fun. I thought it looked like a, it, ha- it. It looked promising. It looked more promising than the Mortal Engines, the new Peter Jackson movie. Yeah, and I love Robert Rodriguez. I think he's a comparable. I I think he's a good enough director that this isn't going to be just total steaming garbage. Yeah. Um, I just really think this was just a competition financial move i this doesn't scare me and make me think that it's a big steaming pile of crap just yet. all right do you think that they moved dark phoenix because this trailer release do you think that they've screened an early version of this movie pre-reshoots before it gets locked and do you think that the fox executives have enough uh belief that simon kimberg is going to give us a great movie here that they're going to push it uh to june 7th a month Wait, hold on. Yes, a month, maybe a month and a week, maybe five weeks out from fucking Infinity War 2. Do you think that they feel like this is a confident movie that they that they trust is going to be a good movie? Um, no, probably not. Um, I feel like – and even moving these pieces around probably has a lot to do with just the books and the quarters, right? Just making sure each quarter before the whole merger happens that they're still pulling in a little bit of money, right? It's probably a little bit – they're not going to be making any new movies or greenlighting any new movies anytime soon. So I think they're kind of positioning the pieces they have left to do the most benefit financially for them. Uh what I mean, we got to know like what's what's the fiscal year for Fox? You know, is it like you know October is usually when most of them end. Okay, so yeah, that, and that, the, the, I, I think I think there's a, there's kind of some behind the scenes stuff involving that that's happening most of all here. Um, and I'm not trying to protect Dark Phoenix by any means by saying this kind of thing, but. I really do think like they're trying to get their last big property movies. I mean, to me, that even explains the plugging in. The I wouldn't be surprised if the Deadpool PG thirteen move was a lot to do with that too. Like not having anything to put out in place, they just decided to do that just to not have nothing, not to have zero returns. You know? Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know, uh, Finn. You got any thoughts on this, Chief? I don't know. I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing how they wrap it everything up. Like I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm just I'm not I'm I'm just as excited as I was before I saw the trailer and I'm not I'm just not I'm not I have no real hopes for this movie but I'm excited to see how it ends. If that makes sense. Not even after like uh, Ready Player 1 with our uh with our uh Oh, I love him as Cyclops. Sure. I think he's awesome. Like okay. that was one of the parts I did like in Apocalypse. And I think he's going to be great. I haven't seen anything of him from this trailer. Yeah. And I didn't mind her as Jean Grey. I love Charles Xavier and Michael Fassbender. Yeah. I just feel like I was burned on the last one, so it's hard for me to have hope for this one. I don't think that this – okay. I I don't think this is the trailer that they should have released. I think they should have released something a little bit more – I don't know. Something with with a little bit more action to get us excited. I don't think this is the perfect trailer that that they could have released – um, it's just for me, it's the reading into it as far as like Charles being the possible kind of like catalyst, the villain for Gene becoming like the worst version of the Phoenix that we're, that we're going to see here that has me kind of excited. And I am excited for, you know, 
And it, you know, they didn't, they don't, they, they didn't do anything to excite me for seeing like Cody Smith McPhee come back as like Nightcrawler or Alexander Ship play Storm. And I think they're kind of missing the boat on those characters too. You know, I don't, is it becoming too muddled with those characters? Or are they just, it feels like they're just side dressing, which is sad because it, it, we're talking about Storm and fucking Nightcrawler. Seriously. Isn't that weird, Jake? Yeah, it is weird. It did feel like, especially in this trailer, Storm really felt like side dressing. Yeah, and you've got Alexander Ship saying like, "Oh, I'd love to be, I'd love to have a solo Storm movie." It's like, well, you're really doing nothing to kind of like showcase like why the fuck we would ever want a solo Storm movie. And I'm not blaming the actor. I'm actually just blaming kind of like the marketing and like what they've given her in these films. Yeah, seriously, I think she had one shot in the whole trailer, and it was a side profile of her face. I'm pretty sure that's all she got. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, the gambit here in a second, but first I want to talk about this PG-13 theatrical. We're done with Dark Phoenix, guys. I'm sorry that I had to put you through that. (laughs) I know I was the only one who was kind of, like, excited about that, but I think that you guys were kind of – you guys were – you definitely were, like – it's not like you weren't not involved in the discussion. It's just that – I, you know, I tried my best to get you excited for the movie, and I failed miserably. No, 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 you're good. Like, it was, you're the one who's passionate about it. You're the one who's excited. So I, we kind of let you take the reins with it. But it's like, I'm going to see this movie in theaters, and I am intrigued, if that makes sense. It just, the trailer didn't do anything to help with either of that. Yeah, it's not the best trailer. It's not the best trailer. It really isn't. I'll agree. Like, but... What I got, I don't know. I really had to, maybe it feels like I really had to like dig and like, I was fucking, I was like, I was like Indiana Jones, the archaeologist and digging. And I was like, yeah, all right, I found something cool here. So that's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe what I found was fucking worthless. I'll take it to Antiques Roadshow and they'll be like, ah, that's a knockoff. It's bullshit. So we'll find out. Um, Gambit, we're going to talk about that here in a second, but I want to talk about the PG-13 theatrical cut of Deadpool 2. This news came from Screen Rant. They said, uh, they go on to say, according to the deadline, the movie will be PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 and not an entirely new movie. Not only is the language and violence sure to be turned down or censored, but a narrative change appears to be in the works too. Ryan Reynolds shared the following tease, which signals a riff on the Princess Bride's bedside story narrative flow, especially with Fred Savage back in the recreated set from the movie. I uh, posted this picture on our Pop Culture Leftovers Facebook page. If you haven't joined that, you're a piece of shit. Join us. <laughs> Um, but join, yeah, join our Pop Culture Leftovers Facebook page. I share a lot of pictures and stuff as soon as I see it, and I try to keep people, like, in the know when this shit comes out. But anyway, the picture, it was an adult Fred Savage, uh, now in his 40s, and he's in the bed, same bedroom, and he's being told a bedtime story by Deadpool, just like the Princess Bride, and, um... I, is this the angle that they're going to go with it? Are they going to do a PG-13 Deadpool with, like, cutaway scenes of Fred Savage in his 40s in bed being told this story of Deadpool 2 by Ryan Reynolds? I mean, very possibly, right? I definitely see them being cheeky with the whole PG-13 thing, right? And meta and acknowledging kind of the, the weirdness of it all. And that 
that's kind of a perfect way to to do that and acknowledge that. So I like it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. even in the picture, you had Ryan Reynolds with this movie being released in December. You had him like as Deadpool wearing a Santa hat on. So I was like, yeah, okay. I see it. I see. It's a good way to make, I don't know. It's a good way to make uh, the movie some extra money. I'll see it. I'll be there. I'll be there day one. I got to watch it. Yeah, I definitely, it's, I definitely am curious to check it out and see like what kind of editing job they they do to pull this off. Is this in response? I want to get you and Finn's answer to this. Is this in response to Deadpool joining Marvel Studios within the next year and a half and them kind of like seeing if they can do a Deadpool. Are they showing? I don't know if they're using this as an experiment to show Marvel that they can do a PG-13 Deadpool. But are they... Is this it somewhat... Could be. It, I mean, I don't think so, but I, it could be part of it. You know, it could be kind of a happy accident or a litmus test for that per se just since they're doing it, they might as well see, you know? I don't mm-hmm. think that's the genesis of this, though, no. Yeah, um, I agree with Jake that I don't think that this was their original intent, but now that... I mean, I bet you that they had this kind of in plan before the whole... or during the whole Fox merger stuff, but now that that all stuff is confirmed to be happening, I think this is a really good opportunity for them to be able to say, like, hey, Deadpool can fit in the Avengers, and it would be good. So I think that this is like a... Mm. No, this wasn't the original idea, but now yeah. that we're doing it, let's push for that. Yes, Ben, I am... Finn, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I think that Ryan Reynolds and, and Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick probably had a funny, funny idea of like, hey, what if we did like this Princess Bride version, um, and did it as a PG-13 coming around Christmas, family time. It's all about families. I think it just happens to be on, honestly like, kind of like a happy accident too with the whole Marvel thing. I think it has a little bit to do with it. I'm not saying it's the whole, thing but i think it does mm-hmm. ha- i think it has a little bit to do with it i think it does um you know i deadpool brian reynolds Rhett reese paul Wernick, they're very aware that marvel studios and disney are going to be control of this whole thing very shortly they're very they know that it's going to happen i hope that i do hope that they use this movie in a way they want it to be successful. I get that. But I do hope that they, in a way, use it to kind of get the point across that Deadpool should remain rated R. I hope they do this in a fun way, but, you know, to where, I don't know. It's it's weird because they don't want to do it in a way to like, oh, we're just going to make a Deadpool movie that's PG-13 that really sucks. <laughs> just to prove to Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios that you can't do that as PG thirteen. Like that's yeah, a I feel like that would, hmm. yeah, that's a dumb kind of like way to go about this. But <laughs> I hope that they can kind of skillfully and tactfully make a great PG thirteen version of this movie that's fun that people go out and see. But on the flip side, flip side kind of shows Marvel Studios that yeah. This is a fun gimmick to do, but in order to give us a true Deadpool movie, you have to continue with the way that we've been doing it. And, and, and for this, for like whatever they show us here, it can be like a fun experiment. Like, yeah, this would, this would be Deadpool 
And the the only reason that this movie works now is because of like the meta influence of it and like the way that Ryan Reynolds is telling the story as a PG thirteen story in the fourth wall breaking meta way, Princess Bride way that he's doing it. But if you did just a standard PG thirteen Deadpool movie, it wouldn't work. I know that's a that's a really hard kind of like thing to do. But I hope that they that they're able to pull that off. So not only is this like a fun kind of like experiment and a fun watch and a fun rewatch of a movie that we've already fucking seen, but I also hope that it kind of like shows like Marvel Studios that yeah, Deadpool's kind of like made for rated R. Like the way they've set it up with the first two movies, like yeah, you kind of got to continue with this. Like they've made it work, and like let's not if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, seriously. Did I break you, Jake? No, no. Sorry, you did not break me. Uh, you doing all right over there, buddy? No, I'm. I'm just thinking about the Deadpool thing. I, it's just. It's really weird. I honestly, just other than the finances, I don't know. It, it just seems completely against the entire mission statement that this entire franchise began on in the first place. Like I, I would really, I'm very curious to what the actual purpose and significance of this is. Like a- adding the idea of the Marvel litmus test and the Disney litmus test is interesting, but I, I just really don't buy that, and it's just, it's just so weird, very weird. Like, is it mm-hmm. just making more bucks? Is that all this is? And if that's the not. case, that's it's like I said, that's so against the original like mission statement of this whole franchise in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of gr- kind of gross. <laughs> wow, it went from like, "What's this all about?" to like, "This is gross." Yeah, I, I mean, if it's just a big money grab, last minute money grab, then it's like, eh, I won't be there opening night if that's what we find out between now and then. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I, the jury's out when it comes to like where I stand on this. I, I think that uh, if they can, you know. If you could, if you could do this, if I get, if I get a PG-13 version of Deadpool where they can, uh, they can pull this off with, uh, you know, squeaky clean humor, but we've got Deadpool kind of like talking to an adult Fred Savage in the bed, like, uh, like, a like a Princess Bride kind of story. That's, I, I don't know. I, there's something about, I think they kind of see like how people are, We've seen a lot of like the the resurgence of like old shows and like old stuff. Like '80s stuff is like huge right now. Everybody's doing like the '80s thing, and everybody's doing like Murphy Brown fucking came back. Full House came back on Netflix. Uh, fucking uh, you know, even like the Roseanne show came back, and now it's coming back as the Connors. And maybe they're just trying their hand at this and seeing like, yeah, what if we what if we did like this '80s thing? And, um, they just had like this fun idea. They just wanted to do something fun over the holidays. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think it's, I, I wouldn't classify it as, as disgusting. Is that what you said? You, did you classify it as disgusting? Gross. Gross. That's the word I use. Gross. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it in that classification yet. Gross. I'll, I will wait to see like that first trailer before I, come out and say yes this gets the gross stamp i 100 percent. well I, I i haven't labeled it gross yet either I, I mean if you listen to the context i'm saying if it was a big if it yeah was, if, if it's a money grab out, if it's a money grab it's gross right yeah i agree yeah yeah and i yeah. agree with that too 
like it's ruining the whole integrity of the whole point of the first one almost i feel like yeah, this it, exactly. makes sense yeah i don't know it feels like if, if rhett reese and paul wernick got together with ryan reynolds and they thought this would be kind of fun thing and they presented it to fox and uh they did that i think that's fine but if like fox came to them and said hey let's make a shit fuck ton of money and <laughs> I, you know then i'd be like whoa this is bullshit Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I that, that's it. just my only fear. I hope that that's not the case. I get it. No, I get it. I get it. Um, I just hope that Ryan Reynolds thought that he had something really clever and fun here that would that people would like. Daily Spider Man posted a picture of Spider Man from the har- uh, Far From Home set. <laughs> What, what, what are you giggling about over there? Just before the last words, it was <laughs> Daily Spider-Man presented a picture of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. That's a, what, what do you expect them to post a picture of, huh? <laughs> I know. Breaking news, Batman has just been posted by Daily Spider-Man. <laughs> Daily Spider-Man posted a picture of Miley Cyrus, and it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. It just gave me a bit of the giggles until the Far From Home part came out. <laughs> yeah, they uh, posted a picture of Spider-Man from the uh, Far From Home set. And uh, Spider-Man's on a Ferris wheel wearing a new costume. It's all black. Sources are telling them that this is not the symbiote suit, though. So most people are now speculating that this is the Spider-Man stealth suit. And uh, the stealth suit, uh, this was set of Screen Rant. The stealth suit has precedent in the Marvel comics, but it's unclear how closely the suit sticks to the source material. Peter created this suit in the comics to help fight Hobgoblin as it could be used to combat his sonic weapons. The suit did much more than that, just that, as it could wrap light around the suit to make it invisible. Peter appears to be using the suit to possibly spy on someone at a fair, judging by the Ferris wheel he's perched on. Um, so here's the thing. Finn, right before the episode started, you sent some pictures of Jake Gyllenhaal on set. And do you want to describe these pictures? Yes, I would love to. So I was on Instagram and I found in the right before the episode started, I saw a bunch of people posting these and I found them online too. Um, there are two pictures that I found originally and then there's another one. There's a bunch more that came while we were doing the episode. Uh, it's there's one up. It's like from an upward angle facing down on him, and it looks like he's in his Mysterio suit. He has like a big reddish looking cape. It looks like it's like some type of like magenta burgundy type color with the two little like the two big like things at the bottom of the um, front of the cape on his chest to kind of like hold it there. And then there's another one where it looks like he has a lot of like light up purple stuff all on his suit, which is kind of weird for Mysterio, but it looks cool. And you see he has a big cape. And then actually, uh, during the episode, there were some more pictures that got released, if I can find them. And um, they had it had him with his helmet on. And it was, like, black and had, like, some purple glowy lights on it. And it looks really cool. I'm really excited because I love Mysterio. I'm excited to see his big cape. I kind of wish we were getting the fishbowl helmet. Actually, I really wish we were getting the fishbowl helmet. But, I mean, the helmet looks cool. Like, the cape looks awesome. Yeah, I'm not surprised we're not getting the helmet when you cast, like, Jake Gyllenhaal in the role, right? Oh, such a bummer, though. Oh, man. It's just so iconic that it's like, you know, it's it's almost like, I don't know. I, I re- It looks cool. I love Jake Gyllenhaal, and it looks really cool. I'm just saying that kind of the fanboy me wishes that we got the, the fishbowl. I love the look of the dome. Yeah, we should have. I don't, man. It, 
I wish that they would. There's going to be some Easter egg to it, right? Yeah, that, that, but yeah, that an Easter egg is bullshit when it comes to Mysterio, right? I mean, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. I just that's what I. It's like, are we going to get this thing with Scorpion? Like, oh, we see Matt Gargan with a Scorpion tattoo on his neck. Like, come on, I want to see. I and this might just me being selfish, but I if I'm seeing Mysterio for the first time on his on-screen debut, I want to see that man with at least like a clear bulb. It was like a black helmet with some purple yeah. lights. No, dude. I mean, it, if we're watching fucking Amazing Spider-Man 2, I don't want to see fucking uh, you know, uh Paul Giamatti in a Transformers rhino suit. You know, I want to see <laughs> yep. I want to I want to see a fucking uh a grown man in a silly fucking rhino suit, like a, a literal rhino suit. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and like, or even just do it like how the Spider-Man PS4 game did it. If you see Rhino, it's like him in a suit, but there's a lot of like mechanical stuff going on around it. Like yeah. this, it can't. It, you don't obviously have to put a giant dome around his head, but at least give him something that resembles it a little bit more. Like this, he looks like he looks like a character from Tron with a cape. Jake, like the legacy. Jake, if we got if if Jake Gyllenhaal, if if God damn it, it's because. Is it because you cast Jake Gyllenhaal here? The thing is, it's like, we got a Dread movie where Carl Urban's like, you know what, fuck it. Yeah, I'm a beautiful fucking specimen of a human being, but throw this fucking helmet on me the entire movie. You're not going to... We did not see Carl Urban's face. Jake, think about that. Think about that. You watch Dread. You do not see Carl Urban's beautiful, angelic face that entire movie. Like, and he has a chiseled fucking Hollywood fucking face. Like, he should show up on, like, People's, you know, like, Sexiest People magazine, right? Like, here we are. Oh, Carl Urban's hot this year. He did not, we didn't see his face that entire fucking movie in Dread. Not once. And here we are, we yeah. get Jake Gyllenhaal in a Spider-Man movie. And I think, like, the, I, honestly, Jake, I think the coolest thing would be if we got Jake Gyllenhaal doing a uh, a voice here. This is where, you know, a lot of people piss and moan about Tom Hardy. But Tom Hardy is Bane. Like, yeah, there's really not a lot of Tom Hardy. You can't really see Tom Hardy, his face, like Tom Hardy in that role. He just does a silly voice and shit. But, you know, that's the one thing about Tom Hardy is, like, you know, he he's cool like that. But, like, here we got we got Jake Gyllenhaal. And like, dude, I don't want to see just some guy with a fucking cape and a fishbowl on his goddamn head, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Like, the whole idea of Mysterio is, like, lots of shit going on, right? Lots of special effects. So Mm -hmm. it's very potential. He won't really have, like, a one-and-done outfit, right? We could see a bunch of different iterations of the character throughout the movie very potentially, in my mind. Sure. I just, you know, I don't know. For me, for me, I would have a lot more respect for Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, it's nothing set in stone yet, but like, I would have a lot more respect for him if we never saw his face in the entire movie. Maybe, oh yeah, you know, until oh uh, yeah, yeah, hard not to. So it it would be one of those moments for me, and I think honestly, I think that he would get a lot of respect from fans. Just as much respect as I'm giving fucking, like, you know, Carl Urban for not showing off the beautiful fucking face that he has in that Dread movie. Yeah. We're still talking about it six years later. It was that good. Exactly. And I think I think it's like part of Mysterio's thing. It's obviously we all know who's underneath the mask and stuff. But when you first, like, do we need to see 
Mysterio shining like Jake Gyllenhaal face. Like I think it's cool to keep that like maybe unmask him at the end, but like keep that mystery going. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of tricks and deception and stuff. Like Jake, Hi, you were saying, my name is Mysterio. Mystery. You don't get to see <laughs> my goddamn face, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's yeah. part of it. I mean, he's you know, it's 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 trickery, it's illusions, and I think that uh, you know. You know, uh, we shouldn't, you know, part of this should be, like, not seeing his face. And, like, maybe it would be a really cool way for, like, Jake Gyllenhaal to, like, you know, do, like, some voice acting. Like, you know, uh, Bradley Cooper does Rocket Raccoon. I think a lot of people forget that. Mm-hmm. A lot That's of, a great point. And lot, Bradley Cooper's a big enough star that he didn't have to, you know, just oh, do yeah. some voice work for Rocket Raccoon. You right. know, he could have demanded that his face be molded to be more like the raccoon or whatever the fuck you know exactly exactly and and it's like it's jake gyllenhaal could could basically use this as a um kind of like a gateway or an entryway like a doorway to like you know oh voice acting you know here you know it's that's a very respectable thing and uh fans would respect that and fans would respect the the just 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 seeing like your your classic mysterio i don't i don't Jake, Jake, we've seen your fucking face, dude. Yeah, you're a good-looking dude. All right, get over it. Fucking Christ, we get it. I yeah. I don't know. Mm. It's, but you it's never unfortunate. Know. Yeah. You never know, though, because they said it's from the end. Like, this is like, it, this looks to be the end of the film. Mm-hmm. So you never know. Like, this could be his one unmasking moment. Like, we don't know. And also, the suit could look way worse. Like I like the look of the cape. Like I like the glowy stuff. I don't. And love it takes the you out of the movie. Soon as soon as you see that Jake Gyllenhaal fucking baby angel face that he's got, it takes you out of the <laughs> movie, right? Possibly. I mean, I I agree with you. I just don't. If 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 they don't show his face the whole movie, but show him at the end, I won't be too mad. Like mm-hmm. I mean, I would obviously prefer it to yeah. him never see his face the whole time. Sure. But it's like if you gotta show it, if you but if you keep it under wraps the whole movie like i'm all right with that yeah all right i got a black widow movie rumor coming from mcu cosmic jake how do you feel about mcu cosmic man oh man i've I've spoke on them before i believe (laughs) all right i I find it to be a pretty unreliable source they say it's a reliable they say it's very reliable their source jake they they would combat you they would say they would say that Jake they would they would go they would and they would enter a combat arena with you and say that our source is reliable. Okay, let's hear what they got. They said uh, the they said the rumor is the decade of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the '90s is really starting to be fleshed out. We saw T'Chaka active as Black Panther in 1992 earlier this year, and of course next year we'll see Carol Danvers arrive on Earth in what seems to be the mid-1990s. If this rumor is true, in 2020, we'll see what the end of the decade was like in the MCU. According to the rumor, the Y2K bug on December 31st, 1999 will play some part in the plot of Black Widow in Captain America the Winter Soldier. It was confirmed that Natasha Romanoff was born in 1984, so that would make her 16 at the time of Y2K, based on that age and on the flashbacks in Avengers Avengers Age of Ultron, that would place her still under the control of the Red Room and likely not with S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's the big rumor here is that there's going to be a Y2K thing going on here. 
the movie is going to be. That's kind of ridiculous, right? I thought the whole Y2 was, was there really an actual Y2K bug that was going to go off, but Black Widow stopped it? Yeah, that, that, that's the rumor here <laughs> from MCU Cosmic. That's what it feels like. And it also seems like if they do this movie, they're going to do some serious de-aging and taking Natasha Romanoff from being like, uh, in her thirties. We're going to see Scarlett Johansson as a 16 year old if this is true. A whole movie. A whole movie of de-aging. Hmm. Uh, to 16, too. It's to almost 16. at that point. Why not just recast? Seriously? That's like two years younger than me, bro. I don't, part, doesn't part of you want to see what they can do with, with, with this de- I mean, they, they, they fucking, they, they've killed this de-aging, right? Like, look at fucking, you know, look at, look at, look at Kurt Russell and Michelle Pfeiffer and what they've done. Can you, like, a 16-year-old Scarlett Johansson, if they could do a whole movie here, couldn't this, like, show everybody that, like, we don't have to recast anyone anymore. We can fucking, we can have a, we can have a fucking, uh, we can, we can have, we can have Kirk Douglas come back and do Spartacus 2 as, at, at 101 years old. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> that, that, that's just such a leap. Like, it's, it's like, you know, we've seen him, you know, go younger, but that's like making her a child again. That that seems kind of wild. Yeah, it's crazy. I, you know, like part of me, you know, they teased it. I want to see what happens. I want to see what happened in Budapest with Hawkeye. I want to see that story, you know. Yeah. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want I want to I want them to go to the, go in the past. They kind of tease that in Avengers. I want to see what happened in Budapest. That's the, that's the story I want to see. So. Yeah, I agree. I've always kind of wanted to see the Hawkeye Black Widow thing combined, yes. not to take any away from anything away from Black Widow. It but. wouldn't take anything away from Black. You can make it a Black Widow movie for crying out loud. You can still have Hawkeye in there. Fucking, you know, come on. He can just pop in, pop out, whatever. Like they give Renner anything anyway. It's <laughs> a very good point. Yeah. <clears throat> Shit. Um, let's see here. Yeah, 16-year-old Black Widow. That'd be fucking nuts. Sean Gunn talked to Tulsa World this past week and said this. Hey, Jake, did you listen to the uh, Dave Batista, um, Michael Rosenbaum, Inside of You podcast? No, I did not. How was Check. it? Was, I was Dave Batista as outspoken as ever. Did not talk, <laughs> did not talk about James Gunn. Did not talk about James Gunn. Did not talk about no. that at all. But, um... I learned a lot about Dave Batista that I did not know, man. Like, this guy is like, he's fucking come, th- he's come from a lot. Didn't have a father in his life and come, you know, came, come from a rough childhood. His mother, he was raised by, um, he was raised by a single lesbian. I didn't even know that his mother was a lesbian. It's like, wow, man. It's like, you know, it's like all these people that fucking say like, oh, you know, like, if your parents are if your parents are homosexual, they can't raise like uh, a good kid or whatever. Or they can't, you know, if like a a, a gay woman a gay woman couldn't raise a, a manly kid. It's like who's fucking more manly than fucking Dave Batista? Are you fucking kidding me? A good, yeah, that's a, no shit. A good parent's that's a crazy. A good parent's a good parent. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I and I'm the reason I'm getting upset is I've actually fucking had to yell at people over shit like this because I've heard people say shit like this. So when I heard it from Dave Batista, I was just like, there's, there's your fucking confirmation. You fucking ignorant piece of shit that think that get, that you think that you think that you think that a gay 
couple is going to raise their kids as gay. No, a gay couple is going to raise their kids to be able to grow up and be whoever they want to be because they know how fucking hard it is. To fucking, yeah, their kid, their kid's not going to be so blind exactly. to fucking all the fucking hardships. Exactly. Exactly. It's not like it's not. Oh, our, our our kids hitting puberty right now, and because we're a gay couple, here here's an issue of Playgirl. How fucking ignorant are you, people? Anyway, <laughs> pretty ignorant, actually. Pretty fucking. Ignorant. <laughs> I agree, dude. But Sean Gunn talked with yeah, bam, bam, back to this story. Sean Gunn talked to Tulsa World. And he said, I don't really know yet what's going on with Guardians 3. I know that Disney still wants to make the movie. I know that they have every intention of using the script that my brother wrote. Obviously, that was a very unfortunate situation for everybody, most of all him. But I am also somebody who had been preparing to spend half a year making that movie. And now that's up in the air. So we don't know if Guardians 3 if and when it's happening, but from the mouth of Sean Gunn, he's saying that Disney has every intention of using that Guardians 3 script that James Gunn wrote. Jake, kind of fucked up. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. I, the biggest, I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me about how fucked up this is, is I feel sorry for whatever director gets this job because it's kind of a lose-lose situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not, it seems if they're going to use Gunn's script, it sounds like they want to keep Gunn's tone. Yeah. So basically you're hiring a guy in to try to just do a mimic job and who wants to do, who, mm-hmm. what self-respecting director is trying to take that job? Seth Graham Smith. It, what, what, who'd you say? Seth Graham Smith. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, is he self-respecting? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I just tried to throw out like Mick G. I just tried to throw out any director Mick that I that I yeah. I mean they'll find yeah. one. I'm not saying that they won't find it. Sure, they'll definitely there's, find there's, one. But yeah, yeah, he's got a tough job ahead of him, right? If the movie sucks, then he, all the blame's gonna fall on his shoulder, mm-hmm. you know. And if the movie's How, good, it's Jake. like, well, he did he filled out James Gunn's vision. Jake, you okay? Hold on. Hi, I'm uh, I, I you know I'm fucking I, I I'm. Uh, Chris Pratt. I'm Dave Bautista. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fucking, uh, Karen Gillan. I'm, uh, Zoe Saldana. I'm, I, I'm all these actors that have shown up on set for Guardians 1, Guardians 2, and basically, like, I've spent time with James Gunn. I know how James Gunn makes a Guardians movie. How somber is it to show up on set? The first day doing Guardians 3 without your fucking main guy leading this thing, without your Captain Kirk at the helm of the goddamn Enterprise running this thing, there's something, there's something sick and perverted about it doing a Guardians 3 without James Gunn at the helm of this bad boy. And for these actors to show up and be, ooh, I'm excited. I can't wait to, oh, it's, it's not a reunion. It's, this is, it's a mockery. I, I'm, dude, I'm pissed. I'm fucking yeah. pissed. And I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, sa- I'm too. sad me for too. the actors. I'm sad for the actors. Yeah, it'll be interesting how this turns out, man. It sucks that one of the movies I was most looking forward to in the next five years is such a, walking disaster now like i just don't oof it's just gonna be so weird yeah 
Finn, I mean, what are your thoughts? Dude, you can get into this as much or as as little as you want to. It just it makes me so mad. I'm so I was so against the whole James Gunn firing thing in the first place. And the fact that they it's it the fact that Disney says, "Okay, thanks for all your hard work on the first two ones. We're going to take your hard work you just did on this third script and we're going to use it without you and we're going to make sure you get kicked off the your job, but we're still going to take your hard work and use it for someone else." Like that's like a spit in the face to James Gunn, and that's so it's so disrespectful and it's so annoying, especially because I wanted this movie to be so good. Like I I loved the first one, and I really liked the second one. The thing I is, loved everything. What'd you say? No, I was just gonna say the thing is like James Gunn when he writes his screenplays is so descriptive down to every detail. So every when you read his screenplay, it's Jake is right. Like when they have another director in there, like there's no vision from that other director. James Gunn um, is so descriptive in his screenplays. Like basically in his screenplay, everything is kind of laid out for you. You can you can read the screenplay and you know how the movie's going to turn out. Down to the, even like the music selections, he's very descriptive in his screenplays. And so like that's the thing. It's like you're basically just going to get a kind of a guy that to come there and it's just he's just going to kind of fill a space for James Gunn but it's not James Gunn so the feeling on set is going to be completely different than the way it was for like when everybody like reunited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 it's almost like you go to Volume 3 and it's kind of like a funeral at that point i feel like the only thing that they could do to make any of this right is to just give like Sean Gunn directorial duties but like he's not a director and it's there's really nobody to fill that space they've already like there's been the rumors like oh okay we'll have bradley cooper direct this thing he just did the a star is born bradley cooper's come out and said i'm not gonna direct guardians of the galaxy volume three and good for him good for fucking him you know james gunn that's his boy it's like no i'm not gonna fill those shoes fuck you no, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to have somebody come in here, and do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. That's gonna take on this job for a beloved director that'll never be able to fill his shoes. I don't know, man, dude. I'm I'm getting worked up. <laughs> I think it's just, it's it's just gonna feel like. No matter what, say the movie comes out and it's awesome. Like every the movie is really fun and it's just a great movie. It's still gonna feel it's gonna feel like fraudulent. Like yeah. it's not gonna feel right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. even if the movie like they nail the tone, it's you're gonna. I'm in my heart like I'm gonna feel like this isn't. It's not right. You know it's, what I mean? It's tainted. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's gonna ruin, I feel like, part of the experience. And it's not tainted because of James Gunn. Yeah, he made some stupid fucking jokes a decade ago. That he apologized <laughs> for. That he apologized for. Fucking hell. Yeah. Uh yeah, <laughs> oh it's, my it's, gosh, it's so the decisions made and it's like I, I Oh man, it's it's made me so sour that when like I watch Infinity War, even when I see the Guardian scenes, it makes me sad. Yeah, dude, I cannot. I hope, I hope when the Russo brothers break away from Marvel Studios when they start Agbo, I hope one of the first fucking things that they do is they hire James Gunn mm-hmm. to do one of their tentpole films. I really do. I hope they. I hope they get this awesome property. And they're like, James Gunn, we're gonna hand you the reins here, buddy. Here's your second chance. And I and uh 
Oh, man. Wouldn't that be – Jake, you got to admit, that would be incredible. For the Russos who are in good standing with Marvel, they're fucking Marvel's fucking – they're basically Marvel's version of Steve Rogers at this point because they're the fucking good old boys. The good old boys fucking hire the black sheep of Marvel, James Gunn, to do one of their fucking movies for their studio. That would be incredible. I want to see it happen. That would be so awesome. Yeah, hopefully that happens, man. I, I I love it too. Hopefully they that would be a nice slap in the face to everything that's happened. Exactly. Uh, like, yeah. No, go ahead, Finn. What do you guys say? Just like going talking about all this stuff, like without James Gunn, and it if with the cast isn't doesn't feel like they're as passionate about it. If they feel like it's all that's like, do we even want a Guardians three? Like I love I love the Guardians movies, and I bet you this movie could be really good. But without the person whose vision it is in the first place, like, do I even want? I don't even know if I want that. Dude, if that makes sense. Uh, if they're gonna use James Gunn's script, do we even know if fucking Dave Bautista is gonna agree to come back and do this shit? He might just say fuck you. Yes, yeah, sue me. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. I ain't coming back. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't blame him. It'll be interesting when he can kind of speak again. And yeah. come back to the public. And it's so weird him being out of the public light, right? Because he was such a, like, you know, he was so involved with yes. talking to the fans yes. and doing his Facebook Q&As and just mm-hmm. being so active on Twitter. It's so weird these last few months. Like, it just feels like there's a void without him talking about everything. Yeah. I sent him, like, a, you know, like, I know, like, he might read this stuff. He might not. I know he's not going to respond. But I sent him a message. And it wasn't like... I wasn't asking him questions. I just said, dude, I, I'm really sorry this happened and I support you, like on Facebook, you know? And it was just like a real quick thing that I sent him. I didn't want to like... That's cool. I know. think that's really cool. Because, yeah, you know, that is super cool. You know, I know, yeah, because like I follow him on Facebook and like I would always like watch his Facebook Live stuff and I really got a kick out of that. He was so involved, like you said, Jake. And like I just, like I didn't like say, you know, like... Hey, let me ask you all these questions and like all this stuff. And, and I really didn't even bring up like the whole thing. I just told him that like, you know, I think you're an awesome person and I support you and I, I wish you well in, in your future endeavors. And that's really all I kind of said to him in, in the message. I don't know if he ever fucking read it or not, but, um, yeah. So moving on, uh, Avi Arad, uh, one of the, uh, you know, producers for, uh, Sony's Venom said that, uh, the, the R was never even in consideration for Venom. Never even in consideration for Venom, Jake. What? Hmm. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's probably studio speak though, honestly. They're just saying that. So, you know, people can't be butthurt about it. But, um, yeah, you never know, man. That Spider-Man money, that Marvel money, that's good stuff. Maybe it really was never in the cards to mm-hmm. fucking do anything to hurt that chance. Well, Tom Hardy has since come out and said that he hopes that there is a uh, a future R-rated Venom. Apparently, there is no R-rated cut of this Venom. It doesn't exist. But Tom Hardy says that he hopes that Venom 2 can be an R-rated film. So, so where did we come up with the idea that it was going to be R-rated? Like, Dude, where did that come from? Literally, because it's Venom. <laughs> it's Venom, and I think like when it first came out, I think didn't Tom Hardy kind of come out and say like they're going to make this? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought somebody spoke on it. Dude, it felt like yeah, it felt like we reported that somebody was said like this is going to be like gory and bloody and. I don't think Hardy ever came out and said the R word, but I think he was like. 
you know, saying stuff like we're going to make the movie the fans want, the fans yeah, deserve yeah, kind of stuff. And yeah. we just kind of read between the lines that that's what that meant. Sure. Well, but apparently and, what and the fans all the- wanted was soft PG-13. <laughs> yeah. All, all the, well, all the media outlets were reporting it as like, that's what Tom Hardy was saying was like, it was going to be an R rating. And I, I even felt like Ruben Fleischer, the director, it felt like his, some of his comments in the past felt like it, it could be an R rated ordeal. But, you know, I don't know. Venom apparently has two post credit scenes when it comes out next week, guys. So stick around. Don't leave the theater. Uh, stick around for two post credit scenes. Probably get a mid credit scene, and then probably uh, it was. I was listening to. Hey, did you listen to the new episode of Nerds, Finn? I. Uh, which one was it? That Seth Meyers was on. I think I did. Yeah, not Seth. I listened My- to most of it. Not Seth Meyers from SNL. Not the Seth, My- <laughs> but their buddy Seth Meyers. He was on, and he said that. He heard Kevin Smith talking on like Fat Man on Batman or something. Like he had seen. I did hear this. Yeah, he said he heard that Kevin Smith had watched the movie. Kevin Smith was saying, "There's something so shocking in the movie that'll blow you away." And like, you know, Aaron and Keith and and Seth were talking about it, and they're like, "What do you think it could be?" And Seth kind of blew my mind when he said, "This, this. was crazy." Seth, I remember this. Yeah, Seth said, "Like, what if like in." In the movie, possibly in a post-credit scene or whatever, what if people started turning into dust in the Venom mm. movie? And like Seth was actually oh. kind of like saying like how that would excite him. And I'm really not gonna lie to you. Like if anything, like I hear the movie's not great, but if anything could kind of like get me excited about this movie, I think it would be the fact that like you know if if you're gonna tie it in that way. You know, if you if you do have plans to tie this into the Spider-Man universe and, and the MCU in some capacity, if people started to turn into dust at the end of that movie, I think my mind would be kind of blown. Mine too. That's such. I love that idea so much. I yeah. just. I think the only thing that can really like save this, unless it's just being a good movie, like bring it into the MCU in a good way where it makes sense. I don't know. I like- yeah, I don't know. One final cool scene can't can't save an entire no, 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 movie, no. though. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, I, I've already heard the movie's not that good. I've heard overall from, you know, other people that have, like, seen the movie that it's not that good. But if they did throw that scene in there, yeah, that would be kind of exciting. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I would be – that would blow me away. I wouldn't, like, leave the movie and forget, like, the other abysmal – one hour and 50 minutes that I watched before that and say, that was a Tupperware. I, I'm just saying like that would, that would be shocking. I, I, that's the least mm-hmm. expected thing that I would think that I was going to see walking into a Venom movie is people turning into ash. Yeah, that would be shocking. Yeah. That'd be crazy. What are the chances switching topics here and we're going to move on into DC moves. Uh, did I say DC moves? Yeah, we're gonna. I thought you said news. No, we're gonna we're gonna move on to DC moves where you talk about uh, DC and cows. Whatever. What the fuck am I talking about? Uh, what are the chances that Jude Law's character in the Captain Marvel movie is actually a scroll pretending to be Marvel? That would be awesome. Oh, that would be crazy. I like it. 
Remember, in there's the, definitely at least a fifteen percent chance of that. No, can I up that percentage a little bit, Jake? Let's hear it. Do you remember in the trailer when we saw Jude Law's, Jude Law's character with green eyes? Yes. Does that up the percentage a little bit? Yeah, that's true. Maybe potentially just um, a scroll impersonates him in the movie. What if we find out at the end of the movie the real Captain Marvel has, like, been locked away somewhere, chained up or something? And, like, you know, maybe she shows up and maybe it's a little too late. She gets to talk to him for a little bit, but he dies or something like that. And then, then she becomes Captain Marvel. But, you know, like... Maybe the guy that she's been interacting with this whole time has actually been kind of a scroll in the place of the real Captain Marvel. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that that would that's interesting. Hmm. But where would she get her powers from then? Just the. It's um, not about no. It's not. It's not about. It's not about her getting her powers. She still gets her powers. It's just that she gets the. She gets the moniker of Captain Marvel. After he passes, you know what I mean? Because like she was Ms. Marvel, he's Captain Marvel, and then when Captain Marvel dies, she becomes she takes on the the Captain Marvel role. She still has the same powers. Okay, I got you. It's just yeah. that um, it's a it's a handoff by yeah. the like the remeeting. Yeah, like like um, you know, like she finds I don't know. This is all. Sp- <laughs> speculation on my point but she finds she finds the real captain marvel has been kind of like chained up and or and he's dying and like you know she finds him in his final moments and and he's like now it's all up to you and that's when she becomes binary and um you know that's our third act of the film i don't know it just it was really weird to me uh, in that trailer, when we did see like the glowing green eyes of Jude Law in that trailer, I was like, "Fuck, is he a scroll? Are we getting a? We already know that a scroll is impersonating, um, you know, like the 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 head of Shield, uh, and that's going to be Ben Mendelsohn as Talos impersonating the 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 head of Shield. Like, what if what if Star Force has also been infiltrated by a scroll?" Yeah, I could see that. I think they're really going to play up the scroll invasion angle. I definitely, I think they're going to be involved in shield stuff. They're going to yeah. be involved in, in you know, the Shire of the space side of stuff. Yeah. I mean, scroll side of stuff. Scroll side of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think that they're going to play that up. It's not just going to be one scroll impersonating one person. It's going to be, it's going to be a fucking epidemic, you know? Yeah. Either way, like even if even if it's not like uh we got like a, a male character passing like the the torch to Captain Marvel, it'll be Captain Marvel like figuring out her power set and how powerful she is. And I feel like whoever Jude Law's character is has kind of been like, you know, suppressing her and not letting her reach her full potential here and just using her for whatever their, you know, purpose is. So Anyway, hey, let's take a fucking break. Do a real quick. We'll do a quick break. Come back and do DC news and wrap this shit up with Star Wars. After that, sounds good. Fuck. 
Finn, I know you got to get going, dude. I know you got to get going. We just talked real quick off air. You got to go. I want to thank you so much for joining us this episode. You've been fantastic. Dude, thank you so much, man. I really, you and Jake are the best. I really have had a lot of fun. And I really just appreciate the army for always being super encouraging for my art. Like, if you want to check out my art, check it out. But if you want to friend me on Facebook, we can always talk. You can see it there, too. I just appreciate you guys for always being good friends. And I've had so much fun. This is my second full length PCL episode, and it's been awesome. I really appreciate you guys. Yeah. Finn, Thanks, Finn. Yeah. Finn Dietz Creek. You can check him out on Instagram. Uh, at what is it? Is it Finn F I N N Finn Aiden? So it's exactly so it's F I N N A I D A N, and it has a picture of like a it's like Spider Man with some white glowing eyes with like a dark background. There you go, people. Seriously, seriously, do you want something? Are you sick of looking at bullshit in your Instagram feed? (laughs) No, I'm serious. I'm how much bullshit comes up in your Twitter feed, in your Instagram feed that just fucking. How much fucking trigger shit do you need out there? Every once in a while, isn't it just nice to have a fucking, uh, uh, just a a picture of some awesome figures in, in, in an action pose? You know, of characters that you love. And you've got Finn Dietz Creek over here who's passionate about these characters, who loves these characters, who has a vision of like, oh, this is what I'd like to see these characters do. And these are figures that he's collected. Like he doesn't have, you're not doing this for, it's not like you're doing this for any money and shit, right? Mm-hmm. No, no way. Oh my God. You're doing it for the love. You're doing it for the love. You're doing it for the passion. You're doing it for like what you want to do with photography for the rest of your life. Think about it this way. How many times, like, okay, Kevin Smith tells his friends, I want to be a filmmaker. How many of those friends believed in him? Literally none of them. Maybe, you know, like some, they thought, they all thought he was fucking crazy. And here we are, we got Finn Dietz Creek saying, I want to be a photographer. I want to do this with my life. And you know what? You guys are on the ground floor of this fucking shit right now. You guys can be a part of Finn Dietz Creek, like becoming the person, the man, the visionary that he wants to be. Finn, I have 100% faith in you. I want to see you do it. I want to see you. I want to see you fucking reach for those dreams. I want to see you like be able to do what you want to do. I want to see you like, like, like if I could go back and talk to my like 18 year old self, I would tell myself like, this is what you need to do differently. This is what you need to pursue. But here I am. I'm in a dead end job doing a fucking mediocre podcast, but you have the chance to you're 18, you're in college, you have the chance to pursue your dreams and like live the life that you always wanted to live. And our listeners can get on the ground floor of that and fucking follow you. And, uh, you know, I have a buddy, um, who I know who went to the first Hootie and the Blowfish concert when, when Hootie and the Blowfish first had their first concert at Arizona state and like literally like five people showed up. But my friend, anytime Hootie is in the area, gives him front row seats. Every time my buddy is like in the area and gives him front row seats. Why? Because he was there at the beginning. And so our listeners have the chance to be at the beginning of the ground floor of Finn Dietz Creek, future famous photographer. And they need to, <laughs> they need to follow you. I'm not, no, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this because I don't think it's possible. I think it's 100% possible because you're pursuing this, Ben. You're actively pursuing this. And I think, and I'm not just trying to pump you up and say, oh, this, it's not possible. I believe in you and I think that you can do this. So, um, our listeners should follow you. They should be a part of this journey, of your journey. And, um, 
Dude, fucking, there's nothing like having a dream, and there's nothing like fucking keeping at it, man. Keep at it. Keep at it. Fight for it. And just keep, you know, take that criticism. Don't, like, everybody, everybody who fucking says that, oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. No, man. Like, listen to that criticism, too. You, you want, you don't want all your, you don't, you don't want just, like, your friends to listen to this shit. Like, PCL, dude, like, I didn't have, like, any, I didn't, like, say, I didn't tell my friends to listen to this fucking show. I just, I threw it out there on the fucking internet, and if people liked it, they liked it, and if they hated it, they hated it. If you just have friends like your shit, your friends are just going to tell you they love your shit all the time. But yeah, I, be your yes man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you you want you want people that don't know you to start following you and complimenting you. And when you start hearing from people that like aren't like your closest friends, and they're like, "Dude, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. You're getting you're awesome." Like Finn, like I I I didn't know you, and then all of a sudden I start seeing like all your pictures being posted and stuff like that. I knew you liked the show, but I see your posts, your pictures, and I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> one of our listeners has talent." <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible to see you grow up and just become like who you're becoming and like and your passion and and you following your own thing here. And our listeners need to follow you at Finn Aiden on Instagram. Where else? Twitter? You on Twitter? Um yeah, Twitter. It's like Finn D's Creek or whatever with capital go. F and capital D. Um I can post that stuff on the page, but Brian, I just want to say thank you, man. That really meant a lot. Like I appreciate the army and you guys so much. Like always just investing in me, always just, you know, putting my stuff on display and just caring about me as a person too. And that's what I think is super special about this podcast that it's like everyone, it's like a big family. Like everyone's involved. Everyone cares about each other. Mm. Obviously you'll have your haters and your creepy uncles like you do in real families, but like it actually, Brian, that really meant a lot. I really do appreciate it. Seriously. Man, you can't, um, you've got it. You've got the chance to do something here. And our listeners, I want them to be aware of it. And I mean, I don't have a big voice when it comes to pop culture. We've, we've got a few, you know, we've got a few thousand listeners and stuff like that. I don't, I don't have a huge voice when it comes to this kind of stuff, but whatever I can do to kind of like promote you, I, I, I want to, dude, keep it up. I, I, I've sucked your dick. Uh, I've sucked your 18 year old cock for too long here. So let's, uh, let's wrap this up. I'll let you get the bed. Thank you. But thank you. No, thank you for joining us, man. And keep doing what you're doing. Good luck in college. And, um, you know, just keep doing it. Pursue that dream, man. Don't let it go. I keep- will, man. I, I appreciate you guys. This has been fun. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to do it again. I'll have to be on whenever you guys will have me. I yeah. just, I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. We'll have you back on. All right. And Thank we- you, Thanks, Finn. You're always great. Absolutely. Jake, you guys are, you guys are the best. Have a good night, guys. All right, man. All right. We'll be like- back with DC News. Thank you, Finn. My pleasure. All right, hey, we're back. Jake, we got a special guest. We do, we do. I wanted to have my uh, good friend and former Wrestling Jabronis co-host and uh, game master extraordinaire, Kelly Wells, on because um, I'm so proud of him. He has designed a game and put it on Kickstarter, and he's trying to get it back so he can get it out to the masses, and I wanted to have him come on PCL and tell our listeners about it. So, Kelly, I'm going I'm to let you take it away and talk about uh Talk about your new game. Uh, all right, cool. Thanks, Jake. Um, thanks, guys, for having me. Um, yeah, this is uh, it's uh, kind of weird timing when Jake asked me to do this uh, a handful of days or a week ago or whatever it was. Um, we were sitting around thirty percent funding. We were doing okay. 
Um, as of uh, in the last couple of days, we've had a couple of large scale <laughs> donors. So we're actually 92% defunded now. Um, so yeah, we're, we're close. We're uh, at 7,600 of our $8,300 goal. Anyway, the game I'm doing, it's called Fun Dead, uh, which is a portmanteau of fun and undead. And then the subtitle is The Gravest Show on Earth. It is about circus performers that are being overrun by zombies, and it is a card placement game um, that can be played in under half an hour. Uh, if you're the type who's good at chess or even checkers, um, if you know Onitama, these are games that would kind of fall into your – this would fall into your skill set. Um, but each each card has one side uh, a zombie, one side a – uh, a circus performer, and then you flip it to your side based on targets. When you lay one, you can flip other cards based on where the targets of the new card are. Um, it's fairly easy to learn, and people have really liked it a lot and have – a lot of your friends, here's the deal. When you create something and your friends don't love it, what they say is, it's so cool that you made that. Like that's what they say. Um, but when they really like it, they go, I, I want to play again now. Um, I've had, uh, I've had friends obsessively trying to beat me in this game, but I've got the heads up because, um, I've been playing a lot more than they have, but, uh, but it's been, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it can be found on Kickstarter called Funded the gravest show on earth. And, uh, we uh, are need about 620 bucks as of this. <laughs> recording what's that i I was gonna say kelly one of the coolest things i thought about the game and your kickstarter in general is i thought you had a really clever unique uh reward system for donating to the kickstarter um kelly's got it where if you donate x amount you can actually be drawn as one of the zombies or circus performers in the game and forgive me kelly but i forget your artist's name but uh my yeah my artist's name is tim schutz um he can be found on uh on uh, which place am I trying to think of? Instagram um, as at Tim Schutz. That's like Schultz, except a T, except instead of a an L. Um, Tim Schutz, and he is a designer. Um, he designs web art for a company that creates e-learnings. Uh, happens to live in Egan, where I live, and we ended up pairing up together on this game. And when we came together for the zombie, he's a very understated guy, but he, he smiled and nodded and well, yeah, yeah, zombies and circus. That's what I want to do. I mean, that's about as excited as you can get the guy, but he was super, super happy about it. Um, as for getting drawn into the game, yeah, that's something that we, uh, that we're allowing for people in about 12 or 15 of those spots have been taken. There are still opportunities if people want to get drawn into the game. It's a $140 backer level to get drawn into the game, 250 to get drawn into the game, but also drawn onto the box. And three or maybe four of those six spots are taken that are also on the box. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, there's still some spots to be drawn into the game. My daughters are the conjoined twins. Um, I'm a zombie crossing guard. My wife is a snake charmer. Tim himself is one of the shambling zombies. Um, yeah, so it's that's the art that's done, and the rest of the Kickstarter is going to fund the rest of uh, it, fund the rest of the art, and then we'll get this thing out. Uh, the plan is to have it out and for sale 
uh, by June or July. And anybody who backs the game does get a copy of the game indeed as well. What is the lowest uh, amount that you can uh, back the game? A dollar. You can back anything that is uh, within an integer. So the lowest you can back the game and get the game is uh, $40 plus 13 for shipping and handling, um, which would inside the U.S. and Canada, um, 30, $30 shipping outside of the U.S. and Canada. Oh, wow. So but, for a dollar, uh, yeah. a dollar, you can play the game. Are you kidding me? For a dollar, you can back the game. A back the game. 40, you okay. can get. For forty, you can get the game. So yeah, I, I can't give away a buck, <laughs> a game for a buck. All right, but, but hold on. Uh, if oh, yeah. I if I go to if I go to Walmart, <laughs> if I go to Walmart, and uh, at the, at the end of my transaction at the Walmart, they ask me about any like uh, kind of like thing that I can like uh, help. You know, like kids get food or something like that, and uh, all that stuff. Like. It, it's not. It doesn't take a lot to just hit that yes button. Like if I go to PetSmart and I want to help like a pet get like right. uh, some food, you know, I'm happy to do that. I've done that many a time at Walmart, PetSmart. I've just hit yes. I will give you a dollar. I will donate a dollar. Uh, here we are. Uh, we we have <laughs> we have thousands of listeners on this podcast, and so like if 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 those listeners just donate one dollar. Um, can they help other people get hit stretch goals and things like that for this Kickstarter? Uh, we don't have stretch goals on this yet because we didn't know what to expect because we went for a much larger. I have gotten a game done on, on Kickstarter before five years ago, um, but I only asked for about a quarter of the money that I needed for this one to do this one right. Um, so we we didn't uh, figure figure for that. But I will go ahead and break on this show that um, I – am already planning my next game. Um, Jake will actually recognize it probably. It is called Marco Polo Sasquatch. And um, I'm working on a game where uh, essentially people who live in the frozen tundra get very bored. And for fun, they pick on Sasquatches until the Sasquatch kills all but one of them. And that person is the winner. Um, that is the next game I'm working on. And so as far as what the money's going to go to, it's going to be working on that game, uh, for one, but also potentially working on more cards for this one, just because, um, the way it works is each card has a, a pattern, like a, a, a pattern where you set it down and based on when you, where you set it down, other cards are affected by it. And I, I love the way that it's built right now, but it would be even better if I had more patterns. So stretch goal would potentially be uh, more cards. But right now I'm just thinking about getting it funded. I've got 18 days left for just 620 bucks. I'm not I, – I was worried about it a week ago. I'm not worried about it now. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're just looking to get her, get her finished for now. Yeah, yeah so I was super excited when I – brought up your kickstarter today and saw how close you were last time i saw kelly you were just like under two grand and so it was like you did a lot of oh, work yeah. there in five that's days. been about a week yeah <laughs> yeah five days to a week um it seems like forever ago but i was i remember i was looking at it too much i was stressing myself out and it sat at something like 1889 for about uh 24 hours and it was driving me crazy <laughs> but uh, eventually that word catches fire and if they 
if they kind of feature you on the front and say, hey, this game is picking up steam, then uh, that helps you pick up more steam. Well, and so, uh, so yeah, we're we're close. Even if somebody is like, like I don't know if I want to play this game. I don't have time to play the game. If they're a listener of this podcast, if they're a fan of Jake, if they're a fan of myself, like they can actually just get on there and they can like re- either retweet this or like post it on Facebook to let other people know about the game that they think like, oh, I have a friend that might actually be into this. This might be something that they want to get on like the ground floor of. They can just do just that little thing and just like kind of like retweet it or repost it on Facebook for you. For sure. And, uh, and I would let them know also that Kickstarter, the way it works is, um, you don't pay anything until the end of the campaign. So if I were to not make it, you wouldn't pay anything. If I make it, which it looks like I will, then, um, then you will pay on, uh, October 18th. That's when your money gets collected. So I feel like, um, I feel like saying, don't worry about the money you have now. That's when yeah. it will happen. I feel like saying, like, I know you're only $620 away, but I feel like being Han Solo, and and talking to Luke Skywalker and saying like, don't be cocky, kid. Don't be cocky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. But I, the last I, couple, the last few days were so good to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of flying high. I needed I needed a couple days like this because it's stressful in the beginning, yeah, and absolutely. you got to remind yourself how much time you have and how much how many people are trying to get the word out. No, you. it's crazy. I, I'm I'm actually kind of like impressed uh, from hearing that uh, you're so close to your goal. When you hear about like different creators on Kickstarter, it's not just like, you know, regular people like Colin Bunn, comic book writer Colin Bunn has Kickstarters, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, other other writers like Ethan Van Skyver and stuff like that. Like these these are people that have like their Kickstarters on Kickstarter. So it's like to get a Kickstarter actually backed, fully backed by people, that's pretty impressive. And, and it's uh, it's interesting you bring that up because five years ago when I did my last game, it wasn't so hard to stand out because Kickstarter was still largely being used um, for its original purpose, which was kind of a grassroots funding yeah. machine for people who didn't have means otherwise and needed to finish their game. And now you'll actually get feedback from people that are like, well, I can't back something that's not completed already. And you say that this didn't used to be a storefront for places that for uh, for games that were already complete. Like the people who are getting the most money on Kickstarter right now are the people who need it the least, which is fine because they're using it as a, a tool to to fulfill pre-orders, but it's making it very hard for the ones who are using Kickstarter for the original intended purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily enough, I, you know, built a. Um, the, the way Jake know each, and I know each other is that he plays uh, Survivor and Big Brother games that I run online. I make my own challenges, and that's where these games come from. I build my own challenges, um, and if I didn't have a very large group of regular players online, I wouldn't be anywhere near my goals. So I'm I'm a success story only because people have asked me before, how did you get your thing funded? And I said, all you got to do is find a time machine, go back 12 years and build a really successful gaming community online. So it's uh, it's hard to do, but um, but it's been fun and it's been worth it. Well, Kelly, I'm really glad that I could, you know, help you out and you know help spread the word i think you i think you deserve it i think you're great at game design i've had so much fun over the years testing out all your different you know crazy games and man i wish you the best in the world with this project 
Thanks, man. Fun Dead, the gravest show on earth. If you find it on Kickstarter, go ahead and uh, give me a few bucks and we'll get there and you can play the game. All right. So it's awesome. F-U-N and I'm guessing it's D-E-A-D. That's right. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. At least look it up. Look it up. Read into it. And then I'm, I'm, see, that's the thing. That's the hardest part is like getting people to kind of like actually just like, uh, you know, look it up and, and you can be in on the ground floor on a new game and like you can have your friends come over and play something that's completely new and original that nobody else is talking about. That's, that's the coolest part of this. And so like, I, we, Jake, we are very protective about who we have on this podcast to promote their things. Uh, mm-hmm. Kelly, I'll be honest with you. I have, um, we get emails all the time for people wanting us to promote like their comic books, their, their, uh, their games and things like that. I don't have them on the show, but Jake talked to me about this and Jake, it, it, he, he believes in you and, uh, he believes that this is something that our, our listeners could get a lot of enjoyment out of. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. We, we can definitely have him on. So. Yeah, thanks, man. This is, uh, this seems like the kind of crowd that I believe would probably have a lot of fun with this. Yeah. Um, it just seems like the, exactly the right place to promote this kind of game. Absolutely. And I think people will like it a lot. Yeah. So awesome. And we'll definitely provide the links on our Facebook and Twitter as well too after the episodes put out this week, Kelly. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. Once the episode's up, uh, definitely check our Facebook page. Uh, I will also post it on Twitter. Uh, don't be one of those people that just like see it. And you're just like, and, and you, and you just pass over it. Just click on it and at the least retweet it or like share it on your Facebook page. You never know who might be interested in this, you know? And, and you know what? You might read into this and be like, Oh my gosh, that's something that I think that I would get a lot of enjoyment out of. So definitely check it out. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's very cool. Like for anybody to come up with their own creation, their own, their own thing, uh, that they're very proud of. It's Jake, I couldn't do anything like this. I, I, I no, no, me neither. <laughs> it's not in me to do anything. Like I get on here and I talk and I talk about like last week we talked about horny robots. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's, that's like, you know, like, like, that's, that's what you're gonna get from me. We actually have somebody who's creating something that can actually provide actual enjoyment to people. I don't know, horny robots may be able, they might be able to provide no, enjoyment. They, they, they've definitely got their fans. That yeah, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Kelly, enough. when you start the horny robot Kickstarter, let me know about that. Me and you can talk about that for fucking hours. Absolutely. And that, that'll be the one that like kills my belief in humanity. I'll right. just get it funded in two hours. Yeah. Just <laughs> but just do it exactly. Oh my God! Yes! And, wow! Wow! Yeah. Um, but yeah, get, definitely. You just do a search for uh, Kickstarter Fun Dead, and I'm sure you'll find it, right? Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. afterwards, do a search for Horny Robots. <laughs> yeah. See, see what you find. Turn the old safe search off. <laughs> uh, yeah, check out the dark web on that one. Kelly, yeah, keep us posted on how it's doing, but uh, thank you so much for joining us, man. And uh, Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah. I hope our listeners actually kind of like, uh, you know, listen to the call and like can uh, 
Can at least uh, can at least pledge a dollar. Fuck four quarters, you fucking sorry pieces of shit. <laughs> four fucking quarters. Four fucking quarters. Yeah, Jake, four quarters. Going off Sally Struthers on him now. No shit for the price of a cup of coffee, you fucking lazy asses. <laughs> I'm kidding. We have great listeners, dude. Like I, uh, I put out the call a couple. Uh, actually, one of our listeners put out the call. About a, you know, a couple months ago that I was in, uh, I, I, I desperately needed their help and our listeners raised over $4,000 to keep me going, to keep me afloat. So we have incredible listeners. So yeah, it's, it's very impressive, the loyalty and the passion. Mm-hmm. And I've had the same issues when I was dealing with both my mom and my grandma right. passing yeah. within the same month that yeah. listeners really stepped up and, did me a lot of favors too, man. So they're right. our family. Yeah. Hopefully you can dig in your pockets again and find four fucking quarters, right? <laughs> can you do that? Is that a problem? Is it, is it having a problem finding four quarters? You've having a problem finding? No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to, I'm not going to chastise our listeners for not uh, donating four quarters, but they can. And then look up the game, retweet it. If you at the least retweet it and then post the Facebook page. But thank you, Kelly, so much for telling us about this. Thank you. All right. Cool. All right, let's do a break and talk some DC. All right. Hey, we are back. Uh, let's see here, Jake. Going to talk about DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. Guys, uh, Jake, in DC quick news, I have, um, this news comes from Deadline. Swamp Thing has cast Jennifer Beals. First off, I'm, I'm, I'll talk about the character she's going to play here in a moment, but I'm a huge fan of Jessica, uh, Jennifer Beals. I think Jennifer Beals is amazing. She was in, uh, um, she's doing the NBC series Taken right now, um, she was also in, do you remember, um, it was, uh, four rooms. Do you remember the fourth room, the Quentin Tarantino room? Oh yeah. The, um, the Zippo lighter room. Yeah. Do you remember the, the, the woman that was in that room? Uh, barely. I probably have not seen that movie for over a decade. Uh, okay. Okay. Jennifer Beals, I think she's great. She was great in Four Rooms. Um, everything else that I've ever seen her in, she's most recently in NBC's Taken. She has been cast. Uh, she'll play in, in Swamp Thing. Uh, she'll be playing the role of Sheriff Lucilia Cable, uh, a tough-as-nails and pragmatic cop whose fierce devotion to her son Matt is rivaled only by her sworn duty to serve and protect the town of Marius. Uh, as the community, she has, de- uh, as, as the community she has de- dedicated her life to defending is beset by strange forces, she must double down in her efforts to safeguard everyone she holds, uh, holds dear. Um, so yeah, Jennifer Beals has been cast in Swamp Thing. Jake, I, I don't know if you, if you can IMDB her, but, and if you remember her, but, this is good yeah, news. I was trying to, and I'm, I must be fucking up the name spelling. Uh, Beals, B-E-A-L-S, Jennifer okay. Beals. But uh, she was in Four Rooms. She's in NBC's Taken. Um, man, she is – she's really good, dude. I, I This 
I mean, I wasn't happy that James Wan is not directing the first episode, that it was Len Weissman. Um, I'm happy that they're using, you know, a mix of CG and practical effects. But uh, the casting of Jennifer Beals makes me a little bit more excited for this now. I'm, I'm, I, I really like that actor. I think she's really good. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, yeah, I'll take you. I mean, you, you're a pretty good judge on on the actor's side. So, yeah, I mean, just a look, though. I could definitely see her fitting into that Swamp Thing universe. Yeah, yeah, she's, oh, my God. Uh, fucking, my, my first exposure to her, of course, was in Four Rooms, and it was in that Tarantino room, that fourth room. And, oh, my God, she's just got such attitude, and she's such a great actor. I thought she was so good in that movie. So... Uh, Batman director Matt Reeves spoke at the Television Critics Association press tour about exploring dual identities and if Batman is Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne's will or a manifestation of his trauma that he can't fully control. Matt Reeves said, one of the things that I found interesting just as we're working on the story is looking back at Jekyll and Hyde and the idea of your shadow self and the idea of we are multiple things it's different aspects of who we are. And I think there are times when maybe the surface of Bruce is not really who he is, but that's his disguise. There are times when Batman's the disguise, but there are times when his true essence comes out because being veiled, a kind of instinctual side comes out that's very pure. And so basically, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on like Matt Reeves' quote there? This Batman, it, 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 Batman is Bruce Wayne's will, or like, like who is who is Batman? Is Batman Bruce Wayne, or is Bruce Wayne Batman? It's like, I don't know. I think it's an interesting. I kind of don't like it. To be yeah, honest I, the Jekyll and Hyde comparison. I wasn't. I wasn't too keen on man. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like we've seen that kind of stuff so much. It's like I want a Batman who's like confident in who he is, you know, yeah, and and, and knows why he's doing what he is. And if his foundations are going to be shook, I want that to happen within the constraints of the movie and the story itself. You know, well, the thing is, I'm they, tired of starting in that position. They've kind of like I don't know. They kind of like backed themselves into a corner here with like if this is like built into the DCEU. We've already seen, like, what Ben Affleck has given us with the character. Like, this has to be, like, if this is a younger version of that Bruce Wayne, that Batman, then, like, whatever he does here has to kind of, like, fit with, like, the Batman that we've seen, I guess. And I guess, like, your argument could be, like, oh, this is a, this is an old, the Ben, ben Affleck Batman is an older Batman that doesn't trust the alien that's come here with all this power. And so, like, we're getting a a younger Batman in his, I don't know if it's in his infancy as Batman, but I don't know. I I just, if if they're doing this, it's it still has to, how can, if you're going to make it fit with the DCEU, which I haven't been impressed with, how do I say this nicely? I don't know. I'm just going to say I'm not I've not been impressed with Ben Affleck's Batman. And if he has to, like, try to fit this to where it's believable that this is the actions of a younger Ben Affleck Batman, 
then that kind of turns me off as well. It just feels like what he's doing here is not going to fit in with what we see currently in the DCEU. Like, this feels like it's going to be so far fucking removed from what we've yeah, seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still in the same camp with this as I am kind of like within the as the Joker movie. Like, if, if, if as long as it's a good movie, I'll forgive it. Yeah. Like, if we could just get good movies, then fuck the overall picture. Sure. Like, let's just concentrate on getting, like, two to five good movies in the next, like, three to five years. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. figure out the greater picture after you can make a great movie. This is nuts. It's nuts, Jake. We're getting a joker movie that has nothing to do with the jared leto joker and we're getting a prequel batman movie from matt reeves that doesn't star ben affleck as far as we know and but it's still set in that same universe this is just a clusterfuck of weird decisions but like we're also sprinkling in some talent here like matt reeves is a great director i i love matt reeves and i you know i love you know, as far as like, like Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro and Zazie Beats and I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know what's going on in DC. Yeah, it is crazy. But yeah, man, like I said, if, if, if these two movies are good and they're amazing DC movies, then that's more than they've done for us lately. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's hope for the best. Let's hope for the best. Birds of Prey news came out from Deadline. Birds of Prey have cast Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She wins the role of Huntress and Journey Smollett-Bell as Black Canary. I'm going to start off by saying that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, she starred in Fargo, uh, the, the, the last season of Fargo, Fargo season three, and then she was also the main character in 10 Cloverfield Lane. She's won the role of Huntress. She's great. I think she's amazing. I love her. And then uh, Journey Smollett. Bell. I like her a lot, too. She's... I've been addicted to watching Scott Pilgrim ever since Netflix got oh, it. Oh, yeah, Scott Pilgrim. She was great in that movie, too. And then Journey Smollett-Bell. She's going to play uh, Black Canary. Um, I know her from Friday Night Lights. Uh, she was most recently in the WGN series underground which i i watched like the first episode i didn't like it unfortunately but i didn't stick with it so i don't know if it got better but i loved her in friday night lights she's going to be playing uh black canary and uh they'll join margot robbie um you know as harley quinn in a uh, uh the birds of prey movie which is set in a gotham that is not protected by batman and uh, they will fight a crime lord who has yet to be announced in the film. But um, I don't know anything other than that about this movie. But these two castings, I think, are a fucking Tupperware, Jake. I think these – I love, absolutely love Journey Smollett-Bell. I think she was great in Friday Night Lights. I loved her in that series. She had great chemistry with uh, Michael B. Jordan in that series. Um, and then I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I, I think these are two great castings. I don't know how this movie's going to be when it all plays out, but you couldn't cast two better actors. Yeah, I saw this news. I was pretty excited by it, too. Um, it's the first I've really been excited about this movie, honestly, is from this casting. 
So, yeah, that's great news. Wonder Woman 1984 rumor uh, from Super Bro Movies. They gave us the rumor last week that we talked about that Pedro Pascal was going to be playing a god. Now they've kind of like... Uh, They've kind of like said, no, he's not playing a god. They're saying he's playing Maxwell Lord. Oh, wow. I'm not. Oh, let me do a quick Google. That sounds super familiar. I'm not versed very well on my DC, though. Well, Supergirl villain, Maxwell Lord. I mean, he was the, uh, in, well, in the first season of Supergirl, when Supergirl was on CBS, that was our villain. He was kind of like a, you know, like Supergirl's version of like uh, Lex Luthor and, um, Maxwell Lord is going to be the villain that they're saying now he's not going to be playing a god like Ares or like even Ashley last week said possibly Hades. He's going to be playing Maxwell Lord. That's cool. That's, that's going to be a big role then, huh? I think the Maxwell Lord makes a lot of sense with the way the character look and the way he's dressed in all the trailers that not trailers, but the pictures that I've seen. Yeah, I, Pedro's a great actor. I, I could easily see him pulling this off. Looking at reading the DC wiki here. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think Maxwell Lord makes a lot more sense than him playing a god. But that still leaves the question of they were saying like he's going to be playing a god and he's the one that works out the deal with uh, Diana to bring back Steve Trevor. So if he's playing Maxwell Lord, that's still. I still, I, we still have to ask the question of like, how does Steve Trevor come back? So I don't know. It's, uh, it'll be interesting, but I think Maxwell Lord is a better, I like Maxwell Lord as a character in the Wonder Woman film than us getting like another kind of like Ares God character that we got. Oh, I, I agree. Just bit, another clusterfuck special effect villain to have your, paint-by-numbers yeah. final battle with. And I know people are going to say, well, Brian, like, it's it's Wonder Woman. Yeah, it deals with gods. And I get that. But I feel like in this movie, we can have Maxwell Lord kind of be like, but we've got Cheetah. We've got Kristen Wiig. Like, let her be, like, the main villain in this movie. And then, like, Maxwell Lord be, the, like, kind of the guy who's, like, pulling the strings here, be behind the scenes. We don't We don't necessarily need, like, Kristen Wiig to be like the main villain and then all of a sudden like at the end of the movie like oh now now you've got to deal with a god battle I, I I like I like I like Cheetah being like the main physical force that you know Diana has to to battle with in this movie and Maxwell Lord being kind of like the guy behind the scenes pulling some other strings I hope Cheetah turns into a 10-foot-tall CGI Cheetah and Wonder Woman has to take her down. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, Jake, no. That's that's. I just watched The Predator where they made The Predator like a 14-foot-tall Predator and it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I am joking, but I, I, I like what you're saying. I, I think the Cheetah thing is a very grounded villain and that could work really well and – yeah, it'd be nice to have just another grounded villain and not some giant world eater. Yeah, I, I, I think it also like it would be it would be cool to. I, I know there was a lot of uh, female. Of course, I mean you had uh, you know, female influence in, in the Wonder Woman movie with uh, you know Themyscira and things like that. But I think like you know even in the first movie it was uh, Wonder Woman versus Ares like. You know, a woman versus a man, but I think this, it would be cool to see like Wonder Woman just take on a, a primarily female villain here in the second uh, outing of Wonder Woman. 
Yeah, I agree. That that would be really fucking cool. Um, it, it, when you put it like that, it almost sucks that they're going to have Pedro do it at all. But I get it. Like, you know. Well, I mean, Pedro Pascal could be like, here we are in the 80s, and like the next time we get a Wonder Woman movie, they could take it to modern day, or maybe even in the 90s, and we get like a 10-year-older Pedro Pascal and some makeup or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's interesting. And and reading his wiki, he very much seems like an overall like Justice League villain, too. So this very much could just be foreshadowing for future stuff as well, potentially, huh? Yeah, agreed. Let's move on into Star Wars news and wrap this shit up. I'm fucking tired. I am exhausted. Hey, God! What am I saying? You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. That's not true. That's impossible! Jake, I didn't like Solo. We need to fire Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, I think that's exactly what's going to happen, right? Oh, man. Uh, the fans are calling for it. Uh, Solo is terrible. We need to fire Kathleen Kennedy. Even worse, Solo was a good movie, but it underperformed because of how terrible Kathleen Kennedy let uh, The Last Jedi be. Oh, man. Are we being 100% sarcastic right now? Yes. Yeah, uh, here's the thing, people. Uh, if you go back and listen to previous episodes, uh, all the people that were calling for Kathleen Kennedy's head, I was coming out and saying, like, uh, she's one of the only holdovers from the original Lucasfilm. She's a major part of, like, what's been successful in the Star Wars films. She's a major, like, pillar of Amblin. Uh, her husband is a big time deal, uh, Frank Marshall, big time, you know, like these are, these are like they, they're in bed with Spielberg. Like, like they've made great movies. They've done great things for pop culture. And like all of a sudden, because Kathleen Kennedy is the head of Lucasfilm and people didn't, some people didn't like The Last Jedi and uh, Solo underperformed, everybody was saying, there were rumors of people saying Kathleen Kennedy is getting fired from Lucasfilm. People were calling for her head, Jake. What's the news? Um, the news is that she's been signed on for another three years as uh, it's been reported exclusively by Hollywood Reporter. So this is not cosmic book news. This is legit. Whether you like it or not, Kathleen Kennedy has been re-signed for three more years. Yeah, the lead producer and architect of Star Wars franchise mm-hmm. has renewed her contract to remain president of Lucasfilm for another three years through 2021. Do you like it? I do like it. Um I like that it's three years. I I think that it's kind of a little bit of them striking a balance, though. I do think they do. They are a little bit weary of what happened with Solo. But I have a lot of faith that Episode Nine is going to be big fucking business and Kathleen Kennedy is going to write the ship a little bit. So, um, you know, I'm... I've kind of stayed away from a little bit of Star Wars fandom over the last couple of months just because how, how kind of toxic it got there for a minute. Sure. And not that that's gone away by any means, but it does seem like it, it's it been a little bit not as bad. I guess that's because we're like just in between movies, though, and it's probably just going to get just as shitty again as soon as the next Star Wars thing comes out. But, man, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I think I think Kathleen deserves to still have this job. 
I think people act like she's some nobody that came from nothing and that she just yeah. has the job because she's a woman right. and that drives me fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, you alluded to it, Brian. She's been in bed with Spielberg forever. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like she is was involved with E.T., Back to the Future, Jurassic right. Park, Schindler's List, you know? Like she's not some fucking nobody that just because she's a girl has this Star Wars job, you know? Yeah. She fucking knows her fucking shit. And it's so easy to um, pretend like the prequels were such giant smash hits and loved by everyone, you know, looking back now. But that was hardly the case. And Kathleen Kennedy has done so much for the franchise mm-hmm. compared to where it was left before she was the head of it, yeah. you know, after Lucas sold it to Disney. So To play devil's advocate here, though, I'm not going to fucking just sit here and be like, yeah, let me suck, uh, you know, suck her ass and shit like that the whole time. I understand what people are saying. You know, there, there, there was the, there was the directorial choices that she made. I think she was trying to do something. I think that she thought she was doing something great for Star Wars by hiring Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I do think she jumped the gun a little bit. Um, not knowing their style. As as well as Josh Trank. Josh Trank is another one. She hired him to do the original Boba Fett movie. I mean, he was supposed to speak at San Diego Comic-Con. And then he had the whole meltdown with the Fantastic Four thing. I see what she was yeah. doing there, Jake. It's nothing different than what Kevin Feige was doing by hiring young and upcoming directors. It just seems to me that Star Wars... I don't know. I feel like Star Wars is completely different from Marvel. I each Marvel movie has its own different tone. You know what I mean? Like you've got you've, you've got Thor, and we we found out that you can do Thor in several different tones. A couple of different tones that we got from different directors like didn't turn out so great. They were okay, but then we got Taika Waititi taking over the project. It was incredible. And then, and then you got Doctor Strange, you got Scott Derrickson in there doing his thing with Doctor Strange with the mystical arts and things like that. It, it feels like Star, with Star Wars though, Jake, you can't give a Star Wars movie a different feel. Star Wars has to feel in some ways like Star Wars, right? And so when you have, uh, Kathleen Kennedy bringing in directors like Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and she's watching like the, like the, the evolution of like what they're doing with it, and she's like, this just doesn't feel like Star Wars to me. Um, she's running into problems there because she, she knows what a star Wars movie should feel like. And the same thing with like Josh Trank, he had, he had his meltdown and she's like, well, we got to get rid of him quick. We got, we got to get this guy out of here. We can't, we can't deal with this. We can't have him doing a Boba Fett movie right now. This is not going to work. Star Wars is different from Marvel where Marvel, I think you can be a little bit more experimental because like, even though these are, these are characters that have been around since like, you know, uh, Jack Kirby and, uh, Stan Lee since the sixties and everything. Uh, most people haven't seen these characters cinematically. We've been exposed to Star Wars cinematically for 40 years, Jake. Star Wars should feel like Star Wars. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, you're, you're able to be a lot more flexible with the Marvel properties because even, even within their original, the pages of the comics, they've had, you've been under multiple interpretations, right? Like the yeah. tone and the yes. genre, even within the comic books itself has seen so many different iterations. That yes, different it, writers, different e- writers and, and different people kind of like, uh, different people kind of, uh, um, 
love and lean into different like oh I love it I love it when this writer was on it oh I, well I love it when this writer was on it everybody has like their like their their first love when it comes to like different runs of different characters where where Star Wars is not like that I mean yeah you can talk about people like oh I love like you know the the Zon expanded universe stuff but um, you know uh, Star Wars it's still tonally very much yes. under the same banner. Well, Lucas himself uh, gave Zahn the uh, the thumbs up and said, yeah, you can do this, man. I'm all for it. Yeah, and, and you're right, Brian. I, I think the Thor Ragnarok example is a perfect example. Like, right, like if Taika Waititi would have been yep. hired instead of Lord and Miller to do Solo, yeah. I can pretty much guarantee the uh, the same aftermath would happen. Right. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and I think that's a very good devil's advocate. I I agree with that. That's probably Kathleen Kennedy's biggest fault. Yes. I still stand behind Lord and Miller and think that if Star Wars is ever going to continue to forever do big business, eventually we do have to break these walls down and have mm. to make different types of genre movies within the Star Wars universe instead of just trying to create the same exact tone of movie. Oh, they, over they, and they over tried. Again. They tried. Like if 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 you want to look at uh, if you want to look at the solo movie, Jake. I could say that the solo, if I really wanted to, I could say that the solo movie is the first Western in the Star Wars universe, right? I could say that, right? I agree. And just like Rogue One is the first heist movie in the yes. Star Wars universe. Yeah. But they, they still tonally still haven't broke those walls down enough. And right. anytime anyone tries to do that, it seems like Kathleen Kennedy fires you. Sure. Yeah. I'm so gonna, until yeah. we can, I do think we need to get past that. We need to do a ballsy Star Wars movie mm-hmm. that isn't forced behind, you know, the barrier of it has to fit perfectly into the fucking concentration board of Star Wars. Okay. So like, over, over the next three years, like what's what? We've got three more years with Kathleen Kennedy, and I, I think I think that's good. Let's give her three more years. Dude, I'll be the first one if 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 it continues to kind of like decline in quality. I'll be the first one to say I'll I'll be the first one to come out and admit that yeah, this was not the right decision. They should have they should have had a uh, you know a change of the guard here. We should have brought somebody else in. But like you know, do do they do they experiment a little bit with maybe like the animated series and like give us something different there to kind of like. Yeah, I don't think that's enough. I think you're you're right that potentially that is probably what's going to happen first. But I think they just need to go balls out and do something just so fucking completely different, but yet set in the Star Wars movie. What about like, the Ryan Johnson trilogy? The new Ryan Johnson trilogy that's going to come out. Yeah, I, I love Ryan Johnson, and I'm a big Last Jedi defender. But I still feel like tonally that's going to be more of the same. Okay. I'm not saying that it's going to be bad. I still think it's going to be really cool to see all kinds of new world building in the Star Wars universe that doesn't revolve around the Skywalkers. But I still have a sneaky suspicion that it's very tonally still going to fit into the overall like universe. What about our, what about our Game of Thrones showrunners? That like that that has not been axed. That is uh, you know um, you know the Game of the Game of Thrones guys coming in there and doing something yeah i they potentially could do a different kind of tone thing i feel like if they're allowed to do their own tone it's going to be one of you know like i don't think they're going to bring lots of sex and violence into the star wars universe anytime soon 
And I think that's kind of what they're famous for over in the Game of Thrones area. What, you're telling uh, me some... that we're not going to get a series that we have uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn showing off his Grand Admiral throbbing Thrawn cock? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Grand Admiral Dawn. Grand Admiral Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. Oh, Fuck, I wish I would have thought of that. No, Grand Admiral Dong. Are we going to get Grand Admiral Dong in the Star Wars universe? Yeah, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. So I, as much as I love D&D, the Game of Thrones showrunners, I feel like even they are coming to make more Star Wars movies that fit into the exact tone we've already seen. Yeah. So that's definitely a valid devil's advocate and a valid complaint. I really do think we need... You know, fucking the, either of the Star Wars slapstick comedy, the Star Wars fucking whodunit, you know, fucking we need another genre movie set inside the Star Wars movie that isn't the exact same. And they can't just tell me I'm getting a heist movie. They can't just tell me I'm getting a Western movie. But at the end of the day, it's still basically 90 percent tonally everything else we've seen already. Like yeah. they really have to fucking put the shit in the blender if they expect this thing to keep going 10 years from now yeah i and and honestly jake i hate to say this but with what's i think that that's what kathleen kennedy originally intended and i think she got cold feet when she saw what lord and miller were doing and how different it was and i think she got scared and then i think she got definitely got scared with trank and so I think for the next three years, we're going to see kind of what we've been seeing. Less frequently, because they said they're not going to come out with Star Wars movies as frequently as we've been seeing. We're They're going to pull back on that a little bit. But I think, like, when this first started, I, I, I felt like, yes, it's we've hired Phil Lord and Chris Miller to do a solo movie. Josh Trank's going to do a Boba Fett movie. We're going to get different movies. And then what what happened? Is, you know, we, we got, uh, you know, Rogue One even got a new director. They didn't want to publicize that, but it did. And, and, and a new director finished that movie. And then, um, and then of course, uh, with, uh, they brought in Ron Howard. Good old faithful Ron Howard, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was pretty much their guy. They should, they should get Ron Howard to do Guardians 3. Shut the fuck up. Stop it. You, you hate Ron, you hate Ron Howard. I do hate Ron Howard. I do not. Ron Howard, I think is a, I think is a good director. I, I, I like, I like Ron Howard. I think is a good guy. I want to see, I hope he gets a Willow series. I hope he's heavily involved. I would be behind that. I, Ron Howard from 25 years ago, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Well, Ron Howard, Arrested Development, Ron Howard, I'm a big fan of. I'm, I'm a big fan of like Mitch Hurwitz and Ron Howard together working on Arrested Development when they, when they do. I think Arrested Development though, unfortunately season four, it's just, it's past its prime. Too much time has passed. But anyway, um, uh, I wanted to, we'll end it on this. John Favreau's live action Star Wars TV show, uh, it's coming to Disney Play. We got news about it from MakingStarWars.net. They say we have it on good authority that the live-action Star Wars television series begins filming next week. And now we can share with you some exciting photos from one of the filming locations. I've seen these photos, and they said we will not be disclosing the exact location out of respect for the production. 
In addition to the location in these photos, we have learned all, we have also learned that some filming will take place in a coastal area, so water and beaches may come into play. The live action show is rumored to be about Mandalorians after the fall of the Empire, and the series will involve some familiar locations to Star Wars fans like Mandalore and Tatooine. The story will take place around three years after the Return of the Jedi. This new series, which will premiere on Disney's direct-to-consumer streaming service, will be the first live-action television Star Wars and is being written and produced by Jon Favreau. So, yeah, Jake, uh, fucking uh, a series that's going to be uh, rumored uh, to take place on Mandalore and Tatooine three years after uh, Return of the Jedi and... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's rumored to be about the Mandalorians after the fall of the Empire. Yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. I'm, I'm excited that we're getting ready to start rolling the cameras on this. That means we're probably going to get a lot more like solid information about like what we can expect from mm-hmm. the characters that are going to be featured. And man, I'm excited to get this fucking news ball rolling. Right? Yeah. Uh, honestly, if you go to makingstarwars.net and you read this article and you look at the pictures, I can definitely see like, yeah, it looks like we're going to back. It looks like we're going back to Tatooine. It really does. So like, are they filming in Abu Dhabi? I don't know. I mean, it really looks like they're going back to Tatooine. So I don't know. Uh, Mandalore, I, I, I think Mandalore should definitely be something that's explored within this Star Wars TV show. I really do, Jake. Like, I know they've done it a little bit here and there, um, with Sabine and Rebels, and we've got a lot of Ma- Mandalorians within the Rebels TV series, and that kind of like whets your appetite for like that kind of shit, cause I've really enjoyed what they've done with like Sabine and the Mandalorians and Rebels, but like, if I can get like, what are the fucking rebels doing after like three years after the return of the Jedi and seeing that story? Like this is post rebels fucking a dude. I, yeah, that's something I definitely want to see. I, this, I think this could be very cool. I think this could be a very fucking cool series. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, the man, the Mandalorian thing is really cool. Um, it's one of those things like next to clone wars that, you know, it was just a big mystery for so long. Yeah. So hopefully they don't need an animated series to fucking make it cool after this show flops. Hopefully they get it right the first time here. Instead. <laughs> Unlike the Clone Wars debacle. I agree. I agree. Oh, man. And John Favreau. And it's like, like, what characters are we going to be following? What? Like, who's going to be our main character? Are we going to get a female lead? Are we going to get a male lead? Are we going to get a Mandalore lead? A Mandalore female lead? It's like... Who are we going to get? I can't wait for some of the casting announcements on this. We should be getting them pretty soon if they're going to be starting production. If it's rumored they're going to start production next week, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah it could that's be crazy. It could be pre-production stuff, and you know, you know what I mean. But like, you would think that they've already had like their pre- preliminary kind of like discussions, and agents have been contacted and people know that they they've gotten some roles here and they should we should get if this rumor is true we should be getting announcements on some actors i I think i think we're going to see some newcomers i think that's the star wars way just like you know like uh uh kelly marie tran john boyega and uh you know daisy ridley i i think we're going to see some newcomers come in here i don't think we're going to see like 
John Favreau working with people that have been in the in the Hollywood uh, uh, you know uh, scene for a while. I think we're going to get newcomers. I agree. I expect one name though, right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, we might like you know fucking Alan Tudyk and Rogue One, right? I mean, yeah, we're going to get some you know uh, Forrest Whitaker. You know, stuff like that. We're, we're gonna get those, but I think like for our main characters that we're gonna follow, mm-hmm. I think they're gonna be pretty new. I really do. I agree. I agree. That's, that's been the formula, and that, and that's what Favreau's been doing his last few movies anyway, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. That's all, hey Jake, that's all I got, man. That's it, we're done. Fuck this shit. Oh shit, I'm hungry and tired. Dude, Good I'm deal. fucking tired. I got I got a full fucking day tomorrow. I gotta work like a I gotta work like a fucking madman tomorrow. Oh man, it's been like I said with that magic tournament, my sleeping hours this week yeah. were fucking crazy, but thankfully I'm two to ten tomorrow, so I'll try yeah. to get it back in line. Well next week all we have to do is talk about Venom, man. So it's gonna be an easy week next week. We just gotta Oh yeah. Yeah. We just gotta grit our teeth and talk about Venom. <laughs> That'll be sweet. We can do do all the fan fiction, our violence ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, I I was trying to look like like this week. I was trying to look like where were the where were those quotes that I thought that like we were going to get an R rated Venom, and I couldn't find. Yeah, it. I feel like they just fucking like he he almost said it, but he just yeah. never quite used the R word. He like so alluded to it though. I know that for a fact. I'm gonna, no. I'm going to be diligent, and I'm going to like scour through my notes because I keep notes from every episode we've ever done and i'm gonna find it i am gonna find that first fucking announcement where they talk about venom and like why the fuck did we think that this was going to be rated r it's almost like like the mandela effect that we talked about last week jake like it's weird like you know like uh some people like how do you spell the berenstein bears oh yeah that one pisses me off that one drives me crazy well honestly like i was a i was a i i the Berenstein Bears, like I fell for it. Like I always thought that it was the uh, the wrong way. No, oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. I, that, that's one of the Mandela effects that really messes with my head. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Berenstein Bears really fucks with me, dude. That's that's the one that really fucks with me. All right, everybody, check out Finn's fucking photography at Finn Aiden. F I N N A I D A N, and then check out. Kelly's Kickstarter, uh, Fun Dead. Yeah, yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, Finn was yeah. a great guest. I loved having him on. Finn's great. Fucking 18 years old. That kid's like a natural podcaster. He's so good. Yeah, yeah, 18 and one of the one of the few people that's not scared to stand up to you. No shit. He was like throwing shit back <laughs> at me. Yeah, I'm not scary, right, Jake? No, not at all. I'm not, not at scary. All. Bunch of pussies. <laughs> Yeah, I will fucking destroy you though if you fucking <laughs> if you if you come at me, I will fucking I will you will rule the you will rue the day, you son of a bitch. I'm kidding. I love Finn. Oh, shit. Finn's a good kid, man. If I was Finn's dad, I would be proud of him. He's a good kid. Yeah, um, it was great. I was yeah. impressed. I was like, oh damn. I he was saying kind of some bullshit, but <laughs> the standing up part was impressive. I like it, man. I like it. I can't. I can't fault him for fucking coming at me. You know what I mean? No, it was good.
good. It was good. It was one of my favorite moments of the episode, honestly. No, and he does, you know, the, the thing he does it though, in a way, Jake, is he doesn't do it in like a passive aggressive way that pisses me off. He does it in like a very confrontive, combative way, like right to my face. And I got to respect. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah there's, true. There's a certain level of respect for that, right? You know, it's not. I like, agree. I agree. Dude, it's it's that passive aggressive shit that fucking pisses me off. I had somebody do that with me this week. Nobody that listens to the show and nobody, you know, not you, Jake, nobody. But I had somebody send me a passive aggressive text this week. And oh, my God, it just pissed me off. And so I'm stewing. I'm stewing. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the follow up text. And that's where I'm going to do my pouncing. That'll be like, Wow, you know, I'll do my pouncing at that moment. But right now, I'm just kind of like. Waiting in the bushes. I'm just sitting in the bushes <laughs> waiting to pounce. I hate that passive aggressive shit. Finn was just out with it, man. He was just out with it. He was like, here we go. And, you know, I like that. That's cool. That's respectable. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Well, Finn's great. Can't wait to have him on again. Yeah, we'll have him back on again. Next week, we'll be back talking about Venom uh, from Sony. And I'll be watching it in the Dolby Atmos. Hopefully, I'll get to see it two times, hopefully three times. Before we do the episode, that way I can give you the best coverage of that movie. All right, guys, we will see you next week for episode 253. And just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. And thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Later, y'all. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture, leftover. Uncool kids, what's to say? It's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. Cool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftover, pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's 
love it, hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Leftovers.